It is annuals week here at the Weird Science Studios and that means we can all kick back and get 70% less Jim and Eric. They will still spoil the books and curse way too much, but we get way less. That is a win for me. Enjoy. Shite for the Get Fresh Crate. Go, go. Whip, whip. Whip, whip. Whip, whip. Say shite out for the Get Fresh Crate. Whip, whip. Whip, whip. Hello. Oh. Say Shout out for the Get Fresh crew. Go. Get up to the Get Fresh crew. <laughs> Say shout out for the Get Fresh crew. Shout out for the Get Fresh crew. Whoa, whoa. Uh-oh. Say shout out for the Get Fresh crew. Oh, 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 do we have a show for you tonight. And while there aren't as many books as usual, I'm sure there's something here for everyone. I'm America's sweetheart, Eric Shea. And I'm Jim Werner. And you're currently listening to episode number 139 of the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast. 139, Sweet Caroline, I said. Uh. Oh, Sweet Caroline. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Hello and welcome one and all to the official and official podcast of WeirdScienceDCComics.com for September 2nd, 2017. Oh. Eric, we are proud members of the proud. Comics Podcast Network, the Weeby Geeks Network, the Batman Podcast Network, and the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. I got through that without fumbling that wait. baby. We're on Facebook at Weird Science DC Comics. We're on Podbean at Weird Science DC Comics at Podbean.com. We're on Twitter at Weird Science DC. And we have an award-winning website where you can go and read our reviews at WeirdScienceDCComics.com. Everywhere we also, you want to be. Everywhere we want to be, including in Eric Shea's pants. Right? Mm, right. If you want to be, what's going that's on? That's where I want to be, my friend. We also have an email, WeirdScienceDCComics at gmail.com, that you can email for the podcast or just to talk to me about what your daily life is all about That's Eric, weird. we also have a patreon account sure. and you can go there and support us for all of the things we do including this including our new 52 podcast including our pop culture podcast including all this nonsense Eric, that keeps Bad me issues. away from my family uh, and yes, we have a lot of uh, extra podcasts if you go to the Patreon at patreon.com slash weirdscience. What big thing for this week is we do have an exclusive spotlight every week. The badasses of the Patreon get fresh crew. Boom, boom. Do, do. They get to pick a book that we'll only uh, have as an exclusive spotlight on the Patreon account. And this week it is the Dark Side Special number one. Where that the Dark again, Side Oversized Special number I one. I don't go by that. I don't I need know. you to tell me that nonsense. Don't give me oversized, Eric. You're oversized. Oh, fine, I'm done. You're I'm oversized. This whole thing is oversized. Oh, shit. Speaking of which, I don't think this podcast episode will be oversized because we don't have a lot of books. Though I say that I, I do any believe... any podcast we do is an oversized well, podcast. Well, I was going to say, I'm not them. saying that it's going to be 45 minutes like a lot no. of podcasts out there. I believe it'll still be five hours or more. <laughs> so, yeah, to me, that is time to what take a, a rinky vacation. Dink little piece of oh, shit my podcast. Goodness. I remember when I used to have a podcast. Ooh-wee, look at you quaint little guys with your five-hour podcast. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be as long as a 12-hour podcast. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, we are on. Seriously, got fucked up. Yeah, something went weird, Eric. But you could go over to our Patreon and check it out. And there's some free things on there. I have my best songs ever episodes that you can check out for free and just see if it's worth your while to support us because we do try to do some hard work. We do respect our listeners, Eric. We consider them friends. We respect them more than we respect ourselves. I I was going to say, I'd say that we think of them as equals, but I think of them as more than what I I am. I'm a piece of crap. People (laughs) listening, I give them full kudos. They're better than me. But yeah, go over there and check it out. But Eric, right now, we have what we like to call the badass roll call. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this is a a little shout out to all the badasses that support us on Patreon at the top level. And what they do is they get to vote on everything we do, including the weekly spotlight, uh, what we have for our extra shows, our necessary nonsense show, our back issue stuff. And and we'll be doing it this week, probably me and you. Our our, uh, back issues thing is doing spawn number one. So they picked that. That's a pretty cool one, right? Yeah. I'm telling you, this song. I edited this song so it'd be real good in the background, and I don't know what happened to the edit, but here we go. Here is the badasses. We have Matthew Rapier, Richard Richardson, Simon, G, G-Man, Monty, Hakeem, Jolly Drew, Manship, Tanya Werner, Eric, Ian, mm. D-Man, Reggie Hancock, Brandon Murray, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Little MRT, Bobby... Jazz, Haviland, Pete from NYC, Mark Robbins, and the OG Christopher Hyden. We salute you and we thank you all for thank being badasses, so which you can just proudly go down the street every day and say, hey, get out of my way. I'm a badass. Yo, what's up, bitches? I'm a badass. Yo, what do you think you are? Some sugar bitch? I'm a badass. That's it. Right, right before we started sugar recording, bitch. I go upstairs and he goes, get out of my way, sugar bitch. And I said, I don't know what that means. I was like, but sugar okay, bitch. Sir. Yeah, I said, sugar bitch. Jesus Christ, you just put me in my place, young man. Uh, I'm a sugar bitch. <laughs> but yeah, thanks everybody. And yeah, just all we ask is for people to go over to the Patreon account, check it out, and just think, you know, these guys, even if you don't like any of the shows, maybe you think they put a lot of effort into they this. They put a lot of effort in, and Jim's deal. kids have no respect for them. Nope, they call me a sugar bitch. Maybe if we had a little bit more of a Patreon support, <laughs> I would no longer be a sugar bitch in God my damn. own house. That kid got taller than you all respect went out the window. Yeah, he did. Get out my way, sugar he's bitch. He's there, and he's wearing this hat. He is taller than me. So get out of my way, sugar bitch. Like, uh, that doesn't sound right to me. But, Eric, uh, now that we're done with that, now that people know I'm a sugar bitch, I'd like to say that we have a rant and rave line, which you can call 641-715-3900 and enter extension 452328, followed by the pound sign. It's just that easy, folks. It is just that easy. You could also send in a recorded bit uh, for me through your email when you you send us an email. So you don't really have to do that. But I like to say that. I love to hear you say it's just that easy. Seems easier now. I do all this karate stuff. Doesn't it seem easier now? When, you know, just because we've said it so many times, when we first said it, I used to think like, God damn it, that's a lot of effort. Now, now it doesn't seem so. I'm telling you, you tell me the damn number every week. I don't know what it is. Well, I don't either, but I'm saying it's almost as if that rant and rave line to me is like me. I've, I'm now in prison. That first week, it, it might it be rough. it might be rough on my tender cheeks, as as you might know. Both. Eric. Yes, yes, both. Uh, Juan and Jim. And uh, but after that, you know what? Smooth sailing, my friend. Smooth sailing after that. After that first week, I'm in. I, I will tell you, though, 
it did feel like I got through a lot more karate moves while you're doing before. Now it seems shorter. That's what I mean. It doesn't seem as much now, so we're going to have to change it up so you can do more Elvis karate moves. But we are now going to go to these rant and raves, and we're going to start with one of our favorite guys of all time, Eric Shea. You know who that is. My man, it Rob is Lewis. Rob Lewis. Hey, Jim, Eric, and Reggie, and the members of the Get Fresh crew, Doopy Doop. 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 It's up, your man, Rob Lewis, calling this week for a rant. About the book of the week. That's right. The book of the week. Book of the week. Is Jack Kirby's what? Dark Side number one oversized special. How oversized? I remember <laughs> when I was much younger, I used to like Jack Kirby's work at Marvel, especially his Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it was a big, big deal when he came over to D.C. That's right. The King was coming to D.C. And I was all excited about the possibilities. And... Oh, man, who the hell am I trying to bullshit? <laughs> Jack, let me tell you something. You brought out fantastic characters when you came to D.C. It was colorful. It was innovative. The, the look was interesting, and it popped off the page, and you confused the hell out of me. <laughs> I couldn't understand a goddamn thing that you was talking about back in you, those the days. Dialogue's what gets but I want to thank you for some fantastic characters. Yeah. So now let's talk about what I really called for. And that's a rant about a movie that came out on digital a couple of weeks ago, and it's called Batman and Harley Quinn. I know Quinn. it right when he said And it. I want to tell you, if you're like me, who got a little down on DC animation when they started to make the darker stories, the Batman versus the Batman versus Sun and stories yeah. like oh, that, yeah. and they were a little too dark for me. Some of the Justice League stories, a little too dark. But this is a return to their greatness. I want to tell you, I had a great time with this movie. I'm going to have to watch it now. Yeah, it, it I was continues. actually down just on until to he pause. told me. Yeah, because a lot, I heard a lot of people throwing a lot of shade at it, and I think it's probably because, I'm, and I'm with, I'm with him. I am done with this dark nonsense. I do want something fun, and maybe I'll have to check it out. Maybe because of Rob, I will check it the out last, tonight. The last DC know. animated movie that I really enjoyed was the uh, Flashpoint Paradox. Like yeah. after that, I thought everything went downhill for DC animated stuff. And I, yeah. I like you know I've had a chance to watch this Batman Harley Quinn for a while, and I just keep paging through it. I'm like, eh, not now. I don't want to yeah, do it right trust now. I trust Rob, so, so do I. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> the funny thing is. If you asked me what the story was about, I couldn't tell you because <laughs> I all I heard back was out. blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> on the flip side, this story about Batman, Nightwing, and Harlequin trying to take on Poison Ivory and the Pharaonic Man. So I, I think he was saying that all the others, he didn't know what was going on. This one he seems to and know about. Whoever the hell he is was <laughs> terrific. Florida the man. interplay between the, the lead three characters was outstanding. And after a misleading opening credit scene where I thought, what is this, a kiddies movie? We slid right into some real kink. And I mean really kinky stuff. <laughs> You'll see what I mean when you get the movie. <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch Following it. Following the kinkiness is a scene in the, in the Batmobile that had to be written by Jim and Eric. Once again, don't want to spoil it for anybody, but if you rent the movie or if you buy the movie, and you follow the scene, you'll catch on to what I'm talking about. Now I gotta this watch it. This movie was terrific, a lot of fun, fantastic artwork, and it was a step back to the glory days for DC nice. animation. And I'm giving it a seven out of ten. Right. Hey, you guys have fun. 
see you on the podcast. Nice. Nice. Thanks, Rob. I'm going to have to check it out. I made a night. Yeah. We're actually, you know, behind the scenes. It's a weird deal. We're recording this beginning last, and we're actually going to have a lot of extra time on Saturday because of us doing stuff beforehand, but also because of it being annuals week. I'm planning on watching some movies when we're done. Me and the kids. I don't even know waiting. what I plan on. I might go to Target, buy some action figures, come home, play really? with them, and watch the Batman Harley Quinn. Maybe I don't you'll know. go to Walmart and visit with me, Eric, because you know what I'm doing? We're leaving here. This is the crazy plan. We're leaving here and getting stuff to make root beer floats and well, then we're going to watch awesome. movies. But I'm not going to Walmart because I don't I love my toys floats. I want there. I love them, Eric. I love them. Here is the next rant and rave, which is somebody else you love. Richard, Richard, Richard here. And... You can tell I didn't edit these. So there's these... No. <laughs> there's a space before him. But here I you... know it's been a while since I it called has. in. Not long enough. Too long, Eric. Eric. you miss me. I know you did. Just yes. look out your window, Eric. <laughs> I have a thing. I'll pause it there for a second. <laughs> pause it there for a he second. He told I... me about this. Oh, my I, God. I got a tweet. He tweeted me. The Richard Richardson tw- Twitter account tweeted me, and out of nowhere, because I forgot he even had a Twitter account. Oh, yeah. and every time he does this, I try to get like, "Who the hell is this?" But he tweets me, and he's like, "Huh? I sent this to Eric, and he was scared." Like, oh, here we go. I forget. I'm just, I, it was after work one day. I'm just sitting at home by myself, and I hear a car horn honking outside. Like, you know, my mother has done that before. So I look out the window, and I'm peeking out the window like a goddamn creep trying to figure out yeah. what the hell is going on. And I see a car because I don't remember what my mother drives because I haven't seen mm. her in a while. But, like, I'm looking at him. Like, you mean your I poor mother? My poor mother. And I can't your see, like, mother. who it is. I'm just looking. I'm like, what the hell? And I just feel like someone's out there. Like, yeah. for some reason, it's for me. This is all going to lead to me having to do something, and I would hate that. So I – I finally go back to my computer and I see I have a freaking message. Like, oh, what's Jim? When I click on it, it's Richard Richardson. I see you. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> he was beeping her. Oh my goodness. Maybe you're gonna find out it was one of your friends. One of these friends with those, you know, stretch or you know, stretch. Uh, you, you got stretch. You got AIDS. I don't know. I don't know what you call your your fucking friends. But here, we're gonna continue with Richard Richardson. It's Richard Richardson. <laughs> Yeah, Richard Richardson is back. He's back. And there are some of you out there that think Richard Richardson might not be real. <laughs> that Richard <laughs> Richardson real, might be somebody else, like Jim or Eric or Reggie. Nope. There is one, only one Richard Richardson. I, I always try to do my Richard Richardson. Richard Richardson. See, I, I busted now. I've compl- I used to remember that one point I did really good, and then I was like, oh, no, I better, I, better back, I better back off from that impersonation. So today, with Grandmom's help, we are going to do the Scooby-Doo reveal. Okay. Yeah, that's right. right. Richard Richardson Uh-oh. is going to do the Scooby-Doo reveal and tell Uh-oh. you who I really am. There yes, you heard that correctly. <laughs> so, Grandma, tells a little me this help. Is cutting Grandma, off again. a little help. There's Grandma. Grandma. Hey. Not Grandma, grab my head. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Grandma has pride. Sure does. <laughs> okay. Uh. I don't know who was screaming, Grandma or Richard Richardson. It doesn't oh, matter. That's enough. Enough. 
I think it was Richard Richardson. Richard Richardson here. Richard Richardson here. There's that better? only Richard Richardson is nobody but Richard Richardson. No, there it is. <laughs> Uh, that, was the Scooby Doo reveal. that was the Scooby-Doo reveal. That was the Scooby-Doo reveal. We will see you later. There we go. Thank you, Richard Richardson. Thank you, Richard. Uh, the next one is... I guess. Yes, you love Richard Richardson. When he actually... He scared me the other day. Him sending that, that's, that's great. Now, that is great Richard Richardson for you when he <laughs> sent that and scared the shit out of you. That makes me laugh. It was, it was the most fucked up timing, though, because I was well, just peeping out my window, all creepy like myself, and I just come back, I see you. Isn't everything time just right in this world we call life, Eric? Isn't no. Isn't that the case? No, it's not. Isn't that the case? This roller coaster ride we call existence. Was, was your late, was your last son Logan perfectly timed? Yes, he was, Eric. Yes, oh, yeah. he was. No, he wasn't. He was a mistake. I told him that. I tell him that every day. He gets it My makes him happy. That every day too. It makes him happy. He's like, hey, dad, I'm going off to school. I love you. I'm like, you were a mistake. <laughs> and then I figure, you know what? That's the worst thing that somebody will say to him today. And now everything's up for him. From then on out, it's an uphill thing now, a climb. He's happy. He appreciates. Uphill climbs aren't easy, though. Yeah, well, that's the problem. Is these kids they're they're a little lazy nowadays. You need a couple uphill climbs, uh, you know. Why now can't and he again. coast downhill after that? Well, when he gets down, I'll give him cream candies, Eric. There you go. He'll he'll have his eye ear on the pulse of the streets. Here we go. The next one is we just had Richard Richardson, so now we're gonna have rant and rave, Randy, Eric. You know, I don't want to reveal who that is either. Hey, howdy, folks. It's old Charlie <laughs> Drew here. Just wanted to say hi and give a, a whoop whoop. I forgot that he whoop, exposes whoop, himself whoop, right away. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, last week, no one sent in any rants and nope. raves, and that just makes Crazy. me a sad little boy inside. So I thought <laughs> I'd introduce you to a close personal friend of mine. Um, he lives next door to me yep. in a basement. In a basement. And I just wanted uh, to introduce him to you because I know he's a huge fan of the podcast. All right. So without further Ooh. ado, I'd like to introduce you guys to Rant and Rave Randy. <laughs> Hi, guys. It's Rant and Rave Randy. Ugh, I can't do this. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little bit too much for me to put on for too long. I like it. There's no Rant and Rave Randy here. I was just fooling. Oh. The world just is a lie. Uh, and that's not the kind of guy I wanted to be. You know, I sometimes I just get so desperate to come up with ideas for rant and raves because I think it is, it is the best part of the podcast by far. Yeah, it's because um, it's the less least it, bit it's of a us. Participation for uh, you know it's completely democratic. Uh, we get to say whatever we like, no matter what Jim says, and he can't tell me what to do anymore nope. because he doesn't right. own me. I don't know. Um, just wanted to introduce a new character, Rant and Rave Randy, and it just didn't work hey out this there. time. So uh, maybe maybe in a couple weeks when he's a little bit more fleshed out, maybe he shouldn't <laughs> be living in a basement. Maybe. Uh, it, it, I just like that he calls it. He just didn't have the character fleshed out yet. No, maybe that was all. the thing that I did wrong. Uh, anyway, uh, I haven't like gotten my books story. this week. I think the only one that came in uh, on my pull list was All-Star Batman. So I'm excited to read You're that. Right um, oh, man, come on. Uh, I told you, I said not everybody reads it. And Rave Randy will have to uh, we'll put him on ice for a couple weeks and maybe I'll come up with a better voice for him. I like um, that voice. Boy, I'm really, hey, I'm really Rave lifting Randy. The, um, the curtain on, on what I, I do like. here. You know, you guys are going to figure out that I'm doing all these voices. and, and Maybe even yeah. Richard Richardson. Shouting at me to do oh, things. Shit. 
Uh, so just wanted to say whoop whoop and uh, have Woo-woo. a great show, guys. Wee! Thank Yee-yee-yee. you. Thank you, Jolly Drew. Thank you, Drew. Hey. He's hey. not done. It's me. <laughs> Don't listen to Jolly Drew. <laughs> Rang Wave Randy shall live forever. And he'll call in every week. Brother. And make your lives miserable. Listen to your brother. Rants and raves that go nowhere. Rant, rave, Randy Savage I don't even read them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to Dally Drew. I'm real. I'll never go away. You cannot, uh, cannot trap me in my basement anymore. <laughs> and keep me for a second. Food. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm, I'm an <laughs> evil man. I don't, I don't want you to have a good show. Oh, and evil I'll, man. I'll never plug the Patreon because there's never anything good on there. Jesus Christ. Uh, nice. Except for Where's all Saint the, Patreon the, the, the classic stuff that you put on there. I'm like, uh, Jim has issues with his kids and, uh, yes. Uh, bonus Patreon spotlights. Who <laughs> would want to listen to that? Ooh, not me. Know. I'm Rant and Rave Randy. He's I Rant only Rave listen Rave. to the Rant and Raves. I skip right to it. And it's done. Yeah, I didn't even have a podcast last week because all I listened to is the Rant and Raves. Ooh, it's Rant and Rave Randy. And, uh, fuck off. <laughs> you know what Are I... You ready? You know what the best thing is, too? I, I always forget that we have a Rant and Rave song now. I forgot Mike's Rant and Rave song again. Oh, so. yeah. I'm going to have to either edit that in. If I don't, I apologize. I don't even know. I'm going to see now. If I have it on the deal, I don't. I got I to gotta get up with this stuff, you know? I, I am off. I don't know. Wait, here it is, Eric. Brightest day and brightest night. Oh, no evil escaped my sight. No war threats, evil mites. Beware of my power, green's light. And there we have it, Eric. There we have it. Uh, we have one more rant and rave uh, for the night. And this one I'm just going to play for you, Eric. It seems that we have missed out on a lot of things doing this podcast. As you know, a lot of friends of ours have parties. Your friends. My friends don't call me at all. Yeah. But uh, we, we do miss out. And it looks like we missed out on some other things. Here we go. Hey, Jim, Eric, where are you guys at? Hey, the party was about to die down. The lady was about to say party is over, but dude, Comic Craft Jimmy just came in. It's going crack. <laughs> Comic Craft Jimmy just came in. <laughs> hey, Jim, what, what are you guys at? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God, Dan, Dan, what are you doing over there? Oh, he's about to start singing. Oh, my God, you guys got to be here. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> We missed out. We missed out. out. Comic Craft Jimmy came to the party and we weren't there. Oh, my goodness Well, you probably told me you were allergic to hops and never showed up. Yes. If this was a high school party, yes, indeed, I would have said that. I was a I only go to high school parties. I was, yeah, still. I was a very, very afraid little kid. I really was. And that I got I got people making fun of me. Uh, Aaron's making fun of me on the goddamn Slack chat about me doing that. I'm sorry. I was uh, a very afraid also, little kid of 18. I, well, here's the thing. He's like, he, Jim missed out on all the prime drinking years. The, to him, that's 12 to, to 13. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys are all 12 to awful. 21. No, 12 to 13. You guys are all bad examples. I waited till it was legal, and then I took advantage of that legality. And got most of uh, people's drinking in, you know, a lifetime of drinking done in four years while I was at college. I don't drink anymore, and I want to set a good example for my young sons that I am raising to be such you mean good characters that call me 
Sugar bitch. Sugar bitch. Sugar bitch, Eric. But that is the end of the beginning of the podcast. We're going to go off right now to mail section number one. It's mail with Jim. Hallelujah. It's mail with Jim. Great balls of fire. Great Caesar's ghost. To the fruity. Oh, my God. To the fruity. Home road. How's that? <laughs> mail section number one. Uh, we don't have a lot of mail this week. I think that annuals week has made everybody go and uh, go to sleep early or something. Maybe uh, they I, took vacation for a little bit. If I was a listener, I, I would mail in this week. I'd want this done. I hate these annuals weeks and all this nonsense. So here we go. Dave is the first email. Eric, Dave is going to be writing. And both of these uh, emails in this first section are new listeners. Oh, nice. Dave, well, not new listeners per se. Dave is, though. Dave says, hey, guys, my friend suggested oh, your podcast. I, I wouldn't be friends with such a person. Stand, starting from the beginning. And it's Crazy. definitely interesting. You realize <laughs> at this point I'm already getting angry. I know. <laughs> interesting. Oh, what, what are we here? For the, what am I, a fucking clown? Huh? Am I supposed to make you laugh? Is that what I'm here for, Eric? I'm here. I, you, <laughs> Not on my watch. <sighs> you ain't funny. <laughs> you told me we're the authorite. Is why. We're no, no. Here. You told me I'm the authorite. Oh. I said we are the authorite. Oh, we're the authorite, are you? So, so hey. the, does that make things interesting? Tell me. You start from the beginning. Yeah, it's interesting. The interesting thing is to how the fuck did these guys keep going? <laughs> Seriously. Why would they continue from this? I'm telling you, this Dave, he, he's probably desperately trying to hear what you're saying at most of the time because, boy, when he hits about episode 19 or 20, though there is a little hate speech, he'll end up like, oh, my God, I can finally hear this guy, Eric Stray. And then the then the trouble starts, Eric. Oh, That's wow. what it really begins. I, I said, I think that we didn't hit our stride to probably about episode 136. That's yep. when I think we really put it together. <laughs> Actually, we, we do point to episode 50 as when Jess showed up and did her little diatribe, Eric, which you know what? It is annuals week, so why shouldn't I play it, right? Here you go, Brandon. I'm not a crazy bitch, Eric. I'm not going to come in here and tell you what you can and can't talk about, but that is inappropriate, and I'm angry about that. You hear me, Jim? Yeah. Edit that out. I Not hear fun. you. I hear you, Jess, and I'm having a lot of fun. That was episode 50. I think we finally hit our stride. <laughs> uh, but yes, he says, look through your library and notice the 10-hour episode. He didn't look far enough. He nope. didn't look far enough to see the 12 and a half hour episode, and then the other 12 hour, then the 13, then all the other 10s, then the 9s, and so. What the fuck can you talk about for 10 hours? Comics. Oh, we find something. The Shea over there, that guy, he's got verbal diarrhea, he does. Oh yeah, it's me. Let's see how long it takes me. Yeah, it is. I see. When I go to edit it, I see, you know, my track is track one. Yours is track two. That track two, you don't shut your goddamn mouth. 
It's funny when I do edit this, and it's going to be now because you hear me just going, when we do the mail, I have to be 98% of the whole audio of the mail. And I always think, me and Eric were having a back and forth with this mail. Why isn't he talking here? What What is going on, Eric? But he says, what the fuck can you talk about for 10 hours? Let's see how long it takes me to catch up. LOL. Thanks for all the book recaps. Until then. David Castro. And do you think David Castro will ever get to the end where we are now? Definitely not. I don't think he will. I think by the time he gets to, say, episode 70, he's going to think that we're pieces of shit and stuff. That's my fear. I know, no. He's going to find out we're pieces of shit well before then. Well, maybe he'll have enough of that. Like, you know, you could go out in your backyard and you see one piece of shit. And you're like, okay, I don't need to work on this. I can let that go. And then you go out the next day and there's 72 pieces of shit. Now there's trouble. And then you wonder, I don't even have a dog. Why are there, what's there shit in the backyard? You realize that your toilet is broken and your kids are taking shits in the backyard. That, that's when things go wrong, Eric. I'm telling you, that things go wrong then, right? Yeah. What yeah. do you think? Do you think uh, I don't know what you're talking about? Do you have any advice for David? Do you if he if he does hear this, maybe he does one of those where he listens to the new episode and then goes back during the week and listens to the other. Oh, if that's so, the case, that's fine. Then I'm well, telling you, you're never going to catch up that way. No, I would say that. Dave should say, do what we always say. Just just jump skip in to now. The, yeah, just skip to the front. Now. Yes, skip to the front. The next email from this first section is Sven. Eric and Sven is a new, uh, not a new listener, but the first email, and it seems like he has a problem with one Eric Shea. Oh no! Sven says, first time, long time, and I just wanted to tell you guys that while I have loved listening to you for over a year since Rebirth started, I am getting sick of hearing Eric hate on Jack Kirby. <laughs> without I, I don't Kirby, like the man. What do you want without from Kirby, you guys wouldn't have comics to talk about. He says, and then he says, oh. bow to the king, Eric. Bow to the king. Not doing it. You can't make me. He said, "That's what Sven says." Sven says, "You have to bow to the king." And then he says, "P.S. Jim, can I hear some burn victim?" <laughs> oh God! Hey there, Eric. Why don't you watch Jack Kirby, baby? You got a light? How's that? You like? Does that turn no, you on any bit? I'm, I'm not. Nobody else is listening, Eric. Nobody listens during annuals week. So if I say, "Does that turn I you am. on at any bit?" Have you ever thought of that voice while you were masturbating? Hey there, Eric. Why don't you come out? I don't think I'm ever gonna be able to masturbate again. Why don't you come out with Siri in the burn victim unit sometime, big boy? There's holes in her face in my mind. No, there's no holes. It's just my fucking lips are falling off. They look like little slugs, though. I could give you a good gun job. What's that? (laughs) Hey, anybody see fucking amputee WC fields around here? Oh God. I'm going to make a whole a whole group of people. Hey, hey there, Alex Shea. Anybody see the pieces of Groucho Marx after that downtown bomb incident? Don't you hurt Groucho? Oh, I'm telling you, I'm doing this and spit is flying everywhere as I do. And so I do it, gross. it hurts my goddamn face. I got to shift my face to oh, do it. Oh, I know how you have to do it. So, oh, I showed you. Where, where, where? Hey there, but why you want to get me some of that cardboard? Look what you did, Sven. Hey, Sven, what's going on, big boy? Ah, uh, yes, annual week, Eric. It brings out the best in us. The thing uh, is, it's not that I hate Jack Kirby. I hate all of his original nonsense. Why don't you bow to the king, Eric? Say you don't like the fourth world, do you? It, it is big just boy. so out there and fucking just... 
I'll tell you, times. The, the dialogue, it, it, it's hard to take. It really is hard to take some of that dialogue. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of mail section number one. Right, we had a little burn victim me. Mae West and, and him throwing shade at you and Jack Kirby. But we're going to go Never off now. Him. We're going to go off now and talk about some books. No. going to be talking that much this week not in comparison to most weeks this right. is annual week and it's a weird one because there's not it, it's annuals week but yet not a lot of annuals compared to you know it, it kind of is more regular issues so we've got three regular issues it. two annuals and two specials yeah i would say the specials are more like annuals but they aren't annuals so we'll go with it eric i just this whole nonsense uh that dc comics has thrown at us the last couple weeks uh, has got me down, but I can't say that there. It's not like every issue this week is great. I don't know. Maybe it's just because there's so little. I, I've been a little more happy uh, this week. We've had a couple. We get a couple issues that are okay, right? They're not I, I all got, terrible. I, I got two issues I don't mind. One I actually yeah. one I really like. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, at least it's a reprieve from that, and we don't seem to be having a 10-hour podcast on our hands here. So right there, we should be happy, Eric. All right, everybody. Congratulations. See you in seven. Yes, see you in 15. All right. 15. We'll just take two weeks off and a day. And a day. Just just to give ourselves one extra day. Maybe it is also, as we record, we took off today. Me and you did not go to work today. Uh, You said you ate a big, large pizza by yourself, got up late. I got up and recorded a Best Songs Ever podcast that took me hours upon hours, but I like doing that. So it was some fun, and now here we are to That's talk the worst about the part comics of, it of the week. I, since I had this extra day, didn't go to work, I was like, maybe I should try to record something. And I'm like, I woke up really late, like 11 o'clock in the, uh, in yeah. the morning, got showered, and then I walked over to the pizza joint, got a large freaking extra cheese pizza, came back, put on Guardians 2, Ate the whole thing, and then I wanted to die and felt I like I couldn't move. I can't believe I ate the exactly. whole thing. Did you say that at all after I you did. were done? Ah, uh, yes. But I also, say it every time. You mentioned this. Are you talking Cellar Dwellers Horror Movie Night? Is that I was what you might be it. talking? It's taking a lot of gestation, period. That that uh, podcast. I want it to be right, Jim. It's I just don't want to jump into it. It's in the thinking stage. Uh, 
I, I still blame Bobby uh, for all of my best songs ever because she did one on American Pie, <laughs> and it was so good that now I'm telling you, now I have to try to up the ante. Before I go in, out, I, you know, I'm in for a couple minutes, and then I'm out. Now it's it's an extravaganza. Now it's just beat the Bobby Movie game. quotes. You should see this one. I, I let out all the whole arsenal on this one. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, I did talk to Reggie about it, and he says that one of the movie nights, probably an extra one because I don't think it ever be voted it on uh we're gonna force you to watch do the right thing with us we'll we'll do that because that's i did fight the power by public enemy and it was pretty much featured throughout that whole movie so i had a couple quotes from there and reggie says that you are in eric but we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about comics and i just want to mention this is the meat and cheese obviously we're going to do the reviews of the few comics that came out but if you want to read our written reviews of those comics go over to that award-winning website weirdsciencedccomics.com and you can read those and eric we're going to start pretty much the first section for the first time in a long long time two of my books eric i know it's, it's crazy. always been your books uh featured in this first section finally i get my time to shine first off going with all-star batman number 13 written by scott snyder art by Raphael albuquerque chris peter and steve wands in the pen ultimate issue of the first ally story and the series in general scott snyder gives us alfred alfred and then some alfred there oh. we learn a bit more about his relationship with briar and what nemesis kind of is but it all is really just set up for next month's fingers crossed eric we don't really who knows when it'll come out these things have been delayed a lot it, and this one just barely this made it in. This three weeks late, yeah. I'm saying this one barely made it into August, so who knows if September we'll see one. It may be October. We'll see. It all plays out like an action movie, and for some reason I liked Albuquerque's art more this issue than any other. And I really can't explain why. I don't know if maybe it's just there's a lot of action scenes in this or whatever, but I really did like his art. I don't know how you felt at all about this issue. That's the thing is, that's one of the things where I have not, like, you know, I have not been a fan lately of Albuquerque's art on the series, but, like, I didn't think about it this issue. You know, that's what I'm saying. I think that maybe it's so, you know what? Yeah, maybe it's so fast moving. Yeah, Yeah, maybe it's, I actually, you say that, I actually thought while I was reading it for the review, after the first read, I thought, huh, I didn't really think of the art like you said. Yeah. And I thought maybe it was because I was getting used to it. But then I, when I read it again, and especially again, because we usually read these yeah. two or three times before we get this, I thought, no, no, I, I think that he does well with the action scenes. And this one is a lot of action. And I like oh, it. I, I did moving. like it. Yeah, and it starts off where we did have the cliffhanger of last issue was when the Bruce Wayne's, uh, you know, the hotel, hotel. that was at, uh, that was just supposed to be a grand opening coming up uh, was blown up. And they and then they had like, a grand closing. Yes, and, and that's the yeah, grand closing indeed, a grand rubble. Uh, but yeah, the, the thing about this series is Scott Snyder really is going for gusto with every ending, every cliffhanger is Batman and at least Batman dying. It seems. So this continues with this, but this is him getting out of it. I said in my review that this is not exactly a clever way to get out of that cliffhanger, but it's pure action movie. I, I mean, it is – they even have a scene out of this from Rush Hour, the movie with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, where they're going down a banner, you know, a Jackie right, Chan right. type deal. And even, but even in, before that thing, I love the whole deal where it's like, you know – the the rubble's coming down around the whole building, you know, Alfred's yes. falling, Batman's got his freaking, you know, glider cape spread yes. open and grabs a hold of him. He's like, Let go, sir, the glider cape is only meant for one. He's like, It'll hold if I say it'll hold. And I'm like, 
The best That's part it. is as soon as he it, says it, it, it does not a hold yeah, him. Again. It rips. No shit. Yeah, it rips. He's just trying to make him feel bad as he's grabbing him. Now you have to realize, it, it, at this point they're falling, and Batman is grabbing Alfred by his arms with his knees, with his <laughs> legs, and it actually, to me. Uh, that works out. I know it yeah. doesn't make any sense, but it's action movies. I can stuff, see. But... Look, if you're trying to like, if you have to like grab a hold of somebody, he is doing everything he can to hold on. I can totally make sense of grabbing yes. with your legs. Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm it's telling you, you I, actually I don't like see it. a lot, but it, it makes a lot of sense for yes, what he's doing right now. It's not him just grabbing him by the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has his arms in the glider, so it makes sense. I like that. Now, right before that, the issue actually opens with Alfred sitting there and thinking to himself and telling the reader. That when Batman first became Batman, he actually got a house in Cuba, and he wants to retire at some point, and he hopes that when he retires, Batman will decide, Bruce will decide, hey, you know, I'm done too, and, and not go on. And this goes full out through this. This story is about fathers and sons, about mentors and, and their prodigies, if you will, or their students. Knights now, and squires. Yeah, and, yeah, and the thing is, uh, I like this because for one thing— you can't really say that Alfred is fully Bruce's mentor. I think that that I think they are more equals than what you had before with Briar and him, as we see. Oh yeah, I think, the way the story plays out with this whole, you know, Alfred was the Black Knight before yeah. he ever like you know went in service for the Waynes and shit like that. He has totally become Batman's equal with the story because yes. of what he went through. The same exactly. with the Dark Knight. That's the what Black I Knight. really like. I I love that, and I I love the fact that it kind of was. A natural progression of you realizing that, okay, you know what? Alfred has been through all this because we're still seeing what Alfred was through. And the the finale will see really what it – and they point to it at the end what it's going to be. But you get the idea that, okay, this is a story showing us how Alfred learned to be a better person, to be a better quote-unquote father. Now you get the idea of why he keeps saying it. And why not Scott only Snyder that, though, like push. the whole thing, how to be a Batman as well. Yeah, yeah, and I, th- I was just saying – it it shows why Snyder has been continually uh, saying Alfred saying son and right. him being father and stuff like that, which threw me off at first. But by now, again, almost like you said about Raphael Albuquerque's art, I'm used to that as well. Uh, but the problem is you have to think, too, that if Alfred retires – Batman ain't retiring. You, no. you know what I mean? And they even show it as he's thinking about this. He's in Cuba thinking that Batman's going to retire. And then it looks like in this little dream sequence, this what he calls a bloody bedtime story, that Batman did not stop and now is dead because he doesn't have Alfred with him. So, And you, I actually really enjoyed this first thing, too, where we see Batman against the wall with the GCPD, like all guns yep. on him, with even yep. Gordon behind him yep, saying, you know, it's all over. Him. And them opening fire, just the look of this Batman, this freaking, this like bearded, freaking tired, Grizzled like guy, it, it's yeah. very freaking almost Miller like with the Dark Knight yeah, it returns the way it's it looks. Very and I'm much like, like that. I really like this whole portrayal that Alfred's dreaming what will become of Bruce Wayne if he leaves yeah. him. And, and him, again, him thinking that maybe, you know, the thing is, he's been driving Batman uh, to be still be Batman. If he retires, yeah. Batman will come to his senses. But even Alfred but doesn't he knows think that that truth. will happen. Yeah, Alfred doesn't think that that will happen deep down. You see that. Well, they go down, like we said. They're they're falling. He's using the glider that rips. And then they grab onto the banner, banner yeah. that Alfred helped uh, write, which is kind of a, a funny thing. And they just are going down that banner, a la Rush Hour, Eric. I, I'm then, telling you, though, Alfred seems all proud of this banner. I'm like, it's not that great, man. He's- no. No, it's not that good. Alfred, he he is many things, Eric. 
uh, a, a advertising guy. He ain't. I, and yeah. Tony, he is about to die, yeah. and he's thinking to himself about this banner that he yep, helped Bruce banner. Wayne write. Like, I'm trying hey. to figure out what the hell it is. It's like batter up, and I, I can't find where the hell it says it. It's like the most ridiculous. Oh, it seems like it, something you and I would fight about. We're like, oh, oh we it, have this great terrible. slogan, and you're yeah. like, this is it's fucking like, terrible. It's Eric. like batter up, head down to the. Oh wait, it is. It's bat- batter up. Lovely apartments just feet from Marlins Stadium. he's so proud of it oh he's so proud i I imagine bruce is there and he's trying to come up with something Uh. and and then alfred says and he's like god and somehow alfred has like a chip he can hand it at one point that whatever he says goes this one time and he's like i'm pulling my chip out and he's like really really this this thing that i'm putting up in, in miami all this money i'm spending and you got you got that piece of shit fucking you know <laughs> slogan fucking batter up lovely apartments <laughs> just feet from marlin stadium oh great and i like he's like beach baseball history now, i get the the baseball from that you're not really pushing beach and history there for people who wouldn't know anything about it but it is, it is funny and he even says later that the reason why he even has bruce do these things it seems like he's a little sly like hey you know what you should open a hotel in miami and he does this to try to get batman out of gotham he wants yeah. bruce to get out of gotham sometimes and maybe in my mind it's that maybe at one point Something will catch his eye of like, you know what? You Fuck know what? Gotham. I ain't heading back. The I'm going to stay here. here. Are lovely, Alfred. You like, weren't lying. You know, you know what? what? Let's just stay here forever. Yeah, yeah. All I've been waiting for is somewhere to live, just feet from Marlins Stadium. He said, and now he has it. He can go see the Marlins. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a cool thing. Again, it's kind of like a sly thing that Alfred tries to do, yeah. but. Again, the wraparound is here they are in Miami falling to their deaths because of all this. So it, it never gets them. Batman, the, the trouble follows Batman, it seems. It, it's not just in Gotham. But we go, uh, while they're still falling, we do go back in time to see more of Alfred in the Nemesis program with Briar as the you know, Black Knight. And again, this is very, very action movie slash even video game type deal where it does show you in a uh, a way of how much trust Alfred has to have with Briar going oh, through Oh, yeah, and this. even working through that because, you know, this whole thing is Alfred's running away from insurgents and shit like that. He's getting fired upon, yeah. and Briar's in his ear giving him directions. Like, yeah, he can't look, see. I can't it's do this. It's a sandstorm. Yeah, there's yeah. a sandstorm going on. He's like, look, I can't do this, Briar. There's nothing here. Like, just trust me. Go with it because yep. everything that Briar is telling him is the exact point of, like, exit kind of thing for yeah, Alfred. Yeah, yeah. All he has to do is to make sure that he listens to Briar, and he can get through if he just has that trust, and it's a really yeah, yeah. cool scene. Oh, yeah. This is like a deadly version of the close your eyes and the guy will catch you behind. Exactly. Trustful. He, yeah, yeah. He can't see at all. Now, the one thing that it leads to him jumping over a uh, a street that looks like Alfred would never be able to jump off <laughs> – over but it's kind of an exaggerated thing i'm like who the hell is alfred turned into well, he doesn't he's exactly just running. make it he, he grabs the legend uh, yeah, pull go, himself uh, up. Jesus, it looks like he jumps the grand canyon <laughs> what is he evil can evil there but yeah he goes and uh i really like again i know that you know a dancing mike will, will have problems like oh man scott snyder but this this story i like the progression i like the way he thinks things through because when Alfred does get to this other uh, building that he jumped over the street, uh, Briar's in his ear and says, now listen, you have to give them a target so that they fire instead of radioing. And to me, that's a very smart thing to have in a story because if Alfred runs and gets away, they're getting on their radios and calling for backup. They're going to call everybody because, you know, that the jig, the jig is up there. 
Hang on. But yeah, at this point, he says, you got to let them fire. Instead of raving, you have to hope they miss, yep. and you don't. And and that's what happens. And I'm he telling does. you, this is actually the turnaround here where I'm just enjoying the comic for what it is. And then at this point, I realize that's so goddamn smart. That's like, what that's I mean. something that's I would never think thing. of. And nope. I'm like, I love that scene so much. Just for, like, just, it's not needed. It's just thrown in there and like, this thing is well yeah. fucking thought well, out. And, and I really appreciate yeah. it. Instead of just having these guys blindly fire and like stormtroopers miss Alfred, yeah, Alfred yeah. gets up and kills, it, it makes it smarter. It really does by saying that. And then he's trapped on the roof and he's like, you know, what do I do? And Briar's like, you have to go the clotheslines. And he's like, they're, they're clotheslines. They're going to fall. I'm not doing that. I'm going to die. And he says, no, no, no. Look. And there's the upside down crown. That's the symbol of the nemesis, the Black Knight program. And he sees that and he's like, that is your way home. You know, use that. That's set up. And again, that that's pretty damn cool. It goes down into a building there and that's where Briar is waiting for for him and then he says you know did you get it and Alfred's like yeah I got it so now we're like okay what was the mission you know we're, we're just I, I, when there. he says I got it he freaking rolls down his shirt sleeves and we see this black veins crawling yeah. up his arm I'm like what the fuck did you get yeah I, I know I'm it. like what happened but it ends up that he went and infected himself with a virus to get it out and it's going to be extracted and really the wraparound to this is they are doing this to send it to the MI5 even though that was the ones who were trying to kill them because yep. they are a covert government agent that nobody can know about. They're a, they are know. the heroes that look – actually, you know what they're a lot like? I was even thinking about this when we were talking about uh, Red Hood for the spotlight before. It's yeah. like they're kind of like the Green Hornet where everybody believes they're bad guys, but they're doing the good thing. Yeah, that's what it And is. that's what it and, made me think of, even yep. Red Hood and the Outlaws and with this whole thing with the Nemesis Project because they are – like you're working for queen and country, but they are the but, Nemesis that yeah, you need to go after. They're an enemy of the crown. Yeah, yeah, they're an enemy of the crown. They even say it as he's going. They they say, you know, that's part of the job. But, yeah, they're going and they go out and Briar extracts the, you know, the whatever it is. You know, Alfred's blood that's infected by this virus, whatever it may be, and is going to send it off to MI5 to, you know, that's what they're going to. And then he gives Alfred the antidote and then they go and off. And I got to think that there's something that has to be bigger with this because it's such a, like, we spend a lot of time with the idea that this antidote, like, you know, Alfred thinks at first he's getting the antidote. It, all and he like, says, I actually, still feel good. Exactly. And like, he's no, talking no, about no. how he feels good. And he's like, no, that's the virus still acting. I'm just extracting yeah. some blood from me to get the virus. But the virus itself just makes you feel euphoric. I'm like, huh. This, yeah. like, the amount of time we spend on this, there has to be something going Maybe. on with this virus. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because, remember, even if Alfred leaves and all that, he does still have that you know, tracker in him that they said would never leave and, and crazy stuff like that. So we'll see what, what goes on with it. But, yeah, you do see – or it's just supposed to show you how much he did trust Briar that he went into this place and pretty much – you know, got infected by some virus that just rips you apart. And the antidote the just freaking, you know, just makes you feel even worse. Yeah, yeah. So he's just going to be hurting. But yeah, then you go back to Alfred and Batman. They have survived and they see the black and whites going off in the helicopter. And, you know, Batman, he, he should be dead again, but he isn't. And there's no rest for Batman. Uh, he sees these two kids pulling up on motorcycles. He commandeers them. And, and again, I like this because it's, it's all Alfred's narration about, you know, he holds up his hand and, and, you know, they know that he means, you know, business or whatever. And they want to try to pretend they're cool, but they don't. And then finally they bend and let him have the motorcycle. But then it, it continues with Alfred saying, I wonder if this moment will shape them 
being these two kids with the motorcycles, yeah. that the courses of their lives will change having met him, having encountered an ally and outlawry. And the it, thing is, I just want to know, like, where's Alfred out of nowhere judging these kids? Do they think, like, he thinks they're just bad kids because they have motorcycles? Hey, what is this? Yeah, because they have they have West Motor Club on the back of their, their jackets. If, oh, if the you West put Motor that, Club. <laughs> you mean business then? You're badasses then. But he, I like that he says, I want to tell them to turn back to run home to their parents, to forget him and me, and all of that. And then it goes back in time again where Alfred and, and Briar are talking. First, because I'm just reading. I turn the page. I'm going through Alfred's narration. Because and you're it continues, like, why like, is he so young? And no, I, I thought this is like it continues with the kids going back for some reason. Now that they've met Batman, this one has a gun next to it. Like, yeah, where is this going? Because it is. It, it never really does say at that point like, uh, you know, a placard then again or, right, right. you know, whatever. But it is Alfred. He's, he's sleeping. It looks like maybe this is him trying to work off that virus or the last yeah. parts of it. And he hears a noise and he goes out and it's Briar and Briar's looking at the nemesis helmet and he's talking to the one he has there looks like Darth Vader but yeah even with uh he shrunk and has smashed his bottle of what whiskey or whatever it is at his feet it looks like and he's like oh I'm sorry to wake you Alfred I was just tidying up and this is where you get a lot of insight into what this whole program is and what it means to Briar and what it's going to mean to Alfred. And I like the idea that it does take Briar to be drunk to kind of tell him this and says, you know what? Uh, Just I've like been when my this... father told me he loved me. He had to yeah, be drunk really, first. I'm telling you, that's the only time my dad told me. He, he only said it once. He said, no, I my, love my grandfather. I, I used to go down to West Virginia freaking every time it was his yeah. birthday. We used to buy him a bottle of Crown Royale for because it was his favorite. And we'd sit around, we'd play cards and we'd drink. And he would have to be so drunk to tell me he loved me. But the thing yeah. is, he would be like, Eric, I love you. And then he would realize that he said it and would get and angry get and they would punch you in the face. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm like, nice. God Just damn like it. You don't, you don't have to say it. <laughs> Was he Briar? Because Briar's oh, there and he's looking at this mask. And he says, you know what? I've cut 15 of those of these. And, you know, you get the idea. Okay, he's gone through 15 of these nemesi. And uh, he's like, 15 nights I've squired, and they've served proudly. And the thing that he goes on with is that, you know what they always ask for when they're dying? The ones that are wounded and don't, you know, die immediately, they always ask for their parents. They always want to know, or let let my parents know what I did. Please let them know that I was good and I was doing something for the country. He can't do that. And he says, no. I can't. So it does seem like the next step that he had was... He used his son as one. So he got his actual son thinking, okay, since these kids that I get always end up – that's their weakness. Their weakness they that they can home, never they overcome is they're dreaming of being at home, and they're doing this, and, and they can't tell their parents and all this. So his perfect design was – I'll use my son. I'll be there yeah. with him all the time. There'll be no problem. He'll never think, oh, man, I wish that my dad knew this because he will. He'll be there. He died. He, he ended up dying, and this all leads to Alfred kind of – And he, you know, he died taking a bullet him. for Briar, so it's even yeah. worse in his yeah. mind. Oh, it's worse. And so you, you get the idea that Briar at this point has been trying to perfect this program. Oh, yeah. Until, like he, out... says, he, he has done 15 of this nemesis, yeah. and the latest iteration before Alfred was his son – that didn't work out, so now with Alfred, it's the newest design that he's yes. created for it, and it gets even more fucked and up. Yeah, and he says, and he's crying even, too, at this point, and he says, this mark right here, this thorn, and he's talking about the, you know, the upside-down crown, yeah. uh, and I'd do anything to bring him back if I could. He was the best I trained until you. Now, you still don't get the idea of, okay, what is, what is Briar up to? Because he keeps saying how he's trying to perfect this. What yeah. is Alfred better? And that's, Alfred tries to comfort him. He, he slaps him like your grandfather would slap you. No, but no, he, he slaps me into 
face. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So he doesn't punch him in the face. But this is where he says this Briar statement. Briar is nicer than my grandfather. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Briar is a little cryptic here until the end, and it does show you at the end what he means. And he says, now listen. When you pass training, when you put that mask on, things need to change. That's what I've learned. The best way I can help you is to cut you loose. And now as he's saying this, you're getting the idea that he means himself. Like, okay, listen, Alfred, the minute that you put on that mask, I ain't your daddy anymore. You're an asshole. I don't want any parts of you. That's how it – but it's not just that because he says no one to fall back on. If you can't do it yourself – so be it. It's how I can be your best first ally to make sure you have no one to cry out for in the night. It, it wraps around at the end that he actually means that he is going to kill Alfred's father. He doesn't want Alfred to have anybody that he will cry out for. That's where where Briar's son still did have that connection to a father, and that's what killed him because you said he jumped out, took yeah. a bullet. So what Briar is planning right now is pretty much to make Alfred have nobody, nobody to rely on, just himself, and it, it's fucked up by the end. But he says, I'm going away for a few days. When I get back, you'll have your final test, and we'll make you your helmet. I'm proud of you, Alfred. And he's going away, it seems, by the end. To go kill Alfred's father, yeah. to kill Jarvis, and that's that's fucked up. But I, you know, and I would say that the final test will be, okay, you're gonna deal with it. You, you know, I killed your father. You're gonna deal with it. You're gonna be a pussy and walk away. But I, I believe that would be the final test. And honestly, the final test for me as well. I think you know, Briar's like, I'm be your greatest first style. I give you no yeah. reliance. So if he goes and kills freaking you know Jarvis, you have and comes back me. and tells Alfred. Now you have to kill me, and yeah. you have a, you have no one to fall yeah, back on. Yeah, then you'll be the perfect crazy. soldier. And he even says, he says, listen, uh, Alfred says, I wish I had gone after him right then. And he yeah. just kind of was, you know, he doesn't know exactly what he's no, talking not at about point, at that no. point. Uh, but yeah, now you go back to the now. Batman's chasing the helicopter down. He's on the motorcycle. It's a screwed up Because they have the way. Genesis engine. Yeah, they have the Genesis engine. And Tommy Elliott's with the black and white gang as well. And he says, he knew where they were going to go. He says, listen, Alfred, I know where they're going to go. Tommy Elliott's family has a house down here with an airstrip. Uh, he told me about this. He actually told me that that this is where he wishes he would have cut the brakes on his parents' car. And you can tell people exactly what that means. If you hadn't read the story about Tommy Elliott Hush, uh, tell him why that is important. Or what Oh, because did. Tommy went and you know, cut the brakes to his parents' car so he could inherit all of their money and just be the person he wanted to be without them freaking, you know, because he was a psychopath and they would always hinder his, you know, him yeah. in the long run. So he killed his parents, but he always wished he had done it here, apparently, which is no yeah. news to me. Yeah, yeah, he just says it that it would have been cool to do it there or whatever. And also that was part of the thing where uh, Tommy wanted to kind of be like Batman as well, or Bruce Wayne, Bruce, to yeah. have his parents dead and things like that. Uh, Batman talks. He actually, I, I thought, why, Bruce, why don't you get off that motor? Take the off-ramp. <laughs> do something. He ends up running into the side of a bridge. The, the poor guy, I know that Bruce has tons of money. He'll buy those guys new motorcycles, no, I, I would say. <laughs> Probably not. Those guys left. I didn't see Alfred get their name and number. He destroys the motorcycle by hitting the overpass, you know, the side rail, and just goes flying over, lands and runs to the helicopter, and it opens. And, and it's still they, too late. And they're, yeah, they're beat up and slashed, and you're like, I, I thought, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because that's where Batman's like, Tommy, Penny One, we need medical attention. They're alive, but, and they've been slashed up, and you, you get the idea then. It was Nemesis who, who yeah. ended up slashing them. Uh, that's where Briar comes up, says, hello, son. And Batman's like, Briar. And he's like, hey, do something for me. 
call out to Alfred. I, I want to hear a call out for your mentor. And he's like, what? And then Nemesis comes and just slashes Batman again. He's, the guy can't go too getting feet without all just messed getting up by just Nemesis. messed I'm up. You, now, tell me here, because I've got this weird thing through the dialogue of this. So, like, it seems that now the new design, even though we have this Nemesis who we don't know who it is yet, no. you know, it seems like Breyer's newest design is that he wants to take Batman and use the Genesis yes. engine That's to what turn I him said. into I the freaking Black Knight. This is the weird thing about it because number one is the mystery of who this nemesis is because he – Briar's talking. He's like he's part of it now about Batman. See, nemesis, he's imperfect. I love him and he is easy to mend, but the technology wasn't there yet with the yeah. engine, however, and that's where Alfred freaks out. And he's like imperfect, Briar. Who is he? Nemesis, what have you done? Get the idea that it's a zombie of his kid. I, I really there. There's no other thing that I thought that maybe he did something that his son is back, but he's imperfect. When he says he's easy to mend and things like that, but he's imperfect. I think you know maybe sometimes dead is better. We're gonna see. Yes, that is but always better. I'm telling you, it really seems like that. Now it also seems as if Briar is gonna use the Genesis engine to morph batman into something better and that's the thing maybe. it's such a yeah. weird thing because it you know is. we have this we we have dealing with the genesis engine this entire arc the whole idea that bruce wants to get it because it can reform things like change yes. their dna and do all this stuff i just don't know like you know we have this and how this makes bruce yeah. into the new nemesis well, that, i don't really where, understand the correlation right and there that's at this where point. i wonder if this is one of those where because bruce is bleeding out he yeah, looks like he's again. gonna die. And is it one of the? Yeah, is it one of those that this Genesis engine is gonna change Bruce now to keep him from? Or is it something that he wants Batman to die, Bruce Wayne to die, and then he brings him back somehow with this Genesis engine, kind of like what he's done with his son to make him know. this zombie nemesis? I don't know either. Possibly it's zombie not, nemesis. We yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. This is where my mind because was going. You, but if you Ryder can't has tell. has the technology to resurrect the dead like this, I don't think he needs the Genesis engine. Yeah, and he says, with the engine, your boy will be my boy. Leave yeah. us alone. Is that your boy? Leave us that's alone, and it'll be painless. The change. Come after us, and I'll make sure he suffers before his end. It's already He's already a hair away from death, and that's where you know you have Alfred. No, no, don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. And that's where he starts thinking to himself again. Maybe they're better off without us, our sons. And that's where, again, that's why I think it's one of those where you have been pushed for Alfred saying that Bruce is his son. He does right. think of him as that. Briar thinks of him as that as well, as being Alfred's quote-unquote son. He had his son die, but he's that. I think that it's all about that. I guess, but, you know, it makes sense then if you say that because it does seem to be all about fathers and fathers sons. Fathers and, and you know, sons. Just having and, a strange person come out of nowhere and just this random nemesis doesn't really go with the story like yeah, it was being told it just, right now. I wonder it, if you're that's right. what's it, going on. Jason Todd, right? Jason Todd, <laughs> it is. But yeah, he's like, you know, maybe my own father was right to stay away. Back then, I didn't know what Briar meant when he spoke of being a quote-unquote true ally. And this is where you see uh, – him in the past, he's going into Briar's study and he's looking. And unfortunately, Briar Briar is a very organized man. Oh, yeah. When he's going to do something, I think he, he went makes to the cabin sure. and says, "People, I'm going to kill." Yeah, it says, "Quit, people that I'm going to kill for Alfred Pennyworth." And he, he looks into it, and there it is. Jarvis oh no, Pennyworth. my father! And he said, "To help me become the man I wanted to be, uh, Briar would give me the greatest gift an ally could." 
he'd kill my father. And then you go into this, you know, the now where Alfred isn't just a guy who gets this word and like, okay, oh, well, I guess I'm going to that place in Cuba. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> Bruce is done. Oh, well. No, he, he's a man of action. And he goes and you have those pirates from the beginning of this arc with that. Which, honestly, I forgot all about these yeah. pirates. And the thing is, I really I've been enjoying this arc. It's my favorite arc of All Star Batman so yeah. far. The pirates are the weakest link to it. They though. are, but it was and at the very beginning. I know, I know. It's, it's a nice wraparound yeah. for what we've had in the story. It's just the weakest part of the story of my it, mind. It coming was. Back, it, it, oh, but, I forgot about you fuckers. The thing is, though, I like I like this because Thatch was the first time we saw Nemesis. When Nemesis yeah. got in, got out quick. You know, that was when Bruce was there pretending he was Tom Yellett, pretending to be. It was all crazy. But yeah, yeah Thatch got killed by Nemesis, and you had these three rich pirates who uh, were kind of his uh, guys and gals, and this is them giving him the pirate funeral. And they there's a security breach in their little thing where I forget I forget the name of the fortress that they were at. It was the big uh, pirate well, yeah. fortress, if you remember. And there's a security breach. They get the guns out and they're like, whoever this is, we're going to open fire the minute he comes in. And it's pretty cool. It just busts open. And there's Alfred. He blew open the door. He's got a shotgun. <laughs> and he's just like, yo, fucking ho, which he said before. Get your guns, mates. You're coming with me. And this is a good thing because you get the idea. He's going to say to these pirates, listen, you're upset about Thatch? Well, let's go get the motherfuckers who did it. They're yeah. my son at this point. We're going to fucking kick some ass. And I really – I was like, Alfred is kick ass in this, and I really, really liked it. Yo, fucking and, hell. We will help you take revenge, especially for our boy Thatcher. But you're paying for that wall, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's like, listen, this shit – this is a, a fucking old fortress here. You can't do this shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're still picking up Thatch from when goddamn Batman money. was He's here. Dead now. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, you do have a backup with Raphael Albuquerque. And I swear to God, I was reading this in the review copy, and I swear it was two pages. I, I think that there was less pages Look, in the review copy. You told me it was two pages. I was yeah, I'm going through on it that. then. I get into this thing. I'm yeah, like, but still. Uh, there's this. Uh, it's Raphael Albuquerque writing. There isn't much to it. I no. do think that at the end, you're going to get a full story when it is collected. But as of now, right now, you have Vic who's trying to get away with these weapons. Princess and Batman's Vic. just Yeah, and Batman's just chasing her, uh, basically trying to stop her. There isn't really and much more to it. I'm telling you, it. I don't know what's going on in this thing because we have Batman on top of this like supposed weapons truck. And yeah. Princess Vic is fighting him on top, trying to kill him and get him off. And Batman just is getting his ass kicked. Until he isn't and has a little device that seems to like allows him to know where the freaking weapons are actually being held and then yep. leaves. Yep. I'm telling you, there's and, a yeah. scene here where like the knife goes, it, it looks like it goes through his goddamn wrist, like the entire, through his freaking arm completely. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. ugh, okay. And because she says, what the hell is this? Beep, beep, beep. She, he kicks her off and then he has the device and then he leaves. I'm like, I don't know what just happened. Yep. And then at the end, he does find these weapons. He goes and then basically the whole thing is like, listen, if I'm going to have to, if I'm going to stop this, I'm going to have to work out some my comfort zone and fight fire with fire. And he has a great And I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, well, we'll see what he means. But, yeah, uh, this story isn't, you know, that's not the main attraction here. Not at all. You know what I mean. So, but it, it's okay. It's not horrible. I don't mind reading it. But, yeah, I, I really I concentrate more. Because I, I don't care about it at all. I'm all in this for the first ally. And when I get yeah, part, it's like, ah. Eh. There's just I not enough with each issue. And then when we get to it each week or each month, I mean – I, I kind of forget what's going on, and then it's oh, like, totally okay, did. it's Vic. It's Lady Vic, and here we go. But, yeah, I gave the 
as a whole, mainly almost 99.9% for the first ally story. I gave it an 8.3 out of 10. I'd even go as high as an 8.5 now that we were talking about it. I had fun talking about it. I really think that there's a lot of really smart things in here. Oh, and it really does end up being a finale next month uh, that has a lot of mysteries to be solved and something I'm excited to see. So I really did like it. What would you give it? Like I'm telling you, uh, Raphael Albuquerque's art has been one of the biggest drawbacks of this so far to me because I, while I usually love his art, I don't think it's been as strong as here. But this issue, like I said, I didn't mind it. I think yeah, I, I like got used to it or I just, you know, it's it works for me, I guess, now. I don't know, but I really enjoy this whole backstory and Alfred and how he was this freaking black knight and the whole, like, you know, yeah. wrapping around the father-son tale and all just yep. the smart decision, decisions that Scott Snyder is making while telling this story because they really just came out. I'm like, holy shit, yeah. yeah and uh, yeah. I think I'd give it because of the backup, though. I I still I think I'd have to give it an eight out of ten. Yeah, uh, I think that maybe it's because like Raphael Albuquerque's art in this, there's not a lot of backgrounds. It's no. a lot of non-background art, and maybe because it's it is this father-son story, and it's such a, a more personal it, tale. Yeah, it's like that sort of thing that you don't need that back. You get a lot of you know facial things going and things like that. But yeah, I, I really like it, and it's just there's a lot of action going on, sure so is. it's very quick. It is so uh, fast-paced. Yeah, so and so I really did like it. So I, I can't wait for the next one. But we're gonna move on to the next issue, Eric. Didn't like it as much. It I can wait now. for this issue and the next one. Yeah, yeah. the The problem is. Uh, We've now, because we do a spotlight, we've already talked about Red Hood, which will be later on the podcast. We've talked about the two books that I really liked. Now we have to get to the others. (sighs) Eric, here we go. Justice League of America, number 13. Written by Steve Orlando. Art by Ivan Rice, Julio Ferreira, Marcella Maialo, and Clayton Cowles. We continue the hunt for Ray Palmer, but also the hunt for a good story. Steve Orlando tries to make everything feel big by throwing random names at the reader, but not. Uh, but note to Stevie Boy, naming something is not a substitute for proper setup or and or explanation. Because of all this, the microverse feels smaller than it should. You get that, the microverse? <laughs> I'm telling you, I put a lot of effort into this one. And the story has no weight at all. Almost everything ends up feeling like an afterthought, Eric, including oh. the side story. With, with afterthought. afterthought. I, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> yes. That might be my best ever. <laughs> it made me laugh the whole time. Ah, oh, yes. A lot of in-jokes there. All right. There, there in you the go, issue. everybody. I give it a two out of ten. Have C fun. and seven. Is that really what you're going to give it? Or did, Honestly, really? I'm around that. I, I'm, I'm telling you, this might be the hardest <laughs> issue I've had to read in my entire life. Yeah, it's It's bad. It's really bad. Like I'm telling you, uh, if any of you listen to the pop culture podcast that we do and you hear Jim talking about music news that's going on and I have it does it just sounds like words being strung together that mean nothing in the long run. That's how I felt. Like if this I tell issue. you that Little Yachty has a new mixtape coming out, Little Boat Two, that that means more to you than than what is thrown in this issue. How it about really if does. how about because if at I, least you've given me some explanation yeah. behind it beforehand? How about if all of a sudden, what would make more sense? The dialogue and the story in this or this? Giddy up, boom, How about that? Does that make more sense to you? You know, just in that uh, voice alone, it makes more sense. Yes. Well, uh, Wait, should I use that? I know what's going down. Should I use that voice to 
we're going to talk about the microverse, baby. You know what? If you can use that voice and explain this issue, I go can't. for it. Well, let's get Reggie on the line. We start off in the microverse. We did have the uh, cliffhanger of last issue where they thought they had found Ray Palmer, who was there uh, with the bio belt on, but we thought, no, they, they didn't no. show the face. So we did not think it was Ray Palmer. Now, the other thing is, as you go to this first page, Ivan Rice is suddenly making this mysterious figure a lot more ladylike than it was before. He's got like, the boobs oh, this time. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait a second. Ray Palmer's got boobs and some sexy legs. Now, I'll tell you. Ray Palmer has sexy legs, oh, yeah. not so many boobs on that. But basically, it's like, hey, you have uh, Ryan, Professor Palmer? And then it's no. And she pulls back her hood and says, no, Ryan Choi, I am not your mentor. And I'm like, again, I know that there was time in the microverse. There was time when Ray Palmer, we have had the Justice League of America doing a lot of things, right? There has been time since he disappeared. Oh, definitely. So I'm not going to tell you that he wouldn't or couldn't have told everybody he ran into about Ryan or about the JLA, but because of how it's read, to me, a lot of the characters, if not all of the characters in this story, seem to know too much about each other off the bat. It's not like, you know, you have just somebody show up. Ray Pump, nope, Ryan Choi, I'm not your, you know, you could have, no, 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 and who are you? I'm Ryan Choi, I'm looking for Ray Palmer. He spoke of you. you. You just can have that. But everybody seems to know everything about everyone, including just yelling the Justice League and Justice League of America willy-nilly throughout. But that's where Ryan's like, hey, how do you have Ray Palmer's bio belt? And she's like, oh, listen, my name's Prion. And this is where Steve Orlando, oh. the, the, I, I should ding it. Now, every time we get a stupid name, because as I was saying in my review, you just start getting avalanched by these names. And that is not, like I said in my, my intro, that doesn't make up for setup and explanation. You can't just name something and decide that it is important because I need to see. So she says, my name is Prion Eric. And this belt was a gift. Raymond gave it to me during our travels across the world. All right, Lobo, take a rabbit. There's no way that Professor Palmer would give his one no. and only bio and belt to someone like no, freaking Microverse No, there's no possible way. Also, then you have Ryan. So this is the Microverse? Well, you sell me a bill of goods with that goddamn micro Holy shit you were saying moly. earlier? I mean, so you, you thought that this wasn't? I mean, we were going through the whole last issue. Like, now you're just like, I, so this is? I wanted Lobo to be like, the fuck does that mean? What did you think this was? And then like, oh yeah. Honestly, freaking when like uh, when Ryan starts getting all angry that Professor Palmer had a freaking yeah. another partner besides him that he didn't know about. I don't want Lobo to say a goddamn thing well, because out uh, of nowhere, yeah. him and freaking uh, Killer Frost start fighting. This makes no goddamn yeah, sense. Yeah, well, at even all. before that, Preon says, as you surface people call it. Yes, we call it the immensity. Oh. One of the last of my kind, the docent folk. Oh. I was Raymond's guide here, and he and his partner, I travel between worlds. And then he, she's like, we were separated during a quantum storm. Quantum tried storm's to... not one of them. I could say quantum storm's okay in my mind. I know. It's still, you don't know what it is at this point. He gets I, I around you, to saying what it I, is. What you can do, though, just fucking dig anything that's bold, I guess, because, yeah, every, because all these names and shit like well, that, Well, tell me what the quantum bold. storm is. 
because when they storm, explain it later, say, oh, you're right. You know what? Yeah, I, I couldn't they, tell you what the quantum no, storm is. They say that because, it does things with time and space and, and shit, and you don't even know what the fuck water, it is. But when it hits Lobo, yeah. it just cuts his arm off. He's fine. I don't know. So then she says, "I tried to save Raymond, but he forced he he forced me to flee." And like you said, that seems like nonsense at the beginning. But that's where Ryan says, "Wait, what?" Partner, Professor go, Palmer was working with someone things. besides the, me. The partner is not the important part of this goddamn sentence here, no, Brian. Why, yeah, why is he? He is almost in tears that he thinks that Ray Palmer cheated on him. Now the problem is, he then goes on and says, "Stalker." Yeah, and he says she was. He was working, and that's when she says, "Aaron Ott." Oh. A scientist native to this world. He was helping Raymond save the microverse. And then she, Ryan says, I I didn't know. He never told me. Why wouldn't he tell me? At this point, I got a bitch. furious because the reason they are there is because Ryan in the Rebirth special, the big DC Universe oh, yeah. Rebirth special, and then again repeated in Steve Orlando's own uh, the Adam. Adam Rebirth leading into this book, one of those Rebirth specials of the individual characters. He didn't talk to Ray Palmer about being in the microverse. He no. received an emergency transmission from Ray. This was not a two-way street. He got a thing. Hey, I just went. I thought there was something wrong with the timeline. I thought there was some shenanigans going on. I shrunk. Hey, I thought it was Kronos. Yeah, I thought it was Kronos. I discovered a microverse. I need you to get that bio belt I have over there. It's for you. Come and find me. There was never anything of a, hey, Ryan, you know, what's going on, buddy? Haven't seen you in a while. Hey, Professor Palmer, I haven't heard from you either. What's, what's hanging? Anything interesting going on? Oh, I got a new partner. Yeah, There's oh, Aaron I got Alt. this. No, how I didn't know he never told me. You're there from an emergency trip. This would be like me out of nowhere. You get a call from me. Eric, I, I, I'm at the fucking, you know, the adult world. I was in one of those boots. Shit's gone wrong. Come yep, and get me. And then All you right. get there. And then you get there. And they're like, hey, what's going on? My friend Jim, he, he sent me this message. Oh, Jim, you mean the guy who's been working here for six months? He never told me. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, and then that's where Lobo steps in. <laughs> Must be a lot your boss didn't tell you, kid. Yeah, you know what? He didn't tell me shit because nope. he was lost. Fucking asshole. And Killer Frost, shut hey, up, Lobo. You're forced. not helping. Did yeah. I ask you popsicle hands? Ryan's trying. You should think about it. What the fuck does that mean? Ryan's yeah. trying. Ryan's you should trying. Think about you it. should think about it. Huh? Or what? You get hot. You really want to push me right now? I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Is this the quote unquote here's powder that, keg? Here's that powder keg you're talking yeah. about. Oh, yes. it's that powder keg. Who Lobo? And Lobo. Lobo is looking at Killer Frost like, hey, fuck you. And then they're like, hey, listen. And Preon's just, she's just standing there. It'd be so uncomfortable if that was, you know, if it was on the up and up. She's like. Preon, and then that, that's where uh, Ryan says, Preon, what was Professor Palmer looking for? And she says, oh, hope. hope. <laughs> Here's some hope. But yeah, she's like, hey, a disturbance. I've been looking for some hope too, but this book keeps going. The laws, physics are broken, quantum storms, all this. The memories, families, whole truths are lost in a burning instant. Raymond and Ott were searching for the ignition point, the theoretical epicenter of the destruction. Oh, really? Like, at this point, my head was, was swimming. Like a oh, bullet hole in a pane of glass. Yeah. Like a bullet hole in a pane of glass beyond our comprehension. The ignition yep. point is where all the damage began. Like a bullet hole in a pane of glass that's beyond yep. our comprehension. Yep. The yep. fuck yep. does that mean? So she's like, hey, when I returned to the battleground, they were gone. I came here to New Katarth. 
hoping Ray's bio belt signal would reach the surface. They are lost. It would take a miracle to find one, and that's where we're going to go. And then you go to back to Seattle. And I'm like, really? This is a bunch of nonsense. This is horrible. And this is what I was so afraid of, though, is that we'd go yeah. back to freaking the deal with Afterthought and all this nonsense. Because yeah, here we, we have this big story like the freaking you know, crisis in the microverse, search for Ray Palmer, whatever you want to call it. It's a big story in my mind. To yeah. stop the freaking momentum of that, to go back to Ray and Black Canary hanging out in a diner just bullshitting, yeah. you don't need that. And, and they're talking about how, you know, you have uh, the Ray. He's like, hey, listen, I'm nervous. All the shit's going on. I stabbed fucking Lobo in the heart. I'm like, like I, you're still I worried about that? about that. But yeah, why would you be worried about that? And then I feel like Xenos is the only thing in my life not exploding. And then you have Canary being so nice. Standard for year one, trust me. <laughs> Uh, but as they're talking, she's trying to, you know, ease him, you know, ease him up and, and trying to make him kind of accept the life of superheroing. And, and you know, world's it's... greatest detectives, they are not. No, no. And Afterthought shows up. And he's because like, I'm hey. telling you, they are bullshitting while people behind them oh, are running for them. their lives. Yeah, and they're running and they're just talking. They're wrapped up in their thing. The other thing is you do have Black Canary, which is a problem with the character all along, is that everybody should know who she is at all times. And this is part of the JLA is they're supposed to be, you know, free. To, yeah, people you on know, the street, shit like but that. But now yeah. everybody knows. If they didn't, Ray, the Ray is, is exposed now as well. They're just talking about stuff. And in comes Afterthought. And he's like, the Ray, Black Canary, this seemed like the right moment. Like for what, the jackass? And then he's like, to make you humble. I wanted to hear the, you know, the the freaking uh, song. St- oh, sit down, be humble. I was gonna sing it, but I'm not going to now. But Thank yeah, you. they just they just start fighting, and you get the whole thing with afterthought. He can see what's going on beforehand, and he just basically says, "Hey, I'm just here to see. I'm testing the field." <laughs> Disappears. Oh, really? You had to interrupt all this just for that. And you go back to the microverse, and you have Prion. Um, take and when them. we go back to the microverse, I don't know what I'm looking at. No, it looks like I don't. I, I'm not. It looks like a like, molten thing that's been shaped like, like a I mad see a rock that wrong. looks like it has maybe like energy arms coming yeah. out of it and legs. And I'm like, I don't know. Is this how know. is this the microverse? What is yeah. this goddamn thing? And now they go to Mazga, the thinking planet. And she says that. Now, you did say, Prion does mention that she can teleport people. She can travel through the yeah. multiverse. But it's not the really well laid out. And the microverse, to me, the thing that's the trouble here, they're just willy-nilly going around to different planets in this microverse. You never get a sense of the scope of what no. the microverse really is because it's just scene after scene. And you never really get any sort of you know the size of it. But, yeah, they're there at the Mazga. The Thinking Planet, Eric, that is a legendary world held together by the consciousness of a sorcerer banished from the higher realms. Morris God's words are said to perform miracles, but he has been silent for a thousand years. As you can see, how can they see? They, they just got there and they say, listen, that shit's gone wrong in the microverse. This part makes sense to me. Well, uh, amongst all the nonsense, it makes sense that shit's gone wrong in the microverse. Everybody's so come to Moscow. They're all going for to a Moscow. miracle to help yep. themselves out. Yeah, they're just there. They're all pretty much everybody seems to be on a pilgrimage there yeah. to to hope that their miracle is listened to. And you do get this idea of it's it's a 
balance now, and the balance has tipped to faith over science in the microverse. And they're going there. The thing is, I don't know what kind of science they have going on here. I don't know either. I don't, don't know anything that, about the microverse. That's where you have one of the funniest things I've ever read in my life because oh you my have God. These, these alien microverse guys are talking like, please, I for some reason are talking to Batman for no reason whatsoever. And in there, He's translated the from universal unified, Eric, they say, please, I had a son. The quantum lightning struck his body, turned him to water. I mopped him up. He is with me. And in he a has sack. like a sack. And I'm telling you, she when she presents this or he, whatever this yeah. goddamn thing is, we pray to Mod's got to turn back. Uh, we pray every day, every hour, but he will not speak. And like Batman says, I'm sorry, but she has the sack right there. And I yeah. imagine like this. Batman doesn't have any idea. Uh, somehow he does. No. But I'm like, as he I'm thinks it's this, a gift. I think like you know, <laughs> he thinks it's a goddamn canteen yeah. and he takes a swig. Oh, and, yeah, oh it just starts that drinking. refreshing lady. <sighs> Yeah, I do need a drink, thank you. I'm because a little Because all you have is this person holding up a sack of yep. water to Batman, and that's it. But he's like, yep. uh, do you know the language? No, but the meaning is clear. I'm like, yeah, you say yeah. so, Batman. Yeah, Jesus they Christ. say this, and he says, I'm sorry. Batman says, I'm sorry. And Ryan's like, do you know that language? No, but the meaning is clear. The meaning is clear that they had their son hit by quantum mopped lightning, turned into water, shit. mopped it up, and put it in a goddamn sack to bring to the fucking Mazga? How the fuck is that? I read it, and I don't think it's clear. It's a I'm bunch of hooey. I just wanted Batman to think it was some kind of like water oh, weather or something like that. So just drink great. from it. No, he's mm, worse. He's not Thank even you. drinking it. He's washing his fucking hands or something even worse. <laughs> he's like cleaning his goddamn shorts in it. it it's just ridiculous. But uh, you have a thing where I had a problem with the art uh, throughout, and I've had it with uh, uh, Ryan Choi throughout this whole series. And I like Ivan Rice usually. I don't think this is his best issue. Right. And you go from Ryan saying, do you know that language? And that's what Batman says. No, but the meaning's clear. The next panel, you go from a clear mask with Ryan and then to a dark mask on his out and his uniform and it makes it it always throws me off it does all of a sudden he's got a dark mask and i'm just like which is it you know stick with something but that's where ryan says the desolation he always looks like adam strange to me too yeah 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 he does but he's like oh the desolation it's unreal and then that's where prion though said didn't say before but says it's commonplace my own people have all been uh, been wiped out we the ones who might help connect the microverse no longer have the strength to hold it seems and you're getting that's kind of the idea of them being able to you know transport people in and out and i'm telling you i'm together. reading this thing and i'm like did, did steve orlando read the dark tower or something like that because Maybe. there are these beams that hold the tower in place that the freaking man in black is trying to destroy and okay. then you see in the distance there is a tower i'm like the fuck is going on here? Yeah, yeah. There's the tower that they seem to be heading for, even though it doesn't really end up being anything. But that's where uh, Prion continues and says, hey, odd hope that Ma's God's celestial perception could lead us to the ignition point. But even Raymond couldn't get him to speak. Even Raymond couldn't get Ma's God to speak. And Ryan Professor says. Professor Palmer couldn't do it. Yeah. Professor Palmer couldn't do it? What? What? Why would he think that? And you even see that he's thinking of Ray. You have him there morphed into him. Why would he think that R- Professor Palmer is so goddamn special that he could go into a microverse, find this Maz god that couldn't talk for a thousand fucking years, and somehow he's going to talk to Ray? You know, you know Why does funniest, he get this? Honestly, I'm telling you, the funniest bit of this to me is that he is so shocked that Maz god wouldn't talk to Ray Palmer. And I think to myself – Oh no, no he of course he couldn't no one saw it, but the thing is, 
By the end, Ryan Choi seems to think the way to talk to Mozgov and get him to talk back is to shrink down to his yeah. size. I'm like, so you're telling me that Ray Palmer couldn't do it with the one power that he has? Yeah, the one power. And when we get to that part, how does he come up with that idea? There's nothing that points to that I'm idea. Now you, the whole thing is because if there, if Ray Palmer had any idea at all, it would be to yeah, shrink. Yeah, it would be to shrink. Uh, the other thing that gets me is, again, it, we didn't see it much in that rebirth, uh, the regular DC rebirth, but in the Adam rebirth special, we did see where Ryan was kind of a bit uh, in, uh, in awe of Ray at the yeah, beginning. Yeah. But by the time that issue ended, they were pretty much equals, even Ray, because I went back and read it. Ray yeah. even said, because remember he had all of those awards and all of the science stuff on his wall, and he even said, listen, Ryan, it's not just me. Look, your name's on this too. You're the one who helped me. You're the one who did this with me. He considered him a partner, and Ryan seemed to be getting over the fact that he was, oh, you know, I have fucking, you know, allergies and all this, and I'm that athletic, but he seemed to be getting – this goes right back to him just thinking that Ray Palmer is fucking God. I oh, mean, yeah. at any point, he said, th- oh, my God, he didn't tell me a partner. Like, he's so upset at that, and then this, he, Professor Palmer, couldn't do it? It's something that a scientist would not really think to do anyway. If you had anything, when she says even Raymond couldn't get Mozga to speak, if Ryan said, really, Ray tried to talk to a god? You know, Ray tried to get a miracle? That would make more sense. Not that he thinks that you, something is totally wrong. Are you telling me that wrong. Ray Palmer couldn't get a legendary world held together by the consciousness of a sorcerer banished from the higher <laughs> realm to talk? Yeah, it's so stupid. Then at this point, the the people see Prion and no, and uh, I also have to point out why the fuck do they still allow this Prion to, to wear that goddamn bio belt? Why isn't that bio belt off of him and at least on Batman at this point? Or switch him? Or the other thing is, yeah, you, know, you want to go with another point? What's what's wrong with Ray's bio belt? It, it's broken, right? I don't know. That's what they said when he came in. He said the bio belt's broken, so if he shrinks any more, there's going to be problems. They even oh, pointed yeah, out with, later. Oh, well, yeah, with Ryan. I thought you meant Ray's. Yeah, yeah, no. freaking, that is a problem. But no, the thing is, they did say that. Any crazy shrinking, they said, yeah, but yeah. I don't know what that means. And then, that, like, Ryan seems to think if he shrinks down like he does yeah. at the end of this issue, it might be a problem as well. Yeah. But he doesn't care because he's going to do it. Yeah, yeah. But she's wearing a functional belt. Yep. He can just get it. He can put that belt on. There's no problem. There's no problem with him having any sort of issues with a working belt that she is oh, right, wearing. Right now, I think you want to keep the person who's taking you from world to world. You know, yeah, a little but bit that's happy not her belt. Shit away. Hey, no, it was a I, gift from Ryan. I would, take, I would have taken it right off. There's no way. That's more of Ryan's property than hers. I would have said, okay, you know what? You did signal us. Let's go. But, you know, give that belt to Batman. We need, Or say, listen, but this, my this belt's fucked has- up. Way more problems. Kind of, but I'm saying where you go to the end, though, and hinge on the whole tension of, oh, my God, Ryan can't shrink because of his belt. There is now, a working belt right there now, next to him. If, if you want to go to the point where when we do find out that Ray has this brilliant idea to shrink down to talk to Mazga, at this yeah. point, Prion has proved or at least thought to be a traitor by freaking yeah, yeah. Arn or what the fuck his name is. Yeah, and I know it. that he uh, – when Aught comes, uh, which is just at this point because the people realize, Aaron, hey, oh, Prion yeah. – Prion's one of those fucking, you know, those people, one of those docent folk, and she could save us. She can get us away from here. They kind of attack Lobo out of nowhere because that's where Batman yells. They're mobbing Lobo, and then Lobo starts slapping people and then says, give me room to work, you goat frag bastages. 
Yeah, you have room to work. They're attacking. They're trying to grab. Why? What do you mean? But yeah, they're like, hey, listen. And Prion's like, I can't help you all. Don't. And then gets shot. She gets shot. What? And that's where we have ought. And that's where he says, Ryan Choi in the Justice League. Ray Palmer, tell me much about you. My name is Orrin Ott. And I'll go through this quick. I we've been I, I, I just want to know why everybody but those two people that had their child who was in a fucking water sack can yeah. speak English. Yeah, yeah, because they're all just yelling. And they're like, hey, this guy's like, hey, you know what's going on? I just saved your lives. Uh, Prion was a traitor. She's a pirate. She did this. And that's where uh, Ryan's like, you shot her. And she's like, no, no. She's in a millisecond by my repeater, Eric. And I am awed. And he says, this is where you get this weird thing. I corresponded with Ray Palmer at Newton Base from my lab here in the immensity. And that is a convoluted sentence that I think a lot of people just read and just like, God damn it, my head's swimming. But what he's saying is he was in contact with Ray while Ray was in Ivy University. Newton Base was the name that Ryan yes. gave their lab. And so this is where you got that thing before where Ryan was saying, oh, my God, he had a partner. He didn't tell me. But yet it doesn't make sense in the progression of the story. It also doesn't make sense that Ray would call him and say, I discovered the microverse when it seems as if he was in contact with the microverse before here. Steve Orlando is rewriting things just to fit his goddamn story. Uh, and I'm and telling it, you, it the thing is, angry. too, where Aaron Alt's talking about like how she, Prion is a traitor, is like, I was stranded but like, uh, uh, but by Prion. She betrayed us and tried to steal our technology. She's a pirate boy. What? No, then how are you here? A fail-safe on Palmer's bio-bell accidentally banished the three of us. Like, a fail safe on the bio belt accidentally banished the three of you and he ended up yeah. in space. Like, what how yeah. is that a fail safe? Yeah, I don't I don't know. And and also you didn't say how Prion got the bio belt then. If so, you would have yes, thought she like she stole it, it, she stole it and then went, Well, if there's this fail safe, why is she still able to wear it and all this? And like I said, I why not grab it? He, that is a working belt, but and at you this have point that. You can't. And then she's like, yeah, now she's kind of, uh, I don't know, because now he says that she's kind of frozen in time in a frozen in a millisecond. You know, millisecond Who knows repeater. if you can grab it? I don't know, but you could do something and then grab her and get that bell. But uh, oh, it's there now. Like everyone, a miracle is my best hope at finding my friend, meaning Ray Palmer, and my devices. And that's where it's so funny that Lobo goes, you buying this, Bats? And Batman, you know, he's so smart. Someone's lying. <laughs> They're telling exact. There's two people telling a different story. No shit, Batman. Thank Someone's you, Batman. Lying. Yeah, really. Why are you here? Just and then uh, everything's interrupted by a quantum storm. Yeah, a quantum storm comes. It's gone. Everybody's running. It hits Lobo, rips him apart, which nobody seems to have any sort of you know issue with but even then when they're talking about the quantum storm it just nothing here makes sense it just everything is just nonsense but yeah lobo looks like he loses his arm once again and they're like holy what is it and this is where Ott says about the quantum storm discharge from hemorrhages in the reality membrane each strike rewrites time and space there is no cover except for lobo doesn't seem like it's rewriting time and space it seems like it turns somebody into water and it ripped lobo apart Uh, where is this rewriting time and space Uh, it's just when you see this and he's just getting burnt to shit uh but that's when ryan gets the idea he's like listen we need miracles maybe i i think i know what i can do what i need to do is shrink down to Morsga's, uh, Mazga's size, which – where do you get that? Where, where do you know. get any of this? And he says I'm going to shrink down. I have no idea down. where any of that comes in and how you don't think that Ray Palmer with the one power he has would have thought yeah. of this. 
And he's like, Ray, did, you know, Ray didn't think of it, but I know what's going to go. You know, you know why go. he didn't think of it? Because it's fucking moronic and you cannot jump to this conclusion. Yeah, and he says, I know it sounds crazy, but I have to talk to him on his terms. I have to shrink. And then she says, wait, you, you said your belt's core could rupture if you go smaller. He's like, I know, I know, but I, I hate it. But if Ma's God can stop the storm and save people, I have to do it. Ray would do it. And then that's where they kiss, she says. like, you know, And I'm what? telling you, right after this, there is a goddamn typo in the freaking letters because it's like – It'll work, Caitlin. It's not like I'll be ripped apart atom by atom by an imploding sight dwarf core. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a white dwarf core. Yeah, if yeah it, does it was it. off. And even then I was like, sight dwarf? But she says, you know, you could die, Ryan, but you better not, okay? And kisses and kisses him and then says, come back, you hear me. And then he says, hey, you know, Mazgal works miracles, right? And that's where he says, I, I, it's not like, you know, ripped apart by atom by atom by an imploding sight dwarf core if it doesn't. And then she says, you can't, Ryan. I just, Mazgal hasn't spoken in a thousand years. She's already said, like, don't die. You come back. And he's like, is that all? Then you don't have to worry about anything because Professor Palmer always said, I was one in a million. <laughs> Fuck you. It's nonsense. Why do we have to talk about this in such length? The, the problem know. is with stuff with books like this, it ends up forcing us to talk about it more just because it's so much nonsense. It, it doesn't make well any written. sense, and we have to yeah. try to make sense We're of it. We're trying to make sense. So basically, you're in this microverse. You have shit just thrown out of nowhere. You're rewriting your own goddamn story from the, the Adam rebirth. You're trying to make it a different story than it was. You have these names thrown about, which mean nothing. And just Names, places, concepts. Yeah, and just so the whole thing is he's going to shrink to get down to Mazga's level, who he has no idea who Mazga is. No, they never mention anything. It's yeah, a fucking he, consciousness of a banished sorcerer yeah, from a higher realm. Yeah, there's nothing that pointed or hinted at the fact that Sounds he like may be tonight. small. Yeah, there's nothing at all. There's not. I would have even liked it better if there was some scripture that people had been oh, yeah, reading for centuries, and then Ray or Ryan read it. And I still have problems. Ryan read it, and it. It clicked in his mind. Something that was mentioned before when him and Ray were in the lab or something that made sense that he figured out and thought, oh, I get it. Nobody can do this. I'm the only one here. Though, like you said, Ray was there, and that's his own – the only ability he has is to shrink, but yet thing. doesn't do it. Hooey. It's nonsense. It's complete and utter nonsense and, and the whole thing. He had a partner. He never told me. Oh, God. No, no I, I hate all of these fucking characters. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I love – like the idea of these characters put together as a team is something that – like before this came out, I'm like – you know what? I think I can get behind the Justice League of America because the the, the idea of these like different teams. Because yeah. I always want to have a like a Justice League team shakeup. So yeah. having this other team with these strange and like you know lower class kind of characters, I'm yeah. all about. But the way Steve Orlando was writing, and he makes no, me hate every single one of them. I said, and this will continue later on in the podcast when we talk about his other issue this week, the oh, Supergirl damn. Annual. I, I there. He has glimpses of story. You have something oh. there where you can be like, okay, I see what. You're trying to get to. You're already stepping on my toes for the one thing I like about that other Steve Orlando issue. Okay, well there's there's dialogue that his dialogue's terrible. Yeah. And the well that's again you'll hear from my blurb when we get to Supergirl. There is a story there, and here there is a story. And I'll tell you the whole thing that we were worried about with JLA was it's going to be more social justice warrioring than superheroing. Not in this story. They're in nope. the microverse. They, you know, you have a little of these pilgrims, but it, it's not that. They, they got it, kids in water sacks. This is mind. a full-out 
comic book story. And in a comic book story, I will let a lot pass. I'll let things happen. I'll, like you said, you explained to me what you thought was going on when they teleported to Mazga. I'm like, right. okay, that makes sense. He throws things in. He doesn't know how to tell a story. Somebody has to get him, put him down, and explain to him how to write a comic book story. And I know I'm just – Did a, he go through the freaking uh, Scott Snyder's no, writing course? No, I don't think he did, but he's been working on that Batman the Shadow with Scott Snyder. Maybe that will help. Maybe it oh. will help. I don't know. But – I'm saying this. I am a guy who works in the cardboard box factory. Obviously, sure. I am not a comic book writer. So me saying it, you could throw shade at we me. We don't know shit about the shit. Yeah. You and you don't know shit. But I do know what I'm reading. And there are jarring transitions in every I'm glad issue you he has. Know. There's a yeah. There's a lot of dialogue where it seems like people aren't even listening to what the other guy's going. He never can maintain a story and as just he goes. Random jumps to conclusion that yeah, come out of random nowhere. Random jumps because it's something in his mind that he thinks everybody's going to understand. And nobody does. And he just goes, and again, he throws out names. And he's been doing this since he started with Midnighter, from what we read with him. Uh, he likes to throw these fancy names and these name places and you know names of people and things like that instead of explaining what is going on and and leading up to that and it just ends up everything just is a it's it's a mess it's a complete mess I just want the story to end now and this is the story we've been waiting for from JLA since it began and since Rebirth special happened you know over a year ago this is a story that we wanted now I don't so we'll see what goes on but I gave it a fuck you five i and i could have went a lot you know lower i just figured i like the art enough i don't think it's ivan rice's best art oh, i it's think not. that I still some enjoy of it, it looks though. unfinished but it's good so that, i'm giving it a fuck you five even with the art that was pretty good uh because it just it just annoyed me and it's just not a good story what would you give it i, I just think that fuck you five is too high i gotta give it a yeah. three out of ten because yeah, this guy, i read tough. this and I, I can't even tell you that I was properly reading this because just the dialogue with the names, places, and concepts all thrown together in freaking dialogue wounds, they were just words thrown out there that did not mesh together for me. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, I'm reading, I'm like, I don't understand what you're trying to convey. And it was so hard for me to get through this. I kept rereading shit because it was not making sense in my mind. So even though I like Ivan Rice's art, it's, it's pretty much all art because I am done with the crisis of the microverse. I was all about the story. It was the big story of the JLA that I couldn't wait to read. I can wait to read it until a freaking yeah, competent writer comes on board. I can too, but we're going to go off to our mail section number two now, Eric. Hopefully we'll cheer up a little. Hopefully. Shout out, poop poop. Shout out, kid out of here. 
Why? He wants to play. He wants to play along, Eric. He's a this racist is, monster. He is. I, I I actually told people about that on the Jim Has Issues with His Kids Patreon really? podcast. Yeah, I was just telling everyone that he's kind of in a mini ban right now. But this is mail section number two. Somebody who's not banned is Brandon. Eric oh. And Brandon says, sup, fellas. Yeah. I am truly maximizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm truly <laughs> maximizing my weird science privileges this week, writing this email while watching Bill and Ted at the same time. Also right. downloading the best song series for work tomorrow. Take it easy on my router, Jim. God damn it. I'm not paying it overtime wages for all of this work. <laughs> I have added a chapter of my long-running beef with Eric this week. Uh-oh. Eric Shea, how dare you ask if Kesha and Rihanna are the same person <laughs> another thing that we talk about in the Jim has issues with its kids podcast we were Isn't talking about the same that people it's not like one of those no. nicknames that performers Ethan has Ethan is soft for a little Kesha but Rafe likes Rihanna Rafe likes Rihanna Beyonce and um, what's her name? Uh, Tom Brady's wife. Left oh, eye. No, not left eye. Put some respect on G-Bot. that woman's name. Damn it all. You know, uh, why, how come I can't remember her now? You can tell the difference between the two because I'm getting you Jerry Seinfeld. I'm betting you Jerry Seinfeld would hug the shit out of Rihanna. You have to stick and love shitty movies. But on put on Battleship or the Valerian movie and educate yourself. I don't want to have that. to discuss this again with you. The fuck would Rec- I I'm not watching the queen. Battleship or fucking that Valerian movie. You Valerian, can't the city of lost souls of tomorrow. I think that's what it was called. A there's some movies there that, somewhere. There's some movies that you just read the title and go, yeah, that's going to flop. And that was one of them. Nonsense. Am I right? Yes. Recognize the queen, Eric. I will continue with the gifs. In the meantime, until you begin to visualize, visually recognize my future ex-wife. Jim, for one reason or another, and it's Giselle, I just remembered, is uh, Tom Brady's wife. Ah. And uh, Rafe really likes her. I think she looks old and used. That's just me, though. Good. Jim, for one reason or another, you brought up the song Funky Cold Medina. I certainly did. Why this not bring week, up that song? which reminds me of a horribly embarrassing story. I think he got the funky cold Medina. Uh, he might have been with a man, just like uh, that. That's the worst part. There's a lot of songs that you can't play much uh, anymore because it's just like hate speech, and yep. that does kind of have a little hate speech because you know Tone Loke ain't down with a man. He Absolutely says, not. He ain't. It's just like we were watching uh, Bill and Ted last night with the people that get fresh krill, boop boop, boop, boop. Uh, for the Patreon movie night. And they say some hurtful words there. When I lived in Maryland, at one point I got talked into participating in this charity bachelor auction. Right. Despite my initial hesitation, I was talked into it by a roommate's girlfriend and showed up the night. I think that roommate's girlfriend might have wanted to have sex with you then. Showed up at that night having no idea what to expect. I was introduced to the song Funky Cole Medina and had to strut out on stage as I was auctioned off for roughly $48 that night. Not he didn't bad. tell you the bidding started at 50 Eric. <laughs> I had no idea if that was good or bad. Regardless, it doesn't sound great. Real confidence. <laughs> Check there in your mind in your mid twenties. I then had to then entertain a dinner date with some older lady that night, which was a whole new level of awful. I've never experienced before or after that day. I have no idea how hookers do it. Now I relive this experience every time this goddamn song yeah, plays. Did you I have sex would... with that older lady? I don't know. He may have funky coma. I wish I had this song queued up. Or I even hear the song mentioned now. So thanks for that. I'd rather piss my pants a thousand times over than ever do that again. You know what song I do like, Eric? 
Funky Cole Medina. Of course. Books. You know how you can tell Marvel releases entirely too many pointless comic books? I know how. Funky Cole Medina, Aaron. When the fifth week of the month is not annuals week, but just another full Wednesday release schedule. What the fuck is going on over there? Funky Cole Medina. That's what's going on. (laughs) I'm just going to keep mentioning. I'm going to do that, and then I'll play the crazy bitch of Jess, and then we'll just do that. Red Hood. Well, you put a character logo in word bubbles, and you steal my heart. You know I love that, too. When they have the character logo. That is one of my favorite things of all time. But when you just make a logo up about some random clown we'll never see again, who Dick Grayson dresses up as. What do you think? Do you think he likes it or doesn't like it? I think he loves it. Well, you, sir, may have just wrote the comic book panel I've been waiting for my whole life. Damn good issue. I even got a little jelly for Jason when Dick was moving in on his chick. Don't you dare, Dick, you dick. Funky Comedina. You almost just knocked up the def- that defacer chick. Keep the horses, Juan and Joe. It's Juan and Jim in the barn uh, for a little bit. Don't tempt fate. Uh, take it from me. You don't want to be cleaning up after a human post shit explosion from too much cotton candy. Aaron. I, I'm not a big cotton candy fan. Are you? No, I don't, I can't say that I am. I'm telling you, I, I don't can't. I'm trying to think of the last time I actually had cotton candy because Jess buys those terrible grocery store bags all the goddamn yeah. time. Yeah, and like she's like, you those. want some? I'm like, no. Yeah, I think that anybody who likes cotton candy also likes rock candy, and they're both nonsense. Both nonsense. That that's like a after four years old, you shouldn't go anywhere near that shit, right? Uh, I'm a guy not. who likes I like sweets enough, but not that. All-Star Batman. I only got two books this week, but I really like both of them. Snyder is really wrapping up All-Star on a high note with Alfred running around kicking ass and taking names, hopefully to look forward to next. I I feel after trying some new stuff in the early pages of All-Star, especially that middle arc between this and Metal, Snyder is back to writing How I Love. The two books between this, although it's ending soon, and Metal, he's putting out I'm really enjoying, and I know I'm making Dancing Mike's stomach turn, but these are the type of books I love and reread or revisit again and again. I don't know if he's drinking an extra cup of coffee in the morning or working out now or whatever. but I do that. I send the blowing up the bathroom around 8, 30, 9 o'clock. Yeah, you always do. You always do. I passed out watching football Thursday night and everything feels right in the world again. <laughs> All right, gents, that's Brandon and he says, Secret Empire number 10, it's what, it, it is what we thought it was. Kind of doing a Dennis Green uh, impersonation, Eric, which you would never have gotten, would you? Nope. He, he ended up yelling that at a press conference. But, yeah, we're going to go off to Brandon and Trevor talking about Secret Empire, and then we'll be back with more books ourselves. Guys, welcome to this week's edition of the Marvel Minute. Uh, me and Trevitt are coming at you guys this week with the vote winner, which was Secret Empire 10, which beat out Generations, thank God, and uh, 
I don't know what the third one ever is. What Star Wars. It? Star Wars. That's right. Um, Star Wars. So yeah, you guys. I'm shocked. Up, yeah, I am too. I really thought Star Wars was going to win that vote. If I uh, if I had to tell you what I thought it, the winner would be before it, the the poll finished. But it was close. Secret Empire edged out for the finale here. Um, I'm not sure if we'll put the Omega up there or not. I'm really not interested in the story anymore after this point. But um, we'll, we'll get into the details about all of that stuff. And I don't know. Uh, you know, everything's leading to Marvel Legacy. That's what me and Trevor are really waiting for. It's like the wait for DC Rebirth to to have hope yeah. in their lives, essentially, here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, this is secret empire 10. Nick Spencer is the writer. We got a very long art team on this book of Steve McNiven, Jay Liston, Matthew Wilson, Rod Rice, David Marquez, Paco Medina, Juan Velasco, Jesus Abitroff and Ron Lim. I think I got that with about at least 75% accuracy. So that's a step up in my book. Uh, all those names. Yeah, I don't anyway. recall. I don't recall seeing any Ron Lim or David Marquez are in this issue because I, I can spot it by eye and I just yeah. didn't see it. So. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I don't know what. I guess maybe it does change. Um, you know, that one newspaper panel, that looks like somebody else did it. It doesn't ne necessarily okay. look like McNiven. And then the Rod Rice stuff, you know, obviously I think he had probably some people help him with Rod that. Rod Rice I saw. Yeah. Rod Rice yeah. I saw. But um, Rod Reese or whatever. Um, but Marquez, I just didn't see anywhere. I'm like, it's all McNiven, Rodriguez. I think uh, Pon, is, no, Marquez might be at the end when the two caps are fighting. Because it does look a little different towards the back end um, when we get there. Before McNiven like, takes back over, you get that yeah. big splash page at the end. That doesn't look like McNiven necessarily to me. That looks like Marquez maybe. I don't know. It's all mixed together. Um the best yeah, thing probably we'll get, I could, I could tell. we'll get it out of the way first was this is by far and away the best art we've got in this series so far. Um, oh, yeah. So it looks amazing. And in my conspiracy theory, I've been throwing around in my own brain that I haven't really shared with the world yet is uh, I think because they knew this one was going to the New York Times when they leaked it on Monday. So they had it, <laughs> they had it all doctored up and, and looking fantastic, unlike the previous. 11 issues that we've read read um so yeah that's where we're at here we'll get into the blurb uh and then we'll, we'll talk about this thing here and and i don't know probably outrage about it because uh, that's what we do there's probably. there's an art to lying that some people companies possess and others simply don't marvel comics and nick spencer fall squarely into the latter of these two categories of classification the, the writer and company denied outright at points these are tweets from nick spencer the Cosmic Cube, uh, yeah, they, they denied outright the Cosmic Cube were diverse at all and that we are 100% not going to do that in the face of fans seeing the writing on the wall ahead of time because of Kobik's involvement. So we're going to fast forward a few months, several issues added later, something else they said wouldn't happen, and we have our ending, which is, you guessed it, the Cosmic Cube reversed it all. Uh, so what was the point of all this other than a blatant failed gimmick of a cash grab? Especially since one of the lasting effects is Las Vegas is in shambles, but it is perfectly fine in other books of the Marvel Universe. So let's discuss things here and find out what the hell is going on with Secret Empire number 10.
why does this happen as soon as I record every week? Like you what? guys are, are literally out of control in this house. <laughs> uh, like it can be quiet until I hook all the stuff up to podcast and then it's we're washing dishes and we're playing in the cupboards with pots and pans. And... <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's because life. you're recording. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, the events, uh, the final events here kick off right from the previous issue with, with Steve Rogers coming out in his Iron Man-esque Captain America suit. It's embedded with the Cosmic Cube in its chest. Um, you know, he, he comes out semi-reasonable, I guess, uh, at first trying one last quick talk with the Resistance, um, who end up just Avengers assemble and, and attack him, even though they know it's really a fruitless effort because he has all this cube power so to speak um oh yeah <laughs> the, this the the page where they all assemble looks a little weird to me i feel like luke cage is twice the size of the hulk in this panel i know i know the hulk uh, is behind uh, him but still like hulk should be some of the faces some of the faces have like a very like frank quietly down down syndrome look like uh like gene <laughs> gray and, and luke cage <laughs> like yeah. you, you, you if you've ever seen Frank Quietly's art, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the heroes kind of get all close uh, to Captain America before he uses what I've, I've referred to as, you know, the go-to move he, he has, which is just punching the middle of the ground. Uh, didn't he do this at the end of last issue? Uh, and then everybody goes scattering and, like, dies a la Thanos from Infinity Gauntlet. Um, yeah, they just disappear. Yeah, and then they all vanish when he starts, you know, using the power of the cube to rewrite history. So all the heroes are gone. Um, at this point, we, we get that splash page we referenced uh, a minute or two earlier with the newspapers, uh, which is like, you know, Hydra's version of rewritten history. Um, I don't know. This page doesn't even look finished, really, does it? Like, doesn't it look like the newspaper should be colored? <laughs> That's, um, it does. It does. <laughs> I, I skipped ahead two pages, and I, I, fi I found Ron Lim's little tiny friggin' panel that he did. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they got, yeah. like, some people that have contributed possibly one panel. Um, so, yeah, after the newspaper scene, we got Steve, like, transforming Washington, D.C. into the image of Hydra's Washington, D.C., like all the monuments and stuff, get a, a slight alteration and are restored from being destroyed from fights. Uh, then we, we get kind of a weird scene because Cap didn't take out all the heroes. There were a few, I guess, hiding in the bushes he didn't see. <laughs> I, I don't why know. Is, um, why is the Washington Monument a candlestick? No. <laughs> yeah, I know. Doesn't it look like a candle? <laughs> Legit does. It's like a Christmas candle or a church candle now. Um, <laughs> and you're right. Where, where the fuck was Sam Wilson and, and um, fucking Ant Man hiding? Yeah, like, they, they were hiding in, on uh, the stairs of this monument behind Cap, I guess. And and only every hero in front of him vanished. So we kind of get this scene that's supposed to be reminiscent of from back again to Affinity Gauntlet, where um, Cap is approaching Thanos with the glove, you know. And this time it's. Captain America Sam Wilson approaching Stevel uh, in his Hydra suit. Um, supposed to, That's you know, mimic name. that scene in essence. Uh, instead of this time, instead of standing up to the bully, 
he bends the knee like John to Daenerys in Game of Thrones and uh, <laughs> hands over the cube, hands over the shield, and he's just like, here, this is this is for you. I'm tired of people getting hurt. Um, however, this is all just a giant ruse because as Steve goes to slip this cube fragment in his star on his chest, add it to the rest. This is the barf cube, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, the barf shard. Um, <laughs> the barf shard. Yeah, the, the barf shard. The barf <laughs> does not cooperate with Steve, and uh, that's really not what happens. The barf is fine. But Ant-Man jumps into Steve's chest at this point with Bucky, and they rescue what we find out to be the real Steve and Kobik from inside the cube uh, and bring them into the See, real world. I have right? a theory about that. Like, <laughs> I, because like because Hydra Steve is actual Steve with his memories taken away. So like yeah. I think like Kobik just took the the old memories of Steve, like the good actual Steve, and she just like created him a new body. So now there's two of them. So it's like it's it's kind of like Captain America now is like a fresh start. Like he's not even like he is the Captain America he used to be. He has all the memories, but when it comes to his body and everything that he is, he's brand friggin' new. You know, yeah. it's just weird. Yeah, it's it is really weird because basically what the semantics Nick Spencer uses to state this is the real Cap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is the real That's Cap is, is essentially semantics. evil, but it's all it's a semantics game because. <laughs> He yeah he turned the real Cap evil and he's Hydra now, so they just basically just ignore that Cap's existence and say now the real Steve is this new one generated by Kobik, who never really did any of the evil stuff and is a genuine oh, copy yeah. again. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, he can he can play his game of semantics, but anyone who's read a comic book knows what happened here. Uh, it's basically kind of the um superior spider-man ending done shitty i mean that's what you got going on here um <laughs> because instead it's of so cheap and it gets worse yeah instead of consequences you know like peter had consequences and he's still really dealing with the fallout of all those consequences even now a couple years later this is just like oh hey we got a new one that didn't do anything bad uh yeah, people will see his face and they'll think to of accept. the old one yeah uh, yeah, they'll still have a hard time with it because they'll see his face, but at the same time, they'll be like, well, you know, we, we saw it on t TV. We know that he's not the evil Captain America, yeah. but still, you know, was Captain America. Like, it's going to be so yeah. fucking weird. And, and there's even one point we're going to get to here in a second after this fight that even uh, Iron Man um, at one point is just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. No big deal. It's you now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> But but anyway, so now we got the real cat back. He literally appeared out of thin air. He was generated by Kobik because when um all right, I think we kind of skipped a little bit here. Uh so Bucky yeah, Barnes and Ant-Man reveal that hey, we're the ones that that screwed with you and the reason you don't have the cube. And uh Kobik reveals herself starts changing all of DC back to the way it was, you know, reversing everything Hydra Steve did. Yeah. Uh, literally what they said <laughs> wouldn't happen. Uh, and then Steve, again, appears out of thin air, and the two caps start fighting. Uh, it, there's a, The one cool part about this fight I like is when Bad Cap jumps at him with the shield, 
and he kicks him over and then throws the shield and and good cap like grabs it that part was kind of yeah, cool. i did like that that was really um, cool. there was some cool stuff there was some really cool yeah stuff. yeah the fight the fight looks good i mean it, it's a comic book fight so i don't have a problem with the, the fighting uh per se because it looks good and it, it's paneled well there's no jarring transitions it's weird literally i don't know where the camera is uh that everybody's watching this on tv <laughs> TV, TV, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> how convenient uh, how convenient yeah, the whole world gets to see the real captain see, yeah, right right yeah just to do sex machina this whole thing away um so the how whole world the cheesy, knows how about the cheesy panel from civil war but instead of iron man and cap it's cap yeah, and cap it's the two caps <laughs> yeah it's literally they just replaced iron man with they colored the armor different in the Hydra and the, the yeah. you know, replaced the head. Um, eventually, good cap gets the upper hand on bad cap after this fight goes up back and forth. And it leads to them both in kind of like a Rocky three Rocky two. I don't know which Rocky it is when they're both on probably every Rocky when both the fighters are knocked out on the ground and it's a race to get up <laughs> to get the, the next Dusex Machina laying there on the floor, which is uh, Thor's hammer. We can see why the bad cap was able to lift it now from the free comic book day issue because it was enchanted to have the wording change saying, you know, only Hydra is worthy of lifting this fucking hammer. I don't whatever. Um, Ugh. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets there's so many levels of stupid here. I can't. It's I mean, there's a new eye roll on every page. So yeah. uh, now it's no longer enchanted the hammer because Kobik reversed everything. So bad Steve tries to pick it up and he can't. So when good Steve tries to pick it up, he obviously can because he's pure again. And he, uh, as Eric Shea would say, over the plate home runs evil Steve out of. The realm of existence i guess i don't know he hits him really hard and he goes flying Ooh. and he comes down on his face <laughs> i like that panel. <laughs> he, literally, he, he literally comes flat down on his head <laughs> he cracks the concrete <laughs> yeah like it i don't care if you have superpowers or not when you land like that on your chin and your neck you are fucking dead fucking you are dead, dead. <laughs> yeah um so then this is when Iron Man says, uh, after, well, here's Cap's line. Tony, all of you, I'm so sorry. This wasn't, Iron Man interrupts him. We know it wasn't. It's good to have you back, Cap. And everything's all better. Because <laughs> Cap yep. then throws the hammer to Jane Foster, and she's all well and good. Uh, then Kobik is still lingering around. Which now everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody knows it's Jane, right? Like, yeah, because yeah, last and, issue she went back to normal. So. Yeah, so she can't be mad at Gwenpool anymore for hollering that out. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Kobik's still like reversing things, so she she basically sends everything back to normal except for the destruction that was left in the wake of Secret Empire. So, quote unquote, Las Vegas is seen in shambles. With, I guess this means. All right, I'm confused a oh, little shit. bit because they do have a funeral scene later, but they show Rick Jones and Black Widow yeah, here. Uh, so yeah, this this is like just a reference to what's not coming back: Las Vegas and these two. Um, she sends all the good heroes off to the vanishing point to have a gift of journey and discovery. Um, 
<laughs> quote unquote in the narration. What a cheap <laughs> so so now you guys did it, have your tie-in reason to buy all the generations book. This is supposedly it, this line. Uh because then the heroes yep. immediately returned to where they vanished from. And it says, and when we returned, we were restored, reborn. So I don't know what any of that means, but they all had their adventure and came back in one panel of Secret Empire 10. Yikes. And then we uh, get a splash page with the Avengers celebrating. Earth's Mightiest Heroes, they're called. Uh, Tony has his helmet back on in this panel. Um, He's super shiny. Yeah. <laughs> So then we check in on our epilogue. This is our penultimate epilogue to the real epilogue coming in the Omega issue. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is epilogue number one, uh, we could call it. They just start wrapping events up. They let all the humans out of internment camps and make, make them, I guess, sign this piece of shit paperwork that says they're not going to sue. Is that what I read yeah. down here? <laughs> like, what yeah, the fuck? I think that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like the government's waiting to let them all out. They're like, here, sign this saying you won't sue us for being assholes for treating you like shit. Uh, <laughs> but treating you like Jewish people in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's literally what it is. It's like if you uh, let all the Jewish people out of internment camps in Nazi Germany and like, here, don't sue anybody uh, for, for them almost killing you. Um, or what they did to the American Japanese in World War Two, yeah. put them in internment camps yeah. in it's, America. It, it's more, so. it's more that, uh, it's more that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying than the true, uh, true Nazi internment camps. But regardless, it's still yeah. a, a shit thing to do. Um, so then Barf is featured here after he gets out of prison. This is his brother, right? It's or his stepbrother, or I forget the it's relationship. Little brother, between yeah. These two, okay, yeah, it's his brother. So they're like the only, they, they never really showed their parents. They kind of lived together and they head home after he gets out of prison. I don't know who his little brother was living with, um, but he's hanging out outside of jail. I imagine he lived in a box outside of the jail waiting for Barf to get out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they so convenient. So it makes sense because the yeah. rest of the story. So because he wasn't living <laughs> at this fucking house they own because then they go home. And they find out their house is destroyed. It says die in human, hail Hydra all over their fucking house. <laughs> they go to bed inside this dilapidated oh, house uh, and wake up the next morning to all the scumbags who destroyed their house now fixing it. Uh, from what I understood, I guess, because this teacher is like ashamed, right? Isn't this the teacher from the school? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. From the beginning, she's the one who was like, "If you see something, report something." And then one of the yeah. little shitbags in his class was like, "Oh well, his brother Brian's a fucking inhuman." Yeah, his brother <laughs> Brian's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, the story ends with some cheesy narration again. Uh, this narration is so awful; it's like nauseating. Because in the end, we never we find out who back. it is. Yeah, no, and you never know who it is. It's it's somebody that just witnessed one of the heroes on the resistance side is what I understood it to be uh, telling the story. Um, but anyway, in the end we overcame, we lost so much, but we never lost hope. As you see the kid playing with a Sam Wilson, Captain America toy. Oy. So I don't, I don't know the end. <laughs> and then they feed yes. Omega issue. Number one. Uh, so that comes out, I guess next month sometime. I don't know. I'm not interested in it really. I heard we're going to, uh, I read an article of something they were talking about how they're going to address Punisher being Hydra in there somewhere, I guess. I don't know. Who gives a 
Shit, yeah, you know all the people that um, said they were Hydra and loyal to Hydra, that then they never appeared again in the event. They're going to address all that. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Buy, borrow, or forget. I want to forget this book ever existed to begin with. I, I like some of the early issues, honestly, and it, it did get me intrigued. And then it dragged on for too long and meandered into things that were never addressed again, like Ultron and fucking, uh, you know, Punisher. He was kind of addressed again, but really no reasoning for anything was given. You, you, you filled in a lot of blanks if you didn't read literally every single tie-in. Uh, the, the art was not event worthy. The price was probably like close to a hundred dollars for buying 10 issues of, uh, well, no, I would probably like 80, uh, if you bought everything in the series so far, cause the free comic day issue was of course free unless you had to buy it on eBay. Um, I don't know. There, there's really nothing redeeming about this. Uh, it, I don't want to read another Marvel event for a long time, uh, <laughs> after this bad no. boy. So. It's really a forget. I don't know if you have any different opinions than I have. I don't have much more to say about it. We really just uh, joked a lot about I like, it. I, I feel like the the Andrea Sorrentino, like the art for the most part in this was good. Like I liked the the Lionel Francis U issues. I liked the Daniel Acuna issues. I felt like the, the first, the number one, the first Steve McNiven issue was a little off for Steve McNiven as where this is Steve McNiven in this yeah. issue. Like you could tell he yeah, had more I think time. I even said that at the time. Like this kind of looks like Steve McNiven was rushed <laughs> to, to, to yeah. print. You know what I'm saying? And then they're and like, this. okay, Steve, you do one in 10 and you get two weeks for one and you got three months for 10. You know what I'm saying? For 10. Yeah. Cause he brought it in 10, like 10. He really, yeah, he did totally. a great job. Uh, the Lionel Francis U issues were good. We had that Ultron issue that literally like other, like we know they were hunting for a cosmic cube fragment, but it literally went nowhere other than like having a dinner with Hank Pym slash Ultron, which really was Hank Pym slash Ultron. If you've read, um, Oh God, what was the, it was the Rick Remendo OGN that followed yeah. uh, age of Ultron. I, I think it was, it was just called Avengers assemble or something crazy oh, no, like it, that. It I, was, um, it, it was rage of Ultron. Rage called. of Ultron. That, yep, yep, yep. By, uh, Jerome Pena and Rick Remender, and that—that's when that there that happened, and we haven't heard from that ever again up until right now. Uh, it was actually, <laughs> but, it, it was addressed a little bit in Uncanny Avengers, I think, was the book. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. The the Remender yeah, run of Uncanny, but I, I didn't finish that run yet. I only got two volumes in, and then I went on to too much stuff to read. I went on to yeah. something else and just forgot about it, but. Yeah. Um, this is it, just, everything was just way too fucking convenient. It was like, they, they tried to sell it to us in the beginning that they weren't going to do all the, like this atypical shit. And then it all, it was just like a pathetic smoke screen to like yeah. put us off the trail of doing a bunch of convenient, atypical shit. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> like literally anybody who reads comics knew this ending before uh, secret empire issue zero was released. And like Marvel yeah. and Spencer put on the whole offensive of, oh, these people are being short-sighted and this is so much more than that and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's and the then whole reason they fucking... Oh, God. No, no, no. I got nothing more to, to really say that you were uh, probably going to say exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Well, that's the whole reason why they, like, they, it's so fucking cheap. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to leave Vegas destroyed. We're going to leave Rick Jones and Black Widow dead. That's so they can claim that it had lasting changes right. on the universe. That's, right, that's right, the whole right. reason they did that. So cheap. 
Yeah, but, yeah. It's it's just and it, tip, it was the same lasting impact that uh, Civil War Two had, like Hulk's dead. Big fucking yeah, like they just trained people to be dead every event, and that's the lasting effect. And is he back alive? Like what happened? Like I forget yeah, what I happened know. to Bruce Banner. Like they I don't think it they killed like him. it was Ultimate Hulk almost. But then we saw we read Ultimates, and that obviously it wasn't Ultimate Hulk because he just came back. Well, it wasn't in, Ultimate Hulk <laughs> in that book. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and, and they oh, went off. And trying to um, <clears throat> and like it's such so, so fucking half-assed. Like we're gonna connect it to generations. Kobik gives them a gift. Now I will say, like. The, the way it ties in <clears throat> through some of like the characters like had p problems with themselves in their books like and it does address the issues that they have with themselves and specifically like the mighty thor one where jane's gonna die so like i have a theory about that like it's all like <clears throat> generations really did set it up to the point where they let you know that jane's gonna die jane foster's gonna die but she like the whole entire story is about she has to stay in this form. Like it's the only yeah. way she's gonna live is if she stays in this form forever. Well, we know that Odinson's gonna get that hammer back eventually anyway. So something's gonna happen where like some magical thing that's gonna like let her become like the new Valkyrie or something, and and you know she's gonna end up becoming like a full on Asgardian full time, so she doesn't have to die because they have the magic. They have right. we have the technology. We can rebuild her. <laughs> so like. Like, that's what's going to happen. Like, I know it. And she's going to become a side character in a new Mighty Thor run, like, starring Odinson. Like, meh, meh. But it just, it's, I don't know. I mean, that's cool and all. Like, there was some cool stuff that went on here. But at the cost we got it at, it just wasn't fucking worth it. Like, it, it's a forget for me. Like, I followed it all the way along. Um, the, the Sorrentino issues just made it, like, I don't know. I don't know what, it, I, like, I like his art. But for some reason, his issues felt so fucking long. Like, when I read them, they felt like they took forever to get through. And it just yeah. made the event, even though it was six months. Like, this could have been a year. It was, like, almost 12 issues. But it was only, like, five, six months. And it felt like it took forever. I, like, <laughs> just I, I think it's just because it wasn't very interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. It meandered for so long in certain spots. Uh, yeah, if you really wanted to rush this thing out, they should have really chopped the issue count and not kept adding to it. Because they added a tenth. Like, I did. It was supposed to be nine, and then they added the Omega. Um, oh, yeah. I, I did the math. Like, this is like, oh, God, this is going to be an omnibus. Like, with all the tie-ins, it's going to be well over 1,200 pages. And yeah. just the Secret Empire issues alone are over 500 pages. This could be... They could have cut it down to six forty-page issues. It could have been two hundred and forty pages. Didn't need to be more than that. It could have been nice, tight. It would have been like not the best event ever, but it would have been, you know, action-packed and interesting if you took half the issues away. But you know, whatever. For some reason, they decided to like we could. It could have been monthly. It didn't have to be. But whose half-cocked idea was to do a bi-weekly <laughs> event with a writer who just obviously couldn't handle the the schedule? You know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. It, he had to do like atypical shit that he promised he wouldn't do. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I in my review that I'm I'm putting up on the the website here, like uh, I literally copied and pasted Nick Spencer's tweets from before the uh, <laughs> Secret Empire came out as my intro. Uh, it, these are his tweets. My favorite complaint about Secret Empire One is it's clearly an alternate reality story since the Cosmic Cube will reverse all of it. It's my favorite because we'll absolutely one hundred percent not do that this is the spoiler i will hand out like it's candy on halloween 
But when I hear people say it, I know it means we succeeded in shaking things up so drastically that people can't imagine another outcome. And people couldn't imagine another outcome because it was the outcome they were given. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't. That's why nobody can imagine another outcome because they they saw the writing on the wall, reading the entire lead up to it, and, and it's exactly what happened. So, uh, I'm not gonna, like I'm not stoned. And I was giggling through this whole entire like review of this book. Like I was giggling yeah. and laughing to myself hysterically the whole time. And I'm straight as an arrow right now. Like that's how ridiculous this book is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's like it comes off as a comedy because you're just like, oh, I knew this would happen. And it, it, you just get so many of those moments in in this title uh, by the oh, end yeah, of the book. I'm so glad it's over. Yeah. So we're happy to be done with it. Uh, you guys are looking for more of us. Um, after this shit show you can find us on marvel madness comics podcast we'll talk a few more marvel books this week uh you know you can find us individually uh i'm at bmer3660 on twitter trevitt where are you at man i am at afronatic so that's where we can be found uh in the meantime until next week guys we will holler at you then party is over peace out hey you won't give a fuck, give a fuck, give a fuck. Hey, hey, fuck you won't give a fuck, give a Move on, move on, get gone, get gone. Fuck you won't give a fuck, give a Move on, move on, get gone, get gone. Fuck you won't give a fuck, give a fuck. You gon' make me put you back in your place. So fuck you won't give a fuck. It's over and I'm fucking done, done, done. How you doing, Eric Shea? How you, how you doing? Doing. Did okay. you like that Secret Empire 10? Did you like it? Did you like it, Eric? Sure. <laughs> you don't even know what I'm talking about, Eric Shea. I got an idea. You are not a good liar, you son of a bitch. Do you like that Secret Empire 10? Did you, Eric, did you, what would you give it? I thought it was Secret Empire 15. Secret Empire number 10 is what I was told by Brandon. I have it right here I don't in the know mail nothing about section. Nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. And I just X'd out of my notes. <laughs> I'm doing a little boppity bop dance to my own little tune, Eric. I don't know why I just did that. All right, my notes are back. We are here to have some more fun, Eric, since we had so much fun with that JLA in the first section. We're now going to have uh, what I would like to call this section Wonder Red Womanhood. That's what you call Wonder Red Womanhood. Is red Wonder Womanhood. That's Red Hood of the Woman of Outlaws. Wonder Outlaws Womanhood Red. I, I just like the idea of womanhood. 
You like the womanhood, so how about Wonder Annual Outlaws Womanhood? Is that good? No. Is, 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 that, is that good? Maybe Alfred could put that womanhood. on it. Alfred could put that on a banner, put it outside. Goddamn One of Alfred. those goddamn fucking hotels of Bruce's. Uh, yes, Eric, we're, we're here to talk about a couple more books. We don't have a lot of books. Uh, that means we can stretch our, you know, stretch out and, and let these books breathe, Eric. Give oh. them the proper breathing room that they need. Now, behind the scenes, me and you did record Wonder Woman last night. And yes, unfortunately, my kids decided that it was more important to go on YouTube and watch stupid things, not only on the TV, but also on two separate phones and a computer. Oh, and that is why we're back t- today to talk about it again. Did, because did you hit him? I was going to. I may have. I, I don't want to incriminate myself too much, but I may have. But yeah, uh, we get to talk about this book for a second time, and uh, the, I don't want to. I no, really don't. It's okay. It's not horrible. Uh, we'll get into it. Just give us the stats, or give me the stats. Wonder Woman number 29, written by Shea Fontana with art by Anaki Miranda, Romeo Fajardo Jr., and Seda Temafonte. The plot to Shea Fontana's Heart of the Amazon is revealed in this issue after Wonder Woman and Etta Candy take out the five assassins bent on collecting the bounty on our hero. We find out that the man behind it wants Wonder Woman so that he can take her DNA and create a super cure for ill people around the world. And since it may save countless people, Wonder Woman turns herself over. Yes, Eric. Yes, she does. And we start out in Arlington, and we get to see our man Steve Trevor for the first time so since Shea Fontana took You say took we start over. out in Arlington. I'm like, we started out in Warlington. No, well, yeah, with Wonder Woman there, it is funny, but it is Arlington, you stupid son of a it's bitch. It's Warlington, but, yeah, Virginia. We're there at Warlington, Virginia, and we see Steve Trevor there. So it's nice to see old Stevie boy. And the thing about it is is that uh, I have a theory that this issue was delayed a little bit. It was delayed a week. So I think that it might have been delayed just because they were waiting for the end of Greg Rucka's run. Because this, throughout this whole issue, it's the first time that Shea Fontana is pretty much allowed or knows what happened at the end of Greg Rucka's run because we do have a bunch of times in the issue where it's like, okay, look, I understand what's going on, guys. Here is what happened, Steve Trevor being one of them, and they do kind of say, you have a general there, whoever it is, says, uh, hey, Steve, you know, you were busy. Uh, He's mad because he's like, you should have told me somebody had attacked Wonder Woman. You should have told me this. And he's like, no, no, no. Once we ensured Wonder Woman's safety, which is funny he's saying that at the moment as she's getting attacked uh, by a bunch of assassins yeah so he says we thought best you remain focused on your work at the refugee camp so there's what he was doing this is almost to me as if yeah well yeah well you have uh, who knows what country he was in uh, i'm sure they told you no i don't think they do I, and we, think, we saw it in the first issue of this uh, Shea Fontana song. I, I didn't even think that they spelled out a country. I just thought – and really that was – he was there at that point yeah. kind of holding tight to so she could find out what was going on. If it ended with you know Wonder Woman pissed off and, and mad at Steve, we may not have ever seen him again in at least this, this uh, story. She would have just kept him at the refugee camp. But now he's back. And he's there, and we said it was funny because he doesn't want to talk to this general. He's like, listen, somebody attacked her. Uh, You know, that means I have to go. And you have the general. He's like, we have not finished your debriefing, Master Chief Trevor. And then he says, permission to leave? 
and then just zips <laughs> off. <laughs> granted, you beautiful granted, you, you good-looking soldier, you. And we made you fun of this Chris all Pine week. Looking yeah, and it is, and really, that that's one thing. And it's weird because I didn't hear anybody, didn't see many, much backlash for this, for it being the Steve Pine Wonder Woman. If you remember Green Arrow in the New 52 around the time that the – the TV show the arrow, yeah. started getting good, and uh, you had a lot of those characters all coming from the show onto the well, book. Diggle but showed also, up in Jeff Lemire's yeah. run, and, and then yeah. after that, Felicity Smoke showed Felicity, up. Felicity, and they had that look, and it really did seem like they were trying to push the look of the TV show. And boy, people got upset. They sure were did. angry. Uh, it's weird. I didn't see. I really, I didn't see much about this issue in general at all, anyway. But it is the Chris Pine. Steve Trevor, well, he goes off and just, we made so much fun of this because you told me about it and you have the general there as Steve is already going away. <laughs> Granted. Granted. And we kept doing this. We were doing it all week at work where I was saying stuff to you and then walking away. Granted. <laughs> and it's such a good moment. It makes me laugh so much when that happens in any sort of movie or whatever. So I, I did like that. We then go off to Wonder Woman in Georgetown, Eric. We're getting a walking tour of that, that uh, Washington, D.C. Yes, the W is silent in Georgetown. What Georgetown, Washington D.C. And she is she's fighting the assassins, and this is a thing that you liked. Actually, you can tell the people about it, Eric. Well, it's just the whole narrative. I'm telling you, the fight is a throwaway goddamn fight that goes on too long in my mind. It just has useless characters. So we have right now we have Cat, Cat Eye, Cheshire, Aboleth, Plastique, and Bondo the Warrior. Yeah. And this whole fight just goes on way too long. The only thing that I really enjoyed about it was the narration of Wonder Woman going through the whole idea of somebody taking her body while the internet, the media, and the freaking news. They talk about her body all the time. They're taking her body and their minds and imaginations, talking about her waist size and all this stuff. And now it's the whole idea of like, you know, somebody actually coming and taking her body physically. I'm like, Man. I thought it was a decent narration going through this fight because I have not been getting a lot out of this Shay Fontana run of Wonder Woman. And I thought this was a pretty cool narration. Yeah, I hated it. I hated I every moment of it. I hated it more the second time I read it. Because I'm reading this. Number one, we went from Greg Rucka's run. I said I was not a hundred percent fan of Greg Rucka's run, but he made it that Diana was, you know, there for love and she was and all and really wasn't a, you know, a sex symbol and stuff like this. To me, this is just Shea Fontana throwing this in to get false kudos. It really feels like that, that she's trying to get people on her side by throwing this because you can do this with, uh, you know, the story itself kind of is about that. Why do you have to have a forced narration of her thinking that? And I think that her thinking that is way off. Her thinking in the middle of a battle, like, ever since I came to the world of humanity, my flesh has been the subject of intense speculation. It just doesn't seem like Wonder Woman would say that to me. It might be something that a Steve Trevor would say to her, like, you know what's bullshit? These people, I was on the internet, I was on that dark web. And they were saying shit about your body. It gets me mad. And then her say, listen, Steve. Because that body's mine. You listen, that? Steven. Yeah, she always says. But like, hey, you know, people have their, you know, trifles and their little things they do. But what the big – to me, it, it was very forced. And it was like a Wonder Woman being a – Woman, I hate to say it because some people probably think I'm a piece of shit, but I think it's yeah. like the social justice warrior part of Wonder Woman 101. It, it's such a surface level thing to just throw out there. It does tie in 
you know, kind of nicely into this story because she's mm-hmm. like, and now they're coming to get me. But it's it just the whole thing. Like many have talked long as if my body was theirs, a prize to be won. I'm like, really? You're, you're going so far over the top. Number one, nobody would, would talk about it like that anyway. And especially at this point, it just seems so far-fetched to me to just force in a little thing where people would be like you know what it is good to have a woman write wonder woman because they get it i I think that it was overly forced but people might disagree with me and now think that i'm a sexist but i just i thought that it was way over the top and and then with that we have a a battle that just continues i've seen they live Eric, where a fight doesn't you mean end. the and ultimate the, fight of all time? Yeah, and this is basically it. I mean, you do have five uh, assassins, right? There, There yeah. is five of them, and they basically just step up each one after the other and just announce what they're doing, announce who they are, what especially Cat Eye. Cat Eye's the worst because uh, who cares about Cat Eye? Freaking Etta takes her down. Etta's hurt, has a cane, and takes down Cat Eye. And she just shows up and I am Cat Eye, born of the Nile, incarnation of the great goddess Bastet. And we're like, oh no, not Bastet. Oh no. Please don't I, Bastet, Bastet was a big part of the DCYOU Dr. Fate series. She granted freaking, you know, Khalid Nassour the power of dr fate i'm like i don't think bastet's going with this whole cat eye bitch she's no. got dr fate over there and she's Actually, like i'm she gonna she don't even have dr fate over yeah, there i don't really? know what happened to Khalid. okay she i think she should have just called it quits after that yeah. that mess but uh she's there um i'm here to guide diana to of themiscara to the underworld and and you have you know ed is like you know what i know goddesses you're a phony you're no goddess at this time Wonder Woman is fighting Cheshire. Uh, they're going at each other. But, yeah, it's just – it's nonsense. It, it, it's not nonsense. It's just a lot of padding, a lot of – It is a little padding. And then we have to freaking, you know, pad it even extra to see Steve Trevor's progression to yeah, him getting so to good. where she is. I love how Steve is – him breaking some goddamn yeah. road walls. And he's just and not going to get there. It's so no. great because as they're fighting – and you have mentions of – you have Cheshire mention that, uh, you know, I paid a lot of money for this Amazon strength sedative to have this – Gene freak super soldier getting away who, who, who with Who you Avalon. paying this for? I'm done because it well, seemed like Dr. Crawford had created it. Is yeah, it seemed like she Dr. created Crawford? it. Maybe she, maybe she did. I don't know because then we have a weird tie-in later with Plastique with uh, Dr. Crawford, which came out of nowhere and really threw me off. But yeah, as and they're the, fighting. The thing is, too, with Plastique, because we have everybody get taken out and then they go after Plastique, uh, Plastique at the end. Yeah. And yeah, she has the freaking lasso of truth wrapped around her. But she just starts telling everybody everything. Yeah. Does not need to, it's not like, you know, they asked her a question. She had No, to that's, that's sudden, what was weird to oh, me. Oh, man, I just... I, I helped Dr. Crawford bomb your brother's wedding, and I, I'm working yeah. for the government to take you down. Wonder Woman, like it's like Wonder Woman. It's like, like yeah, Wonder Woman's like, listen, right, listen. You know, I didn't ask. <laughs> I'm supposed to ask first. Jesus Christ. The other thing that got me is she has the lasso on her. Earlier, you even see that she can just kind of blow up. She can blow yeah. up and knock people off her. Why, why didn't she attempt that? The lasso no. of truth does not make, you know, it's the lasso of subjugation, I guess, as well. But still, it's not like they told her not to. Do. If I was her, I'd be blowing up shit left and right. I, I would have. That would have been my first move. But and like you said, she just she spills to, her guts. Spills, her, uh, spills the beans immediately, and it's such a weird like you know forced entry where she's like i helped dr crawford create the bomb like why don't you just there and blow it up with your goddamn fucking bomb yeah. powers why yeah. did you, why, a goddamn you do bomb that for dr. And it, crawford? Really, it throws me off because we had that little girl in that issue and it was uh edda's brother's wedding uh yeah. that we're talking about that the bomb blew up uh the number one 
that we had a cool setup when the little kid was under the table and Wonder Woman's like, hey, what are you doing, little girl? Oh, you know, I was playing with this lady. She left, this sick lady. She left this neat thing counting down. It was the bomb. Like you said, that doesn't sound like plastic. The no. other thing is now it kind of throws whatever. Remember we said the plan was already wonky. Dr. Crawford's plan was, you know, I'm going to set this bomb. They're going to blow up. There's going to be this. Ed will get, uh, you know, injured. Wonder Woman will have to take Ed here instead of a hospital. I'll get Wonder Woman. I'll sedate her. Like, it was a very complicated plan. None of that jived. No, and it jives less to me throwing plastique in. That is another thing thrown in that makes no sense. You you never saw her. The bomb didn't – the bomb appeared to be something that, you know, you would make, like that goddamn wall of cardboard that you made. Yeah, Yeah, the wooden cardboard. But, you know, it wasn't anything that I would have seen and said, oh, my God, plastique's in the house. It it really looked very rudimentary as just a terrorist bomb type thing. It just seemed off. Uh, And it seemed off here just to have a connection, but really a connection you didn't need. The connection here was just so that Etta can punch her out. It seemed like that was for a – really a quote-unquote punchline, Eric. It's a punchline because when this all happens, you do have uh, Bondo get taken down. Bondo was the last warrior that was around. They're like, hey, where would that kid go? And he shows up. Oh, you know, don't call me a child. I'm Bondo the warrior and then starts reciting the the art of war where Ed is like, you know who recites the art of war while you're fighting? Children, and then hits her, hits him with the cane that Is it ends him? up. I thought it was a her. No, they say he at one point. I thought it... when I, yeah, actually when I went, they said where did he go? Said what happened to the kid? Did he run away? Oh, because right. I thought it was a girl too until the second time I read it. But she does, Etta does say he, and then uh, as they're fighting, just you see, Bondo has this crazy like. Almost like a, a, a Iron Man type, you know, thing in the front, a round circle, and she just hits it with her cane, and he's done. Bondo <laughs> the warrior ain't shit. No, and you know, I just I don't understand what's going on here. And then that's where they tie up Plastique and start asking her questions. She she spills all the beans. They find out they want Diana wants to find out who hired them, and the, you know has to get into the into Plastique's phone, the pair phone or whatever, the eye pair but uh says uh you know what what's your password it's kaboom with a k the number four eva so it's kaboom forever and uh yeah forever and that's where etta gets the thing and like i'm gonna punch you now 90 percent for helping bomb my brother's wedding 10 percent for having a stupid password jeez then she really didn't like that password i'm telling you it should be it should be 99.9 percent for kill people probably died at that wedding, but she's 10% mad about that password. But yeah, they she they knock her out. Etta hits her, hits plastic, knocks her out, and then Steve shows up. Hey, what's going on? I, tell, I think he went around the block a All couple right. times. He it's, saw it's, shit oh, still yeah, going. He freaking shows up. Oh, shit, there's a fight going on. Time to go oh, yeah. around the block like, a few times. You know what I need? I need to fill up. I'm a little oh, low on gas he gets here. There. Oh, baby, I'm a little late. It's make out time. Yeah, yeah. He shows up and is like, hey, what did I miss? He actually says, what's going on? Steven. And then uh, Ed is like, a little late, Steve. <laughs> like, yep, nope, perfect timing, baby. But yeah, this is where you're like, holy crap, it looks like Steve Pine. And they start making out him and Diana. Steve Pine? And then, or uh, Chris Pine. I was thinking of Steve Trevor and Chris Pine combined. So Chris Pine. Is that what is now a Steve Pine? It's Steve Pine. I don't care. I, I actually, I don't mind the art in this issue. 
Uh, I think it's it, it's better at some points. I don't like. I'm not a fan of Chris Pine looking Steve Trevor. Oh, I neither am I. He, we, he was so said. rugged and handsome. Yeah, like Liam Sharp's freaking like you know the truth and the lies. Sam, yep. like, I want him to look like that a little bit yeah. like you know unshaven, a little rugged. Yep, I like that. But they they go off and they go off to the picket. You have Sasha there, and Sasha. This is the other part where Sasha says, "Hey." Edda, uh, you reconciled with Wonder Woman? And then Edda says, holding a grudge against here put me in a bad company. I picked my side, Sasha. I don't know what that means. I, I don't means know what that means. she made up with Wonder Woman is what it means, man. I don't know. She picked her side. It seems like she like almost is saying, and in the art of that, looks pissed. Looks like she's looking at Wonder Woman pissed like, okay, I'm going to pretend. It almost to me seems like I picked me. Like, I know what I'm mad at. I'm still mad at her, but I'm just going to pretend I'm not. It really seemed weird the way she said I. She didn't say, like, hey, you know what? It put me in a bad company. I decided to water under the bridge. I decided to be friends. But they are. It's just a weird yeah. line. And like I said, it looks like she's mad in that art. But yeah, they I, go. I'm just happy that like we have Sasha Bordeaux here now that we're going to the picket because we think that the freaking the place the ultra like was it ultra tech or ultra tech? Yeah, yeah. That seems a bit compromised, especially since Doctor Crawford was working there and shit like that. So they go to the picket where Sasha Bordeaux is. The first time we've seen Sasha Bordeaux since Greg Ruckus run. So I really enjoyed this whole like you know inclusion of the continuity to freaking, yeah. because you know uh, Shay Fontana did not know where Greg Ruckus was going well, that's with what his the series thing is. That's, at I, the beginning of yeah. her run. So now that she does know, she can put it in here and it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, she continuity puts it in because yeah, fine. she didn't know sasha could have been dead she didn't yeah. know that etta and this etta kind of dead. and this kind of explains no, why <laughs> no i no, but this kind of explains why at the beginning of shea fontana's run she didn't seem mad at wonder woman yeah. so they throw it in here it just seemed a little forced but it's not her fault it's not her fault this is how it was when she was thrown on there and greg rucka was not done with his story so she I had, had no idea where it that. seemed to be going anyway but yeah they're they're going with this whole thing and then really we we find out you know 100 percent now that this whole story this little run of shea fontana's is all about this harvesting diana's dna and gene splicing dr hamilton revere yeah and you have uh dr hamilton who's, who's involved in this and it's she says sasha says hey the millions for the bounty is nothing compared to what a pharmaceutical company could make off a wonder drug based on wonder woman's power and before it goes on I, i'm reading this and i think okay if this is the case just get samples of her blood dr yeah. crawford that's all she wanted and we even said during that little bit why didn't she – she spent years, she said, trying to get that you know, sedative and that, that stuff to get her under to be able to take blood from her when she could have just went to Wonder Woman and said, hey, you know Wendy. what? Yeah, and it, it's proven here because when she finds out, she's like, what? You know, my DNA could help cure all these people. Now, not one point in this do I get the idea that she's going to be killed. That that's what it seems they're playing with, though. When we saw Dr. Crawford, to harvest a lot of yeah. Blood. When, when I'm telling you, they're gonna put her in a hotel room and a, a goddamn thing of ice and take her Maybe. kidneys. I don't no, know. They're gonna have a freaking bathtub in the facility to do that. Uh, well, they should take Steve's kidneys. What, what was it? The appendix that he got the uh, that grew back. back. Yeah. So just do that. But uh, it, it's just it's weird because they're really pushing this like in the back at the idea that if she goes to this company and says, "Listen, you." don't have to use assassins i'll do this with you let's work together that she's never coming back she's gonna die but it, it made me laugh because it made me think of uh wrong term because when sasha says the millions for the bounty is nothing compared to what a pharmaceutical company could do with wonder woman and then wonder woman just says is this true my dna holds the cure for the breast cancers <laughs> 
and Huntington's sickle cell hemophilia. Like, you know, she's going on down the line. And they're like, yes, yes, it is. And she has to decide and even says to Steve, listen, uh, this is something where we've talked about, like the the needs of one to sacrifice for the the needs, the of, needs the many. of the many outweigh yeah, the needs and of it, the few. And it is that's that's or the it one. is. But the thing is, it seemed like they could get this from just getting her blood. So I don't I, understand. I don't know. Maybe it's a bigger thing because I don't understand how drugs. Well, how would she like know? Work. This I don't is what know. I'm saying. I'm but saying she's going thing. off as if she thinks they're. But what we've seen in the story. We've seen Dr. Crawford trying to do the exact same thing. She just needed blood. She didn't kill yeah, her. She didn't try need, to kill her. We needed blood for one person, though. I don't know if how it's going to work on a mass production scale. No, it would like be scale. DNA. What, if it's mass production, what do you think? There's She has that much of her? If, if they're just ripping her apart, she's going to be able to cure like 10 people. They're going to do something where they use, they said, they're going to gene splice her DNA. You could get DNA from just about anything. They, they don't ever tell you what this whole idea is. It, it's really odd to me that they don't spell it out because what all we saw was she was going to get blood. Dr. Crawford would get blood and that would help her out. So I just, it seemed odd that she's going off expecting to die uh, is what, how I took it. But she wants to talk to the patrons. Well, even then the whole idea, you know, because, you know, Hamilton Revere has set, put this bounty out on Wonder Woman. A bunch of assassins are coming for her dead or alive. It seems like, which is, so odd if she goes too. and turns herself in like willingly the bounty's off then like, you know, it's just her turning herself in. Yeah, but I'm saying she goes off and it's like the rest of them think that she's going off to die, it seems. And she's like – and they know where she is, They he, yeah. she says later. But even then, if you're going there, say you are going for – what happened if Plastique blew her up? Does she get the bounty? Because there ain't going to be no DNA there. Well, maybe that's why we didn't see any boom-booms. Well, we did at one point, and all the rest of them seem to be trying to kill her. I mean that cat's eye was saying she was taking her to the underworld. It just seems weird. I just the whole story seems a little nonsense to me. But she does go off. We we have a little thing of her back as a kid where she's talking about like Steve doesn't understand. He had you know brothers and sisters and family. I didn't. I only had the patrons to to. And you go back to when she was on Themis. It means nothing. It really no. doesn't do anything. She's praying to the patrons to say like hey. And it is a, a cool moment in this little bit. It does nothing really for the story for me, but she prays that they're having a tournament the next day, and she prays that the person that she fights will fight 100% and not hold back because of who she is. And that, that was kind of a cool deal, I guess. Uh, but then her mom comes and just talks to her and says she loves her and all that. I love and, you. I love your happiness. I'll do anything for you, little girl. Yeah. My, my mother never said these things No, to me. no. And then I got mad at Greg Rocco because then you go and she's there, and she's flying above you know, Washington, D.C., and she's like, I want my mother's guidance, but she cannot be called. And I was like, you goddamn it, Greg Rucka, you son of a bitch. You, you're fucking stopping people from doing a story oh, yeah, that they you're fucking, want. You put away a whole goddamn place yeah. that you can't play with anymore yeah. now. It got me so angry, just that one line, because I'm like, obviously, Shea Fontana would have liked her to talk to her mother and, yeah. and find out stuff, but she can't. So she's like, oh, she can't be called. You son of a bitch, Greg Rucka. You just went and put away all your toys, and not even all yours. Other people's toys, but yeah, she goes off then to go and and talk to Hamilton Revere and say to him, "Listen, I, I don't want to fight. You know, I want to be on your side." And he's like, "Can I call you Diana?" And she's like, "Yeah, if we're gonna be, you know, partners in this, if we're gonna go through this, and I'm gonna help you out with what you're trying to do, yeah, you should do that. But I'll tell you, 
You'll regret any and I didn't like the line. You'll regret any untoward maneuver. Uh, untoward maneuver. Yeah, and then she says the government knows where I am, and he's like, "Look around." It's almost, this is like a, another version of "Granted." Because, <laughs> Look around, you Wonder Woman. We are the government. Um, I did oh, not. That, my, no, no, in my mind, it's not even that. This right here is diplomatic immunity. It is actually. It is. And then the, the one thing about the art, and like I told you, I like the art in general. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one girl there looks a little like a morid shape at a candy. <laughs> What's going on? But yeah, they're all and on exercise plan. Is that yeah, what that yeah. is? Yeah, they all look uh, pissed off too. They're all there pissed off at Wonder Woman. We'll see what happens. Uh, my guess well, is I Eric. Imagine, look, look, these guys, in my mind, they just have to stand there and bullshit, maybe look on their phones all day. They've never really had anything and to now do she's, now, she's do disturbed it. Now I got to work. Yeah, and, and they it, had a sweet gig. If it's my guess. Uh, he's trying to make a super soldier program just like everybody else. Oh, that would yeah, be my there's, guess. There's nothing like, you know, freaking going there. It's untoward maneuvers going That's on. That's what here. I'm saying. There, This is an untoward maneuver. But yeah, <laughs> if anything but, he is like, if I will be shocked be of all shocks from now on. If, if next issue he's like, Okay, let's do this. You know, we have these kids and all. If if we don't find out that, number one, because they even said he's trying to cure these unknown diseases and they throw a disease out there and stuff like that. If I don't find Cat out that number – I'm telling if I don't find out that he created diseases to, to cause trouble and now wants Wonder Woman there to have a super soldier program based on her DNA, I will be completely no, shocked. No, no, Matt. I'm telling you, next issue, it just turns out that Hamilton real on the up and up. He takes That's some blood. All right, thank you, Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah, uh, says, we takes appreciate blood. all yep. that you have done. You are a true hero. You, you are a the world. true hero, and you know what? I'm no the longer, no longer going to look at you as just flesh and, and your sex body you are a saint yeah i don't think that's what's gonna it's just happen. not about the body wonder woman it's about what's on the inside too yeah what did you give it eric i gave it a 6.3 out of 10 i'm telling you this series has been a bit disappointing for me because we have this great big fight scene that really means nothing just to get to this whole you know this cure for like i like the overall concept it's taken us way too long to get here though for like yeah. we only have five issues to explore and we're just finding out what the things like you know what the actual plot's about now we have one issue left i like the narrative in the beginning and uh, I don't know. I, I was pretty. I liked the art enough. It's just that this yeah, seemed like, like it just seemed like this was the first step forward in getting what I've wanted out of this series so far. And like the plot, you know, I'm just happy that we finally got a plot going forward. So because of this, I gave a six point three out of ten. Yeah, I'd give it a six. I said that that thing, and I just want to stress again. It's and I not appreciated the, the continuity. It jump. was yeah, that that was okay, and it did. We said we even talked to Shea Fontana a little on Twitter and asked, yeah. you know, what's going on. And she's like, uh, you know what, I didn't know what was going on by the time I started. They still hadn't finished the yeah, series, Greg, so she had to be. Yeah, she had to be kind of generic with some of the things and just kind of guessing. And yes, yeah, she does throw it out there. You said that you appreciated that she yeah. took the time to show people that that she understands the continuity, which is good. It and just she, seemed she it took just the seemed time out of to nowhere. tell people that continuity is. is yeah, like, well, there you go, continuity. You the continuity kids in town. Yeah, I just it's. It's one of those where it just seemed a little too not, – not her fault at all. Like I said, it's not her fault that she didn't know how that yeah. Greg Rucka story. But at this point, I had already kind of gone on with the, okay, you know, Etta and Diana are friends. And I, I, but she does throw it out there. And I just want to say that thing that I – what I said about, you know, oh, this women, women thing. It was not – it 
I would have rather have seen it than her just show us and tell us. And that narration to me You'd was so You'd rather see forced. her body than her no, just No, I'd rather you about see her, her do something that shows you that that's what people think or shows you that she's more than that. You didn't need to throw that in, especially this far into your run here. Out of nowhere, it just came up in the middle of a fight with assassins who were mostly women. So it just it just I thought they were all women until you freaking told me that yeah, Bond was Jay dude. said he. Uh, but yeah, it, it just seemed very forced, like almost like just there to get, you know, a wink wink to the to people and get them on her side, which she didn't need to do. Just write a good story. We haven't hated her run, this no. little run. It just it, it hasn't been much and it just seemed like something that was a little forced in. But yeah, I'll give it a 6. I did like the art. It, yeah. Chris Pine just seemed a little over the top. Uh, but yeah, I liked it enough. But we're going to move on to a book that I really did like, Eric, and so did you. Sure did. Red Hood and the Outlaws Annual. Here we go. Annual's Week is a little odd. Now, this one is even more odd because we had a lot of delays. So you had a Wonder Woman show up. You had a JLA. JLA you had show up. All-Star yeah. Batman. Oh, yep. Stuff like that. And it, it's just odd. But I do think if you've been reading comics as long as Eric Shea, you'll know Most that your life. annuals, you really have one or two, you know, a pick of two different types. You have the ones that continue the story that's going on. And, and the ones that kind of go with it. Yes, yep. and ones that give a side story, kind of like, you know, a little adventure. You have a little one shot. That's what the Red Hood one is tonight that we're talking about tonight. I've come to a complete, you know, a realization that those are the ones I like. I don't like the continuing story ones only because the annuals to me is basically if you don't want to buy them, you should be able to just say, okay, you know what? I'm going to tap out on this one this month. Oh, I agree. And that's why I love the ones like this Red Hood because if you want to go into it, if you want to buy it, they are extra money. They're $4.99. So if you want to get it, you can, and you can enjoy it. Also, what I do really, really like and why I really, really like this one you usually, in the ones that are side stories, you usually always get a guest star. You usually get somebody else to be in there. This month it is Nightwing, and I'm a huge Nightwing fan. It's my favorite character, and reading this issue, I actually got a better Nightwing story than I have in the regular Nightwing Seriously, book in Rebirth. So I like that. Now we also have this Now, week. I'm we telling have... you, though, on the flip side of the whole thing, though, I also do like annuals that do extend the story yeah, if the... I'm enjoying the well, arc. And if I get an issue to, like, you know, a big annual to come out to finish it off or I get extended yes. pages, I'm happy about it. I just, to me, if it extends the story, to me, I think that DC is holding you hostage. I really do because uh, some people, you have a set amount of money you're going to do, and then the next thing you know, now annuals week, there's not a lot of issues coming out, so you can go. But it's still four ninety nine. And from my, uh, you know, my experience and my opinion, it seems like most of them are padded. They never end up being like, okay, you know what? They needed to do this with right. this extended issue. Now we have Supergirl this week. Ooh we. I'm telling you, if you're if you're reading Supergirl, yeah, you should See, be as exactly. Off this is as what I'm I talking am. about, though. That annual is not something that I'm talking about because no one's enjoying that arc. Yeah, I know, but I just I always like like we said in the New Fifty Two, one of the best annuals was the Flash annual that had Hal Jordan in it, and it was really fun, and you get to kind of relax. This week should be a relaxation week for everyone. You <laughs> go to the comic store, you get a fun little story if you want. If you don't, you stay home and save goddamn money. But that's I would still all, go to the comic book shop and no, hang out yeah, for a while. Yeah, well, here's that's the same. Like you're saying that, that's the same as what we do with the podcast. Everybody's like, oh, you got a week off. No, no, 
No, no, no, no. That's nonsense, though. I don't think that the regular podcast is going to be nine hours this week. I really do. If it is, I think it's four hours if we're lucky. Something went wrong, real wrong, if it's over freaking five hours. I, I said four and a half. That is my prediction. I'm going to predict now. I bet you a pizza. A pizza, Eric Shea, with extra cheese and extra sauce. Your two favorite toppings. Not toppings. Toppings. You get on with it. Let's get on with the spotlight, Eric, so we can get out and and watch all these movies. Ooh. (laughs) You're all excited. I am excited. I might watch Bogus Journey. I don't know. I was thinking of that, too. You son of a bitch. Go. Red Hood and the Outlaws Annual Number 1, written by Scott Liddell, art by Tyler Kirkham, Arif Prianto, and Taylor Esposito. The Russians have come back to Gotham and are entwined with a traveling circus, so to find out what they're up to, the outlaws go undercover as circus performers and bring Dick Grayson and his extra set of hands, and because of his acrobatic background, to help them out. Turns out, though, that this is all a ruse set up by the Russians to draw Red Hood out so that the KGBs can take him out. Thankfully, our heroes prevail in the end, and we have ourselves a heartfelt and funny issue throughout. Yeah, I- I'm glad that, like you said, I'm glad that the Russians kind of show that they were up to something because I, I want to see the resume that the outlaws submitted to become pretty much the main acts in, in this Russian circus. It's not. I don't know if it's much of a, a resume. A resume. It still yeah, sounds. Yeah, but what do you do? Just show much... up and start shooting things on a motorcycle I, I and they really hire think you? That's exactly what it is. You got to get it's insurance. A... Show, there, don't tell. Insurance, Eric. This is a freaking traveling Russian circus. They ain't got no insurance. Yeah, really? I've seen some of these. This is trouble. But it does start on a yacht. Eric. It's, it starts on a yacht, and you have a guy, Dimitri, Dimitri. who has hired this guy to have the yacht because his friend is going to come by, a friend that lives in the Baltic. Yeah, somewhere and, in the Baltic. Yeah, somewhere. Somewhere in the Baltic, and they're talking, and this – of course, it's also – it looks like the captain from Captain and Tennille. I mean, there is a – he is a generic captain there. He's got the hat and everything, but he's sitting there. He's actually bored because you have Dimitri talking about, like, I come from wealthy, powerful family, and I, I had humiliation at hands of Red Hood. I cannot stand. So his dad gave him all this money to hire somebody to take care of Boy, Jason Todd. Boy, you can't Red let Hood. this shit stand. You're not going to fucking uh, like ruin yeah, this really. family by yeah, having that's a, the thing. Know, we have a, have we have a reputation. Yeah, we yeah. have a reputation. You, you go get the beast. Yeah, so they hire the beast, and I do like that he says the beast, and the captain's like, no, 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 just shoot me now. I don't want – and I like the whole thing because we did have him in All-Star Batman, and he was the beast then. Obviously, the KGB isn't a thing anymore. Me and you were talking about it way back before I love the KGB. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, I do too, but – and to me, I actually would have liked it. Still the KG Beast, almost like a he's a, a guy out he's of time. He's keeping it alive. It'd be like seeing, you know, Drago in the, the Creed 2. You know what right. I mean? It's it's cool. But he does mention in this, as well as he did in All-Star Batman, that he's just the Beast now. There is no KGB, and he's a freelance guy. He's not tied down to any country, so he's not even tied down to Russia or anything like that. He goes freelance. I do like him as the KG Beast. But yeah, Me too. Once it's the just captain, a cool name. No, it is. And once the captain hears this, he knows that there's trouble. It only takes two seconds before everybody is getting shot and the whole goddamn boat is exploding. And See, the yeah. thing is, too, I didn't even know if it was gunfire first or if it was just the shrapnel from the explosion coming it out and piercing like through were... everybody. Because I actually yeah. spent time and looked through it because I'm like, yeah, it does look like they're getting ripped apart. Yeah, like it does gunfire, look like they're getting like, ripped apart. I don't know. I think it might just be shrapnel from the, the explosion. The problem is it's shrapnel. Why doesn't Dimitri get it? And you see kind of gunshots going. He's gun a very lucky going. guy. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of shit going on 
on here. Uh, yeah, but you know, really, everybody but Dimitri's dead. And it's why like, we have like, a lot of booms and booms and butter, butter, butter. Yeah, Maybe that oh, butter, yeah, butter, yeah. butter is machine gun. Butter, fire. butter, butter, I think is machine gun. So you have uh, Dimitri's talking to this captain. He's like, listen, relax. He served with my grandfather in KGB. Practically family. I just want to talk to the man. And then the explosions go, and then you have a kick-ass panel of the KG Beast or the Beast saying, you wanted to talk, so talk. And it's awesome. And Tyler Kirkham's art in this is really, really good. And I'm I, telling you, like when I see the Beast right here, they're like, never before have I wanted to see him and Bane go like, against yeah. one another. Oh, it's all, I, really, they'd be awesome together. But uh, yeah, you see this, and then you cut off to Gotham where you do have Dick Grayson watching a circus that he's been called. He's been contacted by Jason Todd to come with with just basically a longitude and latitude there was no real message it just was a message to come here and he's gone it's a circus obviously he's in his element now eric did you have any problems with the dialogue when this whole scene of dick grayson just being dumbstruck by what he's watching but in the background like no i love it no i love it because it's the ladies it's the russian guy yelling russian broken english that's the thing i I sat here before we got on that i'm like is that what it's supposed to be? Because yeah. like when I first see it, I just think of I love Ringmaster freaking Carnival yeah. Bark and shit like that. So it's like, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, I love all of that. But for some reason, reading it, I'm like, the ladies and the gentlemen, oh, I the love boys it. and the girls because of it the is. Ages. It's the Russian guy. You can just imagine him. The best of it all, the one that actually tied it around and made me really love it was Artemis, the arching Amazon. Look out, you! <laughs> it made me laugh so much. But yeah, I li- I like it because it is the whole Russian deal. Though, if they're going to hire some local talent, Eric, maybe they could have hired a guy to do the announcing. But I-, I think the flavor of that is pretty cool. But yeah, D- Dick's there and he's just like, oh, Jason, what have you gotten yourself into? And he's watching as pretty much the three-ring circus going on with Jason on a motorcycle shooting Driving through a bottles. fire, shooting, yeah, shooting bottles. milk bottles, it looks like, uh, while Bizarro is there as the uh, – uh, the strong, strong man. man, the man of might, and Artemis is going around on a faux unicorn shooting targets with her bow. And I thought that that was pretty cool. Uh, it goes really quick, and you see, you know, one hour later, Dick goes to find out where they are, where they're, you know, where they're. And if, living any, if and anybody's confused about us going in for where we are in the story, because where we left off, you know, bizarre, like in the the Red Hood and the Outlaw series, mm-hmm. Bizarro had become like, you know, cured by Lex Luthor by Kryptonite, and when Red and Hood and Artemis came smart. out. He'd become a smarty pants. Here we yeah. find out that this story takes place before issue number 12 of Red Hood yeah, and the Outlaws when that went down. Before that. The one problem I have, though, later on when they're fighting the beast, it looks like Artemis has her goddamn bow it's of rock. She has that bow, but only has it for like one or two panels. It's I know. very odd. And it, it seems to me that it was a little misstep on the art because she has her axe. Obviously, she, she yeah. uses that. Mistress, but then yeah. out of nowhere, the bow shows up, and then it's gone again. So and the I thing don't is, know what's you know, going we, on. We, we dealt with that bow of raw story. So when I was reading this book to review it, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at that goddamn bow. I'm like, is that the bow of raw? And then yeah, I had to yeah, go back and look like up the, like, the other freaking issues. I'm like, yep. It, it, yeah, it looks like exactly it. Like That's the, the problem. It rock. looks exactly like it. She really doesn't address it as such, but it does look like it, which throws you off. So now. that was the only little bit of continuity problems I had yeah. because I'm saying it takes place before issue number 12 which doesn't make sense now the other thing that kind of threw us off and as i read it again i kind of got the idea that you know we we both thought is it possible that a lot of these people might be from Haley's Circus? And yeah. the thing is, is that's Dick Grayson's circus. Uh, back in the New 52, it was a big thing at the beginning of uh, Kyle Higgins' run. And it lasted a while where he was bringing back Haley's Circus, the oh, circus yeah. that he grew up in. And when he goes in, 
he, he goes, and it seems like at one point I could say, oh, these guys recognize him. Now I don't think it is. And well, I the think thing that, is, like, you know, like that one fat lady there, she seemed very familiar to me. Like, we've seen her before yeah, in the nightly series or something and when, like that. When, and the, just the idea where some dude walks into the tent where there are a bunch of circus performers are just, like, you know, cooking out and, like, hanging yeah. their lunch. like, hey, Rubes, think you can help yeah. me find someone? Unless you know them, that is a fucked up the thing weir- to say. The weird thing is, is that I think that it, it's a little bit of a misstep by Scott Lobdell because what he, what I think he's doing is to make you realize that Dick Grayson is at home with any circus folk. So he goes in there and says, "Hey, Rubes," because at the end or at the middle, that's what the owner of the circus calls everyone at at one point in the book yeah, as yeah. well. So I think that that's supposed to be like, oh man, Dick, he he can walk the walk and talk the talk. This well, just guy, that line, he, it just really weirded me out. Because, not weirded me out, just confused me for a little it bit. It just seemed you know, weird. At this point, I'm like, okay, he knows these people. This is probably Haley's Circus or something along those lines. Because right still at this point, I don't know that this is a Russian circus. Well, yeah, and well, they say you know a little later as well. But also yeah. when he says... Oh, it's smart. They hire, you know, the local talent, get the local flavor. And then I'm like, okay, maybe some of those people. But the people, when he goes in and goes, you know, backstage looking into the deal, they look like they're, you know, they're circus folk. They, they're traveling oh, yeah. with the place. But, yeah, the, the thing that got me was I was reading it on my phone at first when we got the review copy. And I'm reading it. And I thought he said, hey, Ruby. And I assumed it was that lady because you have that big lady there. And like you said, for some reason, she seemed very familiar yeah. to me. And I was like, huh, there you go. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like I, – I really think that's just to go, hey, look, Dick Grayson knows his way around. Hey, he's this, which got we the know. lingo down. Yeah, and we know this. Uh, a lot of people – who know Dick Grayson was of the Flying Graysons. I don't think that they connect the dots fully down the line of thinking, yeah, he did grow up in a circus, which yeah. he did. So he knows what's going on. Uh, he goes in and asks, and uh, it's weird, though. that That's the one panel that threw me off because when he goes, hey, Rose, think eyes. you could help me find someone. He has black eyes, and we're not talking like somebody punched him. We're talking like he's a demon spawned from hell right he there. He has no he's pupils. Just, no, he has nothing. So that, that did throw me off. But he goes, they tell him where to go. He goes, they're and the outlaws are in a trailer. And a single it's so trailer. Funny. And, yeah, a single and trailer. Open the sock, oh, and I, I just love the way this looks yeah. for freaking Jason. Looks like he's doing his laundry in the sink. Bizarro's yep. cooking up, and Artemis is just hanging out looking at her phone in the freaking bunk bed. I'm like, you know, this is a would, great scene. He'd be doing that in the shower if they had showers. Uh, he'd be doing all, he'd be doing a la Jim Werner doing his shorts in the shower. Though yes, what I like about it the most is as he opens the door. Uh, they all seem like they're so happy. I mean, yeah. you see this, and there's Bizarro cooking beans. He's going to have the worst gas. There's I know. No that's, I thought oh, of that the entire time. Oh, like, my God. He's just going to stink up so He's going to shit and... his pants is what he's going to do. <laughs> Me and him shit my pants. And again, if you had read Trinity uh, last week, you'll realize – this is the Bizarro that we're getting in this series. It's not the backward talking Bizarro. It's not Bizarro talk. So when he's like, beans am good. Beans I'm are sure, good. Yeah, I'm sure there's some people like, ooh, he's right. I don't like no beans. No, no. He's saying they're good. And I love this Bizarro. I, you know me. I actually like the backwards talking Bizarro, the Bizarro talk Bizarro, just as much as I like Etrigan. I think I've come around. I, I yeah, think I've come I around to this. I hate that shit so well, much. It, it this, the, just the, like, the wrong clone Bizarro yeah. is the way to go all the yeah. way in my mind. I, I think so too. It's almost like I love Zatanna and I love the backwards magic, the backward word magic, yeah, yeah. but it slows down the pace of the book sure so does. much. And the problem with the Bizarro talk Bizarro is 
it's very hard, almost like they're try- you're trying to keep in character. It's very hard to get through a whole issue where you're trying to portray what he- with the opposite. And it-, it does go back and forth, even in books that does the Bizarro talk. So I, I appreciate this, and I think beans are good as well. Me so as well. They-, they get me a little gassy myself, and then I am cleaning my shorts in the in the shower again. There. That's Stop shitting your pants. I can't help it. I'm an adult. I don't shit my pants, but, you know, sometimes it's, it's a tight squeeze. Sometimes, sometimes you get a I'm telling you, sometimes I get to the finish line. And, you know, sometimes I'm halfway up the, the stairs. The pants are off, Eric. So there I go. I may shit the stairs. I will never shit my pants. The, the pants are off. I'm telling you, it's all semantics, but I'll go with it. But yeah, Dick shows up. He's like, hey, you know, I got your message and stuff like that. And then you have this whole thing where Jason does want Dick's help, but he doesn't really want to ask for it. And you get this whole thing where... In the New 52, uh, which is this continuity, you know, and you go, not a lot of Dick Grayson, Jason Todd interaction by themselves. Not at all, Yeah, you'll have the family. But really, I hate to say it, and some people would be like, this is why they hate him. Damien will dominate any time that they get together as a family. When they get together as a family, it's Damien oh, he's yelling. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's yelling about, you know, Jason and this and that. And Dick is usually just the big brother breaking up Jason and Damien. If Tim's there, there's even another crazy thing. So I love seeing this. And I really wish that we would see more of it. And in fact, me and you both talked about it. I really, really wish. That we didn't have any other story except I know. D- Dick coming and and hanging out with the outlaws and finding out what's going on. I'm telling you, the whole setup, on. like why our outlaws are at a Russian traveling circus to get to the beast. Worst part of this book, the yeah. actual plot that they give us is the worst part because yep. I don't. I want the downtime. I want the hanging out yes. and then like you know uh, reminiscing about the old oh, yeah. times and how they oh, came that's together. The best part, and best even part. just enjoying each other's company. Strongest part of this book. But when we are forced back into the narrative and we the beast has to come out, I'm like. I don't want this. Yeah. Oh, just, I'm telling you. If they, just, yeah. just act like you never saw him and go God. back out where you yep. were. Go oh, hang out by the bonfire. All you have to, to do, yeah. All good. you have to do is you have the outlaws. You can still have them undercover, yeah. but have them where Jason is over his head with the circus stuff. Obviously, that would bring Dick to mind. It always brings Dick to mind, and he would call him and say, "Hey, can you help us out? You can still have the flippity floppity clown bit. You could have all that. Just have them to, uh, an issue where they're hanging out." And doing the circus stuff where Dick's trying to teach Jason some stuff and all that while he learns about the outlaws because I like, like even this. if it's some weird thing like if we just got rid of the KGB stuff entirely where the outlaws as we know them right now because they've been forced out of you know Jason had his secret base underneath the freak uh, the the GCPD, GCPD. building yep. now he's at Ma Gunn's house this is where they're hanging out. In my mind, somehow, they don't have any money left, so they have to take up part-time jobs or some crazy yeah, shit like this. Something. And then the like, traveling circus comes with The circus right, is fun this. enough. Yeah, the yeah. circus is fun enough. And it'd be funny to me, they call Dick and like, hey, you know about the circus. You got to help me, buddy. You know, I got to do this. And when Dick shows up, he thinks he's going to be this main attraction. He ends up being the clown. Would be funny. I, I thought, and really, all of this, even with Bizarro and the Artemis stuff, all of this, I really like. Though the Artemis stuff is the weakest of the it interactions. Is, and it really them. kills me. Like, you know, she is really, you know, she's the driving force to get us to, like, you know, Dick talking about the old times with him and yeah. Jason and what Jason used to be like. But even with that, you have this strange flirtation going on where yeah. it seems like she's only relegated as almost like a love interest at times. Yeah, I'm like, well, and what throws you off is if you're reading the Outlaws book, if you're reading this book, you kind of have to almost want Artemis and Jason to get together. 
You know, you know, you're you're reading it. Yeah. And you think that that's going to happen eventually. It's just like hey, any you're, she's a sexy person. He's this a sexy is moonlighting. Person. You know, it's together. moonlighting. Sybil Shepherd uh, should be getting together with uh, what's his name, Bruce Willis. It should just happen. But here, it throws a wrench into that, and it feels weird to me. It, it feels does. weird when she starts flirting, and almost to me, you might as well be writing Starfire again because it seems so much like a Starfire. Like, dude, hey, I let's thought go. the same damn thing when I was yeah. reading this. This might as well just be Star. Yeah, because she's not well doing Starfire. anything but talking and, to Dick yeah. and making googly eyes. Yeah, and it's it's almost like that first issue of Red Hood and the Outlaws from the uh, New Fifty Two. Yeah, when Roy showed up. Where Roy showed up and Starfire just was like, "Hey, I'm not having sex with him right now. Let's have sex with me and you." And it just seemed off. But yeah, okay. it seemed like Scott Liddell was going back to the well of writing Starfire because it didn't seem like Artemis as much. But I, I really like as they're talking, uh, you have the whole idea where you find out. That Jason really was a big fan. He's a fanboy of Dick and Grayson. It's and it's such a so weird thing funny. to have this whole idea because he was, you know, Red Hood came back for vengeance against Batman yeah. and Dick Grayson and all these people yeah. for wronging him, you know, not avenging his death. And this whole time, his entire life, the biggest secret it seems like he's ever kept yep. is that he did see Dick Grayson as the Flying yep. Graces and as he's been awestruck of yep. him ever since. Yeah, he has. And it shows you. And, and it's a little good touch that Scott Liddell throws in here. Where you do get reminded that Jason's dad was a piece of shit. He stole he stole from an elderly couple, I believe it's Yeah, said. but he showed stole his boy tick. a good time, and I'm sure he showed up on time to pick yeah, him but up. The best not sitting on the curb. He's there, and you have uh, Jason's there. True, Jason's there. He's got ripped up pants. I don't know why he's eating a sandwich by ripping pieces off it. That's a little odd there, Jason, but... It made me laugh because I'm like, there's Eric Shea because there's his dad with a paper bag and a fucking tall boy can in there. He can't even go to the circus without drinking. Uh, Is that that his medicine, Eric? Is that how he said it's his poison? It is his medicine. medicine? You you, you give him longer hair, it might as well be my father. Yeah, yeah, it made me laugh. But yeah, he saw Dick Grayson and really was, you know, he was a fan. He was a fan of him. But yeah, he's like, so why am I here? I, I get this whole thing, but what's... And it made me laugh because Jason Todd then... He's Fonzie. That's always like he, oh, he can't so say good. love. No, <laughs> he can't, yeah, it's Fonzie when they're like I, l- 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 and he can't say love, and everybody be, besides like Dancing Mike and Bobby have no idea what we're talking I about. Know. But yeah, in Happy Days, Fonzie couldn't say certain words, and one was <laughs> love. And Jason's like, I need your huh, hell, hell. <laughs> he can't say it. And then he says it. It made me laugh. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're help. I figured, you know, I figured if you could help. Yeah, yeah, he just says it quick, and then there's Dick, who's like, and it's weird. Again, he says, Jason says he needs his help. To me, Dick Grayson would be like, okay, what do you need? Uh, It doesn't matter anything, but it's this weird back and forth where this is the only thing with with, uh, Nightwing, Dick Grayson, that threw me off because he's like, well, you know, I got a hundred things to do. Uh, You know, sometimes if you need Nightwing, I'll I'll be there for Nightwing. If you need the Titans, that'd be fine. And then Artemis is like, buy the seven beards. (laughs) I was like, huh? And then you're like, uh, you know. seven beards, you say, huh? Yeah, yeah. I've never had a brother (laughs) mercifully, apparently, so I don't understand what you're two doing. But just shut the hell up and grow up and help each other. And then that's where Dick's like, is she always this forward? And he's like, yeah, too, always. And, and I do like it. But that's when you get the owner of the carnival. He showed the carnival. The circus shows up. And says, Mr. Trotsky. Hey, hey, you know the rules, Rubes. No visitors. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is weird. Because then Jason's like, hey, you know, you know. I don't know why he's Russian. <laughs> Jason. He's like, no, we're practically brothers. And I'm waiting for the guy to be like, 
No, no. You understand. No visitors. I don't give I didn't a fuck say, who no, it is. I didn't say family. I just said visitors. Yeah, and then when by the end you realize what this is all about, it's all a setup. So having visitors, that just throws the plan in for a loop. But Jason then says, oh, you know what? He's a circus guy. He's going to go on. You know what? I present to you Flippy Flop, the acrobatic clown. And then Dick's like, yeah, that's me. And it made me laugh. And they're all laughing. I love Bizarro's in the back cheering. Hooray. He's all excited. Uh, But the whole thing. Flippy Flop, the clown. Yeah. And the whole thing's going to be the thing. They're going to make Flippy Flop, the acrobatic clown, go on. In the meantime, they have an extra job for Jason bizarro and artemis but and and the best part about this too is because dick is trying to tell him look the best way to get to know these people and find out what's going on is to be in the community yeah, to be to around be them there. Yeah. so you know everybody's hanging out at this bonfire and like you, you got to be here jason oh, we got to hang out we got to talk to everybody and when jason actually gives in you know everybody goes their off separate ways bizarro finds a nice bearded lady to make yeah, out with yeah. artemis more and dick than go once off and as soon as jason's by himself that's when like hey if you want to make some extra yeah. money, I have a job for you. Just make sure you come after when your friend Flippy is going, you know, clowning around, huh? I make <laughs> sure, hey, huh? You, when he clowns around, you come here. We help you. But again, you have to remember that Jason's only there because he's kind of undercover and he's trying to figure yeah. out some things. So this extra job seems like something like, okay, now we're going to get to the bottom of this stuff. In the meantime, they're at this bonfire. Everybody's hanging out, all the circus folk. Every drink and, and playing And you have Dick Grayson. They're just all he's doing is telling crazy stories about Jason. And so, it's great. So Jason says, why do we have to call him Two-Face when he actually has two faces? Yeah, two half faces. And they laugh and they're all making fun of him. And in the meantime, I think the art is done really well because while this is going on, Bizarro is not even paying attention. He's just no. looking at this lady who's playing the violin or whatever this she's sexy playing. Sexy lady playing the yeah, violin. Yeah, playing yeah. And, yeah, and they're going and they're talking, Jason and Dick, between them like, hey, you know what? We got to find the bad guys. And he's like, no, no, this is about community. You just, you know, they're family. You just get in. We're going to figure things out. And that's where Dick's just like, okay, you know, it's time for me to hit the hay. And then that's when Artemis starts getting flirty with him. Him, uh, and I'm and telling you, the weird part odd. is because the way he's like, oh, it's time for me to hit the head, and he stretches his arms out, like yawning, like, oh, oh yeah, it's he's... almost like a move where you wrap your arm around oh, the girl I, at I that know. point. So, so like, I half expected that that's what she expected to happen. So, it's like, I, it's well, weird. I better start flirting because this guy's yeah, a goddamn yeah, moron. Seemed, and it seemed off because he just, it, it, then you have it. And is this like the part where. You do realize that Artemis, like Jason, likes Artemis because he is mad. I just imagine he's like, he does this all the time. That <laughs> motherfucker shows up everywhere I am and steals the ladies. It's Dick Grayson. He can have they whatever. They take one look at that ass. They can't yeah, help themselves. They see Jim and Juan, and they're, they're <laughs> his. Uh, but, yeah, that's where Bizarro is just smitten by this lady. And Jason's like, go on. Go on. You know, give her a kiss. Go over and, and talk to her. Is- I've been this guy where I've just looked at my buddies or just you know messing around and pushing me, and it's like, hey, this guy likes you over here, like you know, yeah, getting me so embarrassed. Like I used to be so embarrassed yeah. of everything when I was a uh, kid, and this just like you know, this is almost like a bullying move to me where he does have the best intentions, but I'm like, this is taking me back to my you know high school. And oh like, yeah, I don't, but he, it Bizarro is don't need this. It's cool, and I I like where you have the big lug Bizarro there, and Jason's pushing them. Bizarro just gets up and Jason falls <laughs> because he was pushing him so hard. But yeah, you go back to. Dick and Artemis going back to the uh, the trailer, and they're just talking. They're talking about Jason as well and stuff like that. But you, you end up with talking about you know stories and stuff when they were younger and Batman being their dad and things like yeah. that. And it's nice enough. It's a funny story about getting in bed. At the best is Alfred at the point where Jason became – Robin 
and he had a lot to live up for. You know, I'm, Dick Grayson, to me, is still the best Robin. So you have that. You even have Damien still trying oh, to yeah. catch up and trying to prove himself against Dick Grayson. So you had Jason Todd, who already – He's you, just a you street know, rat. Like yeah, him, you, know you know the Jason he... Todd story. If people don't know, I mean, he was a street rat who, you know, he got taken in. His family are pieces of shit. So it's not like he thinks that he's worth it. And that was the whole thing at the beginning when he became Robin. It was more of a fight for him to try to prove to Batman that he was worthy, even though Batman thought he was. And, and yeah. I, I love this whole story that Dick is presenting here because it's the whole thing is she's trying to he's trying to paint the picture to artists about how he did have all of this to like he's trying to make up for. Yeah. He's trying to live yep. up to the freaking robin name and stuff so during the day he is studying as hard as he can yep. during night he's going out against batman's like wishes freaking just being robin and yep. like trying to stop people so he's like i can understand he was exhausted he was because exhausted. he comes home one night and then crawls into bed still in his robin costume and doesn't realize that dick is back that home dick who had, had left earlier because him and uh, bruce had had a falling out yeah. a bit so it's when he stopped being robin so he comes back into bed and Dick's in there and they freaking just flip the hell yeah, out. Yeah, they're laying in bed together and they <laughs> realize and they start fighting each other and the best is Alfred shows up. And then basically, like, yeah, I was kind of lazy. I, I gave Jason your room, Dick, because I didn't feel like cleaning I, I up another one. I didn't want to open up another one. That yeah. was so funny. Yeah, it was funny. In the meantime, while that's, you know, that's going on, he's telling Artemis. I also like, I just have to mention, it is a classic deal, which we've seen before in other books as well. It's when Jason's just sitting there looking at you know, the Dick Grayson Robin costume and just saying, I love you know, that what are you so much. It, we've had that before and I love it every time. It's so good that he's just pissed at the uniform and, and upset. He, he has to live up to Dick Grayson. He doesn't think he can. So I really like that. It really shows you why Jason has always had a problem and, and continues to, even Dude, though I you really can tell he doesn't love want to. I love the redesigns of the Robin costumes yeah, from I the do New too. 52 one. Yeah, like everyone so. like has its own little personal flair. Yep. Yeah. You don't all have just the like, same old cost. I don't know who I like better, Jason or uh, Dick's original Robin costume. I like, like, I re- like uh, years ago, it was Dick's costume. I did a top five list, and Dick's costume yeah, made yeah. number one. I like Jason. Dick is Jason is freaking just yeah, winning me Jason's. over. I just love that bright yellow cape. Yeah, hey. I love it. I, I think it's so cool. But yeah, while this is going on, that's when Bizarro goes over to this girl playing the violin and starts talking to her, and she has a scarf over her face, over the bottom half of her face, and he's like, you know, you see Bizarro, you you beautiful. I, that's, I don't know why I keep going Russian, but he's like, you know, hello. And then she's like, hey, I'm different, you know, promise not to laugh at me everybody you know avoids me and you're like what's going on this chick's hot and then she takes off the scarf and she's a bearded lady bizarro doesn't care bizarro's a good so guy is, is that a deal breaker in your mind <sighs> you, you want to make me look like a piece of shit don't you uh what i just want to know if it's a deal breaker you've got a smoking hot girl she can play an instrument she just happens to have a bit of facial hair to, uh, can she shave or is she just – is this like – she Look, can't this, shave? you're telling her to quit her job is what you're doing. I just – that's what I don't understand. To me, she's the bearded lady, but yet she doesn't have enough of a beard to be the quote-unquote bearded lady. A bearded lady has to have a, a ZZ Top beard in my opinion. <laughs> and the thing is why would she be holding – she has her face covered. This should not be a thing that the circus would have the face covered. I just think she's the one guy's daughter, and she hasn't yet – become the bearded lady but she has a beard i don't know she's just not just waiting for it to grow in so she can take her stage basically what i'm doing is stalling because i don't want to tell you that it's a deal breaker (laughs) she's got more facial hair than me i know i'm i'm not ashamed to say it's a deal breaker and the thing is before the big beard movement happened over the past like 10 years i knew girls wouldn't date guys with beards 
Yeah, yeah. Well, the, so it's okay. It's all about She's preference. not quite. If she goes ZZ Top, I'll ask around. Just go full out, full beard, and then we're in. But yeah, she's just she's got like put a, on the sunglasses, a, baby. That's point a at that Skeet car. Ulrich uh, beard, there, Eric. I, I don't like that dirty looking beard. Who needs that? I want I want ZZ Top. You want Johnny Depp? Grow yeah, that bitch yeah out. really. That's what it looks like. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, you did say that Jason was approached by the owner and saying, "Hey, I got some extra work for you when your flippity flappity clown friend there is performing. Come to me." And that should have been one of the like the the light bulb should have went off. But he's gonna go with it. And it was really weird because at that point. I did not realize that there was something going on. I was like, this is the weirdest, you know, thing that the, the circus guy wants him to do. There's a hole in the goddamn fucking, uh, what, road? The I don't even know what it, it is there, like the pavement. And they have to swim down and go to the left or whatever. It's so weird. You know what I imagine? It's that hole that was out of nowhere. Like, what book was it? A Suicide Squad that Batman yeah. just fell in it. You know what I'm telling you? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was frozen over. Maybe there was it just is. a hole there in the road. Who knows? I, I hope that that's not uh, dead water in there, Erica. There's going to be some trouble. The one thing is funny where Dick Grayson is flippity floppity. Flippy flop. And it seems as if either – it seems like the crowd is yelling, even though you have the one guy at the mic yelling. But why would the guy at the mic yell, I love you, flippy flop? It seems like the crowd's into this. How would they love flippy flop already? It doesn't because seem like he's amazing. He has yeah. he's freaking bouncing himself with one hand on a bowling pin I while he has you. a tray on his he's feet pouring, pouring a champagne. glass of wine. <laughs> he thinks that Jason Todd's dad's still there. He's, he's pouring drinks. I'm actually I a little disappointed that he's not wearing face paint. Yeah, I know. That is a little off. But uh, while this is going on, you do have the outlaws. They dive in. Uh, sight unseen. Just dive into this crazy fucking yes. hole of water. See, you three, I need you dive into mysterious water here in ground. And when yeah. you go a certain distance, take a left. Yeah. Go down there. What's it's going good, yeah? on here? What's going on? But they go down, and it ends up being KG Beast. It's a setup. KG Beast is waiting for them in the middle of an arsenal of weapons and bombs that was left there by Colony, uh, if you I are reading really Detective Comics. I really enjoy the continuity that is set yeah. up throughout this entire thing. Yeah, it is pretty good because, yeah, he says about Colony. Now, the rest of this then is pretty much – a fight. It's just going to go back and forth. A fight going back with the outlaws fighting KGB. If you if you look if you look right there where they're all fighting KGBs in that big, one big like page, yeah. Artemis has her freaking bow overall right yeah, there. Yeah, she does. Now the other thing that's odd is Jason suddenly has his mask on, but that's fine. I guess he put it on because he saw KGBs. But yeah, oh, shit. He, he goes down, no mask, and then all of a sudden, masks and guns going, and yeah, Bizarro gets hit, and KGB has just got these weapons going. Now, the, the thing that uh, Andrew said on the site is that it is odd, where you have Jason Todd, who continuously fires these guns, but never hits anybody. It is yeah. kind of annoying. Now, what is annoying in this, though, is that at the very beginning, Jason Todd is riding a motorcycle and shooting milk bottles out of nowhere. He cannot miss. Here, it seems like he's always just sh- If he's not going to use them, because he says, you know, he's not allowed to kill he anybody. Made, he That's made a promise rule. to Batman, yeah. Why, why not 
why not get rid of those guns? It, it kind of is silly. If you're not going to use so the guns, cool. well, they are cool, but start sh- hitting chandeliers or shit like that that's going to fall on people. You know, you always have to have a prop because he just shoots for no reason. Uh, you know, and this is all it is is a back and forth battle. Uh, KG Beast has a detachable you, as, arm as soon that as, comes off. As soon his as hand. all this is going on, I, I'm t- completely thrown out of the story because I'm having such yeah. a great time up to this point. We get KG Beast in the fight and series. I'm like, this page yeah. through, and I'm like, come on, when are we going to get done with this? Because it's yeah, just an it extended just fight scene that I don't care about at all, that yeah. I know that our heroes are going to prevail. Yeah, and yeah. finally, it really just boils down to KGB getting the upper hand on our outlaws, and, and then Dick, Dick Grayson, Grayson finally, you know, up. getting done his act, putting on the Nightwing costume, and freaking turning the tables on yeah, him. Yeah, it's, so. it's weird, too, because you never get the wraparound of how he must have had to have kicked the asses of those other fucking circus guys yeah. that were outside of that goddamn hole. And he must have beat the info out of them or something. I don't need all that jump stuff. in. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying this this fight, though, it's just not that fun. It, it's okay. It's just oh. an extended fight scene. It gets fun near the end because you have Jason and Dick Grayson where you see. Oh, as soon as Nightwing they, shows up, the, yeah. the fight I care about again. Yeah, and it, it seems like, okay, I can see these two being in a buddy cop book. I mean, they so could good. really work well together. We said if anybody was listening way back, Eric, a lot more people listen to us now. But for the first half, maybe first 50 episodes of our podcast, we may have mentioned it 7,000 times that we wanted a Robbins book. We wanted just a, a book, Robin's book with just the Robbins. And this brings it back full circle for me that I want it again. I want these guys. Now, we were saying that we wanted, you know, Tim and Damien and all that, which I still would. But just Jason and Dick here, so good. I really like it. And they really could play off each other almost like a lethal weapon type deal. And they're both trained by the same person, so they yeah. both know each other's moves. So, like, when they both go in for the freaking, you know, final shot against the KG Beast, they both, like, you know, go on either side of him and hit him at the yeah. same time. Oh, and I so love it because cool. at this point, Jason – He's exhausted. He's got yeah. his ass kicked yeah. all over the fucking place. So he's like, oh, God, he's still up. I really, no. I really hope it's you the have best something else because, going on. And it's the best. It's like one of those where if you watch Jackie Chan movies, Jackie right. Chan, the best thing about Jackie Chan isn't that he kicks ass, is that he continuously gets his ass kicked before yeah. he wins the day. This to me, like any other person could have, any other writer could have made it that he, they punch him out. Uh, they punch KG Beast out. They don't. And they hit him like... Whew, you know, I was kind of hoping that took him out. You got anything left? And then Dick's like, I guess we're going to have to. And that's when Artemis and Bizarro come in. And, yeah, they, they make him They hit him on crater. either side as well. Yeah, they do the same thing and just destroy him. And he's there. And they, and I like it too. Like, hey, uh, we wore him out, right? Yeah, we saw yeah, him up for you. Yeah, that's what uh, Dick and, and Jason think. And it's, it's funny. Uh, but yeah, and then at the end you see everybody getting taken away, the circus or whatever. There's no circus tomorrow. All those kids who had circus tickets, they're going to be very upset. Uh, no, I don't think they work. So I don't think kids care about circus yeah, anymore. I don't, I don't think so either. I used to go. We, we I went. To I three... imagine their parents, like the dad comes home, the mom comes home, they both buy them together. Oh, look, Sonny Jim, we got yeah. your circus tickets for tomorrow. No. Oh, fuck. And then like, we... oh, no, the circus was arrested. Yay! Yay! Three separate uh, school trips when I was growing up were to the circus. And each one was more of a horror show than the last. <laughs> the last one we went to was a Shriners circus. So, you know, it was probably very similar to kind of like this. So like old men just and... driving around little cars? 
Yeah, there was there was that, but there there was elephants and stuff. It, it was really like the the animals. Oh, I also kind of walked by one at our flea market, and that was even more sad. Uh, the yeah, one you know, at the you know why? one. The giraffe died that weekend. Yeah, really, it did. That was a tall tale. Eric, uh, the, the thing when we were at that Shriner Circus, though, it's like I love elephants. Elephants are one of my favorite uh, favorite animals. And, in fact, I, I even told you this week, my family and me used to have a, uh, a pass to the Philadelphia Zoo. Yeah. And they got rid of the elephants at one point. I, I ended up like, eh, I don't really like because they're my favorite. And exactly. When, what are you going there to see this now? You elephant, went there for the elephants. Yeah. This elephant was so just – mangy and looked like it was starving and then it yeah, took, he was dying jim and then it took a shit eric and you know what upset me it wasn't a big elephant shit it was like a people shit and i'm like they're not feeding him look at that <laughs> shit that is i'm like i took a dumb what a bigger, pathetic fucking like, elephant look at you fucking peanut you can't even shit like me but no it made me so sad plus there was a lot of craziness going on as well with the kids and stuff and it just stunk bad oh, i hated it but that's yeah, what i remember the most is the freaking smell the when stench. i went my aunt took me when i was a kid i went once and i did not enjoy well, the, it. the ringling brothers they're they're yeah. done because nobody goes you're right nobody goes to see them i'm surprised the harlem globetrotters still had like that sort of spectacle well, everybody's to me still is done for the generals to finally win they're gonna win one of these days eric they're going to but yeah like spectacles like that unfortunately a kind of a part of me wants the nostalgia of that stuff well, happening uh but yeah it's those days have come and gone now kids watch youtube eric but yeah, yeah it's like, like like driving theaters too if they got the past jimmy i gotta get them much yeah, anymore it's true it's true like escort services eric who needs, exactly Classy who needs gigolos anymore keep their goddamn mouth yeah, shut really you just go online you just go online and look at these cam girls that's all you ever do uh you I can't get you out of pick up whatever that's right. You don't get no herpes. You, you get freaking, I don't know what you get, clickies? I don't know. But you, you have them there, and they're watching everybody get arrested. And it's it's one of those, like, you know, Dick Grayson's like, hey, I see what you're doing here. I, you know, this, this whole thing, you're, you're working well with Bizarro. And one of the best lines is when Dick says, you're more of a bigger brother to Bizarro than I ever was to you. And yeah. Jason says, no, 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 you're selling yourself short. You were really good. You know, I, I was pretty hard on you. I, I never gave you enough credit. And I like that, and I wish and hope that this will continue on for them kind of teaming up now and again. Unfortunately, I want it more in a book, not just an annual. Though I love them together in this annual, it does kind of make it less. You know, it makes it with less stakes in an annual yeah. than a regular series. But, yeah, I would love to see that happening. But, man, I, Bizarro is the greatest. And, and again, though, at the end, then Jason has no eyes. It's something that Tyler Kirkham, it must Ty, be a Tyler style Kirkham thing. Tyler does this every really now and like. again. But the thing is, I, I'm telling you, I am a Dexter soy fanatic when it comes to the series like he's every issue he has killed it every time it's amazing yeah. and when you i initially found like you know i opened this book i'm like oh dexter's not on shit but tyler kirkham i love tyler kirkham he, he goes beyond like well, well beyond anybody else at freaking dc yeah, and like this a issue is just as amazing yeah yeah here's the thing you have Tyler Kirkham as a fill-in artist, this guy should be a regular artist on a regular book. So having him as just a fill-in artist, it's fine with me. It's awesome. And, yeah, he ends up uh, coming up. Uh, he is going to be on Superman for two issues when James nice. Bonney, uh does a fill-in story uh, that involves Deathstroke Issue 31 and Superman. And yeah, and you're going to get Tyler Kirkham there. I saw some people asking, like, man, when is this guy going to get some more work? And he will. And hopefully he's just in the wings already working on the book. 
yeah, yeah. I, I hope that both of them have something more coming after that even. Uh, but yeah, I laughed at Bizarro because they're like, you know, hey, because that's where Jason, There's there goes your boyfriend. And she's like, me and Nightwing? Goddess, you are a scream. And then there's Bizarro. Bizarro kissed bearded lady. More than once. <laughs> it made me laugh. It's such like a little kid to say more than – I thought he was going to say on the lips. Yeah. But yeah. He, right there, he reminds me of a very good wrong turn. That's wrong the, turn. You, that's the thing is if wrong turn was actually a decent a person and kind of sweet, well, he would be here's the thing. bizarro. A- am, I, am I wrong in saying that if we could be the outlaws to a wrong turn, we might be able to swing them? The problem is, is he goes Absolutely home to his not. house. Well, he because goes home to his house, though. Well, you don't have the patience. That's true. But he I goes home him. to his house, which is a house of hate. And yeah. The things that we get and gather that they tell him. At his house, it's mind blowing, and just it's just hate speech at that house. Every hate speech and any way seconds. to manipulate money out of the retail. Yeah, and every and just yeah, yeah, use them. So it's it's sad, but yeah, there's the outlaws, and they're like, hey, hey, Bizarro, did you get that girl's number? And he's like, yes, eight. Oh, we're gonna have to talk I'm about that. You, I sat there at this last page. I'm like. Am I just not getting the joke? Is there some reference somewhere that no. any slang I look, I about really a tried to look it up. I am not trying. Yeah. I'm not getting here. Mike. Like, is she an eight? Is that what you're telling me, Bizarro? Did you I give her a fucking that, eight inches? Yeah. What'd you do? All I can think of is that she said the number and like a wrong turn. That was the last number. Yep. Yeah, that was the last number. So that's all that he remembered. Oh, we'll have to talk about this hey, when we get home. It's just a, it's just a response. Of, Oof. Gonna yeah. have to talk about this when we go. Yeah, I'm like, like, I expect, like so for good. some reason that just that response made me think there's a deeper joke here that I'm yeah. not getting. I actually thought like he's like it's okay, Bizarro. I saw her getting arrested down there anyway. <laughs> She's in the clink. But is yeah. she gonna go to man's prison or women's prison, Bizarro? Who you knows? tell me. But yeah, I really like this issue. I, I really did. I had a lot of fun with it. This is what I like. She really out of was Andrew. a hot lady with a beard. Yes, she was. Boy, when she, she I'm when trying she to think if it's a deal breaker on, now. Yeah. Holy moly! I don't know. I don't – here's the thing. When I was a younger fella, deal uh-huh. breaker because I was an asshole and only cared what other people thought. So I'm oh, not going to be yeah. seen with the bearded lady just like she's not going to be seen with the ugly man. So <laughs> it, there'd be problems both ways. But now now I'm, a, I'm an older man. I'm now older I'm an and older wiser. Man. And and now my options have fucking dwindled. So so what am who am I to say that the beard lady is worth it? You mean dwindled? Do you mean you're married? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, Tanya catches me with the bearded lady. I don't know that I'm in trouble. I don't know. Oh. I'd say look at her. It's the bearded lady. I, I felt bad for. Her. And then Tanya would think I'm a good guy. Oh. Win win. There you go. It's like when we have the the F Mary kills. I always pick the one that's gonna make me look good as the Mary, and then I go around looking at the fucking you know. I'm smelling like roses all over the place. It'd be funny. It's like I go into the fucking bar with the bearded lady, and like, oh my god, where'd you get that? I'm like, what? The bearded? No, no, no. I was talking to her. Where, yeah. Where'd she pick up you, you fucking homeless motherfucker? I'm like, Jesus Aww. Christ. I'm like, now my I feelings. Feel now I feel bad. Uh, <laughs> yes. Keep making uh, a double. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> oh, yes. But what did you give it? I gave this book an 8.5 out of 10. I just had so much fun with the Dick Grayson like, and the Outlaws, just interactions in general. Everybody, Daddy, the time that, like, you know, Scotty Odell is taking on these characters, the emotions, the humor he just puts into yeah. everything, it is the best part about this series. And when we it have is. to actually go to super heroics and just deal with the KGBs out of nowhere, it takes away from the greatness yeah, of this does. book. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And Tyler Kirk is just amazing. I, I've been getting a lot of flack, Eric, that I'm a, a negative Nelly. 
And Ooh. I want to tell you that I'm right now positive Peter, Eric. I may – should I bring back positive? I'm not going to bring back positive Don't do that. Peter. Uh, but hey, I am a positive – hey, I like this. What about you? You like this book, Eric? Ooh-wee. I like the way Bizarro acts with the with the Nightwing. You like the Nightwing, Eric? I like the Nightwing. You like him. You positive Peter too. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> these are my type of annuals. I always like annuals because – my whole problem with the Red Hood and the Outlaws, even though it is one of the better books in Rebirth, is the slow pace. Yeah. This annual, you don't have to worry about it. This is almost no, – this annual could even be considered an Elseworld story within the continuity of the book because you're just having fun. And because of that, Eric, I'm going 9 out of 10. I'm Boom. going full out positive. I really, really enjoyed it, and I had a lot of fun reading I'm it. You, I I wanted to go higher because of how much fun I had. It's just that once KGB the KGBs, showed up in that fight, I know, but it, even KGBs, it took it I away. I'm just like – yeah, I, I like seeing I, I him. Agree, just, but I, I didn't want him there at all because he interrupts the fun I was having. I had fun. So I'm going to go 9 out of 10, one of the higher scores I've given in a while. And I'll I'll stand Fuck, by 8.5 is one of the higher scores yeah, I've given yeah, in a while. really. I mean, and, and really, you can even go with that whole fact of things have been down. And we've been a little miserable about the books. And this was a, a you know, it was something fun. So I nice did enjoy it. breath of fresh air. How about that? Yes, it is. All right, Eric, it's time for mail section number three. That one goes out to our man, Brandon. I could just see him strutting up for that 48 bucks right now, Eric. You bang that old lady into your freak. Yeah, that, that's what he can't. You know, he doesn't like to relive in his mind, <laughs> or does he? This is mail section number three, and it features Mad Marty. Mad Marty says, "Good day, Jim, Eric, and the Get Fresh crew. Boop, 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 boop. Good day, boop, Marty. Boop, indeed, Eric. Shout oh. out, poop, poop. There you go. It was a little delayed, but you know what? Say, what is he trying to do here? That that is that's wrong turn. All delayed. After Shout that snooze fest of an issue last week, I'm seriously considering dropping the commandy challenge. <laughs> it takes you." <laughs> You oh my goodness! It long that. Here and now, before I gouge my eyes out in frustration, I understand that Gail Simone will be writing an issue of this drivel sometime down the line. It has to be quick. Hey, we only have you know four, four issues, issues left. left. But I don't think anyone can salvage this title now. I don't think that there there is a way to salvage it because the the challenge of it just kind of threw everything out the door. The really. challenge was who can be more and more ridiculous. Who can be more and more stupid. Wonder Woman number 29. I think it's safe to say that we're all waiting for the next creative team to get started with this title yep. now. Yeah. X-Men Blue number 10. He just has that and then says Black Magic number 7. I don't know if something went wonky with me <laughs> transferring this email, but it just says X-Men Blue number 10 nothing, then the Black yeah. Magic number 7. I have this title he on my poor He doesn't know how he feels about X-Men Blue yet. He, he doesn't. It, it's a work in progress. I have this title on my pool list to support Nicholas Scott, who is amazing. Not sure to support is. that guy who spent his 25-issue run tearing down the work of everyone else and then piss it off. You know who that is. Greg Rucka? That would be Greg Rucka. Eric, as an ex-smoker, I'm curious to know which brand of cigarettes you prefer. I prefer Marlboro Reds myself and yes, smoking them for... Yes, in, in that soft pack you get. Uh, actually, I got off the soft pack just because it became a pain in the ass just to tell them soft pack all the time because a lot of people did not know. Then I'd have to try and point them out, but I can't see very well, so I don't know exactly where they are. It was a pain in the ass, so I just said Marlboro Reds, and it's giving me the hard pack. I'm fine with that now, but I've been smoking... 
Reds for 23 years, I guess it is. I gotta, I gotta see if no, he just has X Men Blue number 10 and nothing <laughs> on it. I just wanted to check the email. Uh, so you, a Marble Red guy, I knew sure. that. I knew that. I quit almost a year ago, but I still dream about it. My quitting was purely a financial choice. Tobacco was so expensive in Australia that I had to choose between cigarettes or comic books. I chose comic books, but Rebirth is making me regret that decision at the moment. (laughs) Just to put it in perspective, when I quit last year, this is the best. I want you to tell me if you think that this is too much for you or if this makes sense with what we do here. Okay. When he quit last year, a 50-gram pouch, Eric, of rolling tobacco was Australian $64, according to Google, that's a U.S. fifty dollars and forty-seven cents. Fifty grams, sir. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I know that's what made me laugh. Plus, you 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 ain't got no time to roll your own cigarettes. No. You, you know that's what they that's what the factory's for for Eric. That's Shea. why I'm buying. That's the yeah. freaking like the comfort fee is Eric, why it's so goddamn Eric expensive because I'm not rolling not, it myself. He's a fancy fella. He ain't yeah. sitting down there and licking his goddamn fucking papers and rolling that shit. We had a guy at work who. Uh, he was a little, I don't know, how could you say it, a little meth-heady? Is yeah, yeah. that what you'd say? And he would roll his own cigarettes and then offer them to people. Uh, did he ever offer you one of those cigarettes? Because he was no, very I would, big. I would never I know. take that. He was very big on going around and offering to people. We I, we had a guy who we work with, a friend of ours named Sean, who he wouldn't take him either because he's like, that guy licked that shit and stuff. I, I don't need that. And that guy was a wreck. But yeah, it always made me sick seeing him and, and seeing him offer that too. But he says, on that cheery note, Thanks for another great episode, mates. Cheers, Mad Marty. Eric, that is mail section number three. All right. They're very quick. I'm telling you, this is going to be one of those podcasts that just comes and goes very quickly. We're going to go off to some books now. What up, Fresh Cup Crew? What up, Wrong Turn? (laughs) What up, Fresh Cup Crew? Indeed. Indeed, Eric. Uh, We're back. We're back to talk more books. We only have a couple more left. There's not a lot of books this week, and some of them I wish we didn't have at all. Like this this one. one of those. I had three books this week, and two of them were Steve Orlando books. So everybody out there uh, can wish me luck going forward because I think my mind is warped, Eric. Because this is now what I'd like to call this the super black girl racer Shiloh Norman section. Annual. Annual. One. Special. Oversized. Oversized. I see. I'm warped. I'm warped, Eric. But we're here to talk about Supergirl, Supergirl Annual. And it is one of those annuals before I go with the stats. It's one of those that we talked uh, during the spotlight and earlier in the podcast that there are some annuals that continue the story, the ongoing story. And there are some 
that have kind of a side story. And I actually prefer oh, the side shot. story ones I told you. Yeah, I, I like that sort of deal, the one-shot deal, only because I told you when you have these things thrown in in this fifth week, uh, I find it that it seems that DC's holding you hostage if they make you also get a annual, you know, especially since you're already paying the three ninety nine for the regular issue. Then they throw a four ninety nine annual in there as well. You know, I don't think a lot of people are out there like, hey, I, I want to spend nine dollars on Supergirl this month. It just kind of to me, I think that's bullshit. But we'll go well, because the thing is, it is it's kind of bullshit just because it's this. Now, if you give me a story that I'm really into and then you're like, all right, we're going to have an extra sized annual issue to freaking t- finish this up. I'm like, all oh, right, that sounds awesome. Yeah, but as we papers. see... But now, then we have a story yeah, well, that I don't care yeah, about. Exactly. And then it gets even more. But even when we have worse. when we have the people with their twenty five dollar pull list, they mm-hmm. have it and you're there, okay, I have Supergirl three ninety nine a month, I have this, two ninety nine twice, da da da. Then all of a sudden you have an annual like I gotta spend another four ninety nine to keep up with the story, and that's bullshit to me. But it is, bullshit. It is what it is. And that's uh, you know, what else can I say? But yeah, you're right though. If you're gonna get an oversized issue, use those extra pages to really delve into the story really yeah. give you more uh and you could even say if you're me i would say okay listen this is how i can justify this since we have an annual the actual overall story will be two issues less but you still don't save money because you're no. buying all those but you can say okay we can go more into the story and then go and it doesn't do that. No, it, it got doesn't. me so upset. It got me so upset. It, it takes a fucking breather to tell you about Emerald Empress's background. Yeah. I'm like, and, and, but not, yeah. not in any kind of detail that matters. Nope. nope. None at all. Even changes continuity, I'll tell you. Oh, my God. I'll tell you that. But, uh, yeah, this is Supergirl Annual Number 1, written by Steve Orlando, art by Steve Pierre. Michael Atea and Steve Wands. Steve Orlando uses a Supergirl annual to continue his Emerald eradication story, but the fact that he had more page count to work with seemed to surprise and confuse him. Most of the second half of the story felt slapped together, and it all ends up being a convoluted mess. It's a shame because deep down, this could have been a decent story, but this annual did more to hinder than to help it. And I do say, and we hinted at it earlier, yeah. where you, I think you think the same thing. I'm the telling actual you, I- Story is a decent thing, and I'm fucking story. just having not a great time at all reading. No. But as I was going through, like there were hints there in the background yep. of everything that yes. all the shit dialogue. I'm like, there is a concept yes. here that could be really fucking now, cool, but it's we have not talked coming about forward. It, and we've talked about it before. This is not the main concept of this story. Is not. It's nothing new. The yeah. whole thing of, and we saw it in Flash. The whole mm-hmm. thing is okay. They have come back to make. Supergirl, you can't kill her and make her a martyr, which they yeah. did. That's what you get. I'm really, we're, I'm taking a lot of these concepts that I put into the story from The Flash so, because right. they never really spell that out. They never really, basically, what happens is you get the idea that they want to shame Supergirl so that nobody steps up in her place or nobody makes her a martyr and continues on because you had the idea that everybody here hated Supergirl and she was going to destroy the future. The problem is this issue throws that out the door and ends up being that Emerald Empress really should have shown up and just killed her. There's no other reason. There's nothing to do with me 
saying like, oh, the ramifications of her killing Supergirl without making her, you know, hated. There's no reason for it. By the end of this issue, it throws it all out because Emerald Empress really has a very narrow-minded idea of what she wants to do. She just wants to kill Supergirl because she wants Supergirl not to kill her father in the future. That's all it is. And we don't even know why Supergirl would be in the future. I don't know how any of this fucking works no. out. Everything we've been presented because, you know, when we get to the thing, you know, you know, I'll get to it when we get to the bit. Let's, yeah, let's well, we'll start out. Goddamn story yeah, we'll out. start out where we start out how we left before with Grundy fighting gigantic Supergirl. Grundy. And it's a gigantic Grundy. And the thing right Kaiju away. Kaiju Grundy. Yeah, to me, I'm wondering why people aren't mentioning this or you had this Catco app. You know, you have this app that's supposed to be this news thing. Nobody's like... Why is Solomon Grundy as big as a goddamn skyscraper? It makes no sense. But there they are. They're just fighting because this Especially is a Solomon Grundy still yeah. wrapped up in freaking Arkham yeah. or whatever the hell and he was. Where are the people now? We have a, a really shoved in thing at the end with Superman, but where are the rest of the people? Where are, where is anybody where's Batman? Where are all these people like, huh, I see that there's a skyscraper sized Solomon huh, I Grundy? Guess they're off world gym. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, what? where is it that anybody's checking into this and saying, why is this national city have national- a 700-foot Solomon Grundy? But yeah, Supergirl's going, and she, as she's fighting, she hears all these people talking, and you know, oh my God, Supergirl, she's doing more, you know, more harm than good. And I'm like, I don't know about that. As she's as she's flying around, she's just yeah. tearing apart. Yeah, she's buildings tearing with apart the, speed the buildings. She's like, you know, she can't help it. She's going too fast yes. and taking apart buildings as she goes by them. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of destruction between Solomon Grundy and Supergirl. Yeah, and uh, she just yeah. hears people talking shit on her. Yeah, she hears her, and she's, you know, she's having problems. She's holding her head. Oh, I can't take it. There's too much. And then you see a car gets flung by Solomon Grundy, and it stopped at the last second. And I'm telling you, I read this at first on my phone, and I did not understand that it was Indigo at first. I was like, what's going on? Why All of a sudden, but it is Indigo. Indigo comes in. So this whole thing is a setup. The whole thing is set up for Grundy to go nuts downtown, for Supergirl to show up, cause problems herself. Cause a bunch of destruction herself. And for Indigo to show up and say, listen, people, I am the woman of the future. I'm Indigo, the woman of tomorrow. Of tomorrow. I am beyond, you know, I'm from a world beyond your imagination, and I'm here to tell you that Kryptonians, I was created to aid the United. It's it's really ridiculous, and she's saying this. It's pretty and much it's, syndrome, like from the Incredible. Yes, it movie. is. But the funny thing is, she's saying this, but yet at the end, Steve Orlando still has her introduce herself because yep. it doesn't seem like anybody's paying attention. Though before then, people are calling her by her name. Hey, that's Indigo, and it, it really is nonsense. And Steve Orlando just—he's just jumping back and forth because number one, do you think Solomon Grundy knows this is a plan? Do you no. think that he's on? I don't either. Uh, but when it comes about, Emerald Empress is using all of these guys. And, you know, you have Indigo who thinks that she's doing right. But you never really. I love the way Indigo looks here, though, because when yeah. we saw her before. I think when she was first introduced, she looked like a child. Yeah. And like so I never really got any. I have, still have no idea who Indigo is, where she came from, when they got her. And, you know, how this is a whole plan for the freaking Fatal Five. It does yep. seem slapped together because all of a sudden she was just there when Magog showed up. I think uh, before Magog showed up. I don't know. She just showed up, and now yep. she's the like the woman of tomorrow, the savior. We have not yep. had a lot with Indigo, but I think the, the art in this issue 
makes everything a lot better than it has oh, the been art is really good. up in Super Yeah, the Rome. art is really good. And I just... Because I love the way she looks. There's just little things that they say here because she's like, uh, you know, I'm Indigo, the woman of tomorrow, where your mayhem will one day be grow beyond imagination. And then that's where Supergirl's like, one day. So this is her talking kind of the Supergirl, but it seems like she's announcing it to people yeah. as well. But she says, unlike Kryptonians, I was created to end like Kryptonians. You, you mean Supergirl and, and Superman? And Superman? You know, yeah, Lauren, I mean? maybe? Yeah, and Lauren, maybe. You know, Zod. it just, it seemed very odd that she's calling that out. But yeah, well, she's just, crypt on my ass, yeah, Superman. She's just, yeah, she's just going to fight Solomon Grundy to prove to everyone, look, Supergirl was bad. She couldn't get the job done. Here I am. I'm your savior. You know, you know, love me. Love me instead of Supergirl. Uh, so the next part of the plan, you do go to Emerald Empress. She's in the uh, Blade, the local DO headquarters, and she's fighting with Cameron Chase. And she wants to know. She's there for some info. And she it just the, the dialogue as this issue goes, it gets worse and worse as it goes because I, I, at I that, just I just want to know what the Eye of Ekron can fucking do. It, yeah, just, and, it does yeah. anything. It does whatever it they at want. any given time, but yep. it's still somehow associated with the Green Lantern Corps. And I just want to know yeah, how it does what whatever it wants. Now, I'll tell you, up until now, I, this is not a bad issue. It, it, there's a little nonsense. Even this yeah. part with the you know, Emerald Empress here, she's in the DEO. She's trying to find some info. The eye gets it, and we don't know exactly what it is at this point. No. It's like, boom, got it. I'm good. And then we go off to Cat Grant's apartment where it's starting now. It's starting to get a little wonky. I hate Cat Grant so oh, much. Oh, I do too. I, and this is like Steve Orlando really – you can tell he loves writing Cat Grant and loves her being like, look at that snarky bitch. You know, she ain't taking nothing from nobody. And she is annoying. She is so annoying. But you have Selena there and you have Cat Grant there and you have – Selena goes in and it's like, hey. I'm no mere sorceress, Cat Grant, but I'm the heir to ataxia, to chaos itself. Bored already, or already bored. Like, what the fuck are you I'm telling you, everything. I'd kill her. Like, I'm telling you, I hate Steve Orlando's dialogue. It's only really, like, bad when Cat Grant yes. shows up because yeah. it is so over the top and just terrible. Like, I've held war games for the same privilege. You think I'll yeah. be doing – I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. You think, like uh, – I'll be doing anything besides serving you a diamond hard lawsuit. Yeah, it's and just then when she puts on Cat yeah. Grant's face as like a little thing, it's like that like this is practically liable. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck yeah, you're and saying the, this anymore. Is, this is the thing that cracks me up because she says like the, uh, Selena says, for years you built your image to exude power. It's it's hard to see it redefined before your eyes in me. And then that's where uh, you know she's like, when does that happen? And then you have Selena's like, oh no, I'm gonna force the key codes to your cat co reporting network. You and that's this is the worst where she's like, You this cat, you broke into my home. I've held war games for the same privilege. What? I don't know what, what that the means. fuck are you talking about? What are you playing fucking paintball? And she's like, You think I'll be doing anything besides serving you a diamond hard lawsuit? And this is where this is so wonky because this is where Selena's like interesting then turns her face to look like cat grant and says are you sure you know what you've already done meaning that she selena had impersonated cat grant to shoot supergirl that's yeah. all she is pointing out what the fuck does that matter to cat grant it doesn't it doesn't matter at all and supergirl has gone beyond that that nobody's talking about that anymore steve no, orlando supergirl throws it here knows it was not yes steve orlando throws it in here as if this still means something and cat grant doesn't know 
what the fuck she's talking about? There's no way until if she showed her a thing and like, look, here's you shooting Supergirl. When in fact, at this point, they're busy discrediting Supergirl. So Cat Grant may come out smelling like roses if that is the case. This is so stupid to pull this back and even to do this. But then it's like, hey, that's practically libel. And then she reads her mind. She gets the cat, the cat co app. And the problem is, is all this comes together then. You had Emerald Empress, and what she did was get the video of Supergirl going to see her father, uh, you know, Cyborg Superman, who is the guy who tried to destroy the, uh, you know, National City. In the meantime, they're going to use Cat Grant. They're going to use this app because now they have the passcodes to use the app. The problem is you didn't need those. You didn't need them. You and I can do it. It's Facebook. That was what it was. Video of this. You don't need the key codes to the freaking app itself to freaking do this. It was set up to do this. It is a reporting sharing service. Yes. If you were going to do anything, make a fake account that's Supergirl's. Like, make it so you didn't need anything to do that. The only thing I can see is that it can't be deleted then, but that's kind of not the way the app works. You know, you could no. go, I could go on Twitter right now, and if I had the craziest footage of any world leader or, or a hero or something, and I put a say it's like Tom Brady, and I, I have a, a, a video of him beating the shit out of my younger son. Yeah. He's beating the crap out of Logan. I, I don't have to get the passcodes of, no. of the major. I could just go on Twitter and put it out. It'll trend, and people will see it. It's nonsense because, yeah, you have all of a sudden everybody's like Catco a reporter. it's such a weird thing for me because you hear – you have Selena who you don't have like a real freaking like, you know, clear-cut idea. She is a sorceress. That's about it. We like, you know, I yeah. haven't seen Selena since the goddamn Supergirl movie. But like she's just a sorceress and she's going to get the – like she's all about the key codes to an app. I'm like – Yeah. It just doesn't seem like it goes because it's sorcery and technology and like in my mind she has no idea what the fuck a phone is even. I don't know. No. And even then, like you had that thing. You didn't need her. You know, you had Supergirl show up at Cat Grant's uh, apartment. Well, oh, you build a, a, you know, a, a thing. What's it called? A balcony out here. And you had Selena impersonating Cat Grant. You That's didn't all need you to. Her to do. You didn't even need to do that, really. I'm it could have just been Selena come out and shoot her. It I been. mean, it's not like there hasn't been a point where you have Supergirl sitting there and like, you know, I feel different, but. Cat Grant wouldn't have done anything like that to me. You know, I'm not going to check myself because it was Cat Grant. No, I'm not going to check myself because what's the freaking possibility that I'm going to wreck myself? Yeah, and she did wreck herself. <laughs> yeah, they they see this video of. Uh, you know, you have Supergirl talking. She's like, "No matter what you've done, I'll help you. I'm not giving up on you, Dad." And uh, oh my God, and she's people like, "Oh my God, Tony, who tried to kill her? She's a piece of shit." Number one. Does that any point look like Cyborg Superman anymore no. now that the cyborg parts are taken off? I mean, like, it looks look like it. a half they're talking to, man. They're talking to half jellyfish man. I can't believe it. And also, this may be me. I, I, it seemed that Cyborg Superman, when he came down and attacked, he was telling anybody and their fucking mother that, that Supergirl was his daughter. They're yep. making it seem like now you could say, no, Jim, he was saying that in Kryptonian, all this Kryptonese. sort of thing. But it seemed as if... While the story was going on, that was kind of known by the people as well. Like, oh, my God, she has to fight her father. This is bullshit. Oh, my she God. She shows us know. over her own people. She's a true yeah. hero to Earth. Blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. That's what they're it seemed like it was alive, based you on. piece of shit. Yeah, and then the other thing that it seems that they're like, uh, okay, it's ding, ding, ding. The other thing that they seem to really go on here is that the people are like, 
what? You're keeping that monster alive underneath our city? I'm like, where did you get that information? <laughs> because they're saying that. It doesn't even look like People summer. love Superman. to jump to conclusions. Yeah, the, best, no, the best, though, is Supergirl sees it, and she says, oh, no, that footage, it has been translated with no context. No, no, that's exactly what you exactly. said. There isn't any context to do it. She went down there and said, hey, I know you're bad, but I, I haven't given it. It's the Darth Vader, you know, Luke Skywalker thing that we said was nonsense anyway. But, yeah, also... He does not look like he is going to go attack anybody right now. It looks like he is in prison. He's in prison. Do do, do these people think there was a trial? Did they have a trial and an execution? Because they're amazed that he's still alive. You're keeping him alive? People need to check their goddamn priorities because while they're yelling at Supergirl about this nonsense, fucking Solomon Grundy's still rampaging. Yeah, he's rampaging as they do this. And it's funny because then Indigo seems like she's pissed. She's on top of Grundy. Hey, look at what I did. Look yeah, at me. You, you go next, though. Grundy's back up. Yeah, he is. it's just more. nonsense. But yeah, that super and the best. Uh, as Indigo is fighting uh, Solomon Grundy, then uh, uh, Supergirl just walks away. She oh, walks away, place. and she's like, "I'm sorry. I'm so sorry." And uh, telling you, you're getting to this point where you're getting near the end of what would be a regular issue. And I'm telling you, even with this nonsense. I could still say that this would have been probably one of the better issues of Supergirl because at least we're getting some things. I like the stuff with Indigo. Uh, like you said, I like her art. Uh, yeah. I think that that's okay. The Cat Grant stuff I never it's liked, but I, I can push that aside because of that. But we get to this point where all of a sudden things are repeated because, yeah, you have Supergirl fly up, and she repeats everything we've just had. She's like, Director Chase, it's Kara. And they, Director Chase can't even talk to her. It, she can't get through it. It's like – and she's like, someone released footage of me with my father from inside your base. Grundy is loose, but the people with my powers out of control, I could not stay without hurting them. If you can hear you. me, you must – it's like we, we know this. We're reading you this. You couldn't stay without hurting them? You went to fucking school earlier in the day yeah. and you – Fucking yeah, had no problem she with didn't that. care then, and everybody loved that. But yeah, she's flying off to go get help, and she's going to go to Doctor Veritas, and she goes and lands. And, and I do like at the, the art here. Yeah, at the scabbard. I do like the way that when she lands, she pretty much makes a crater because she cannot oh, yeah, control. Oh, superhero. Yeah, landing. she can't, and she can't control her powers. So it's one of those like really over the top landings. And you have Doctor Veritas, who I like, but yeah, no argument. But we won't stop stop anything with you, sick. Get inside. And now we're gonna have the wonkiest super science that I've ever uh, witnessed. And not because... only that, when it was like they really are pushing the fact that Doctor Veritas is dating Chase Cameron. Yeah, now. yeah, they, they, out Chase of nowhere. And I'm like, this like is that. out of nowhere. Yeah, I thought really that, that was pushing really it in her dialogue weird. here. I'm like, yep. All right, I would have liked to see an, a natural progression of this, yeah, but like yeah. you're just nope. forcing it down my throat now. No, and that's what he does. He doesn't set up things at all. But yeah, they're there, and and Veritas is going to check out Supergirl, and she's checking her out, and she's like, hey, hard to say what's going on. You know, I don't know what you were shot with, but your cells are supercharged and it's spreading from the impact site. Each of your cells is using its solar charge like a fission reactor. And it all comes down to her saying, if this doesn't get cured, you're going to get overpowered and you're going to blow up. You're, you're going to end up all of your cells are going to supercharge like this and you will blow up. And he, Dr. Veritas says, you know, I tried to help you. This type of thing is well beyond medical science, but don't worry. We've got medical science fiction at our disposal. <laughs> I was like, here we go. Yo, here buddy. we go again. Uh, 
Yeah, before we get to that, though, we go back to Cat uh, Grant, and it, I was thrown off because Doesn't she's she there. Doesn't she have people for this? Yeah, she's there on her on our, all fours, and she is scrubbing the floor where Selena had marks. kind of scorched when she disappeared. Where she disappeared in a you know a flaming whatever, and she's there scrubbing it, which doesn't seem like anything she would do. No. I don't know if at this point you kind of get Steve Orlando was trying to kind of make you feel not bad for Cat Grant but kind of be sympathetic. In the meantime, he set her up to be the ultimate bitch that you would never like. Uh, you know, I can't stand her. And you'll have Ben Robo show up. And Ben's like, hey, you know, I got to get in here. Let me up. I, I, we got to talk. You know, our app, your app is, is taken Cat over. Cat goes in lockdown. Yeah, Cat goes in lockdown. We need to change this. We need to delete this. Supergirl is out there and they're throwing out lies, which they're not lies. They really no. aren't. And I like it. That's, you know, you have Cat Grant's like, you know what? I'm going to do it for you and but not for supergirl but for the people uh, she says for our brand and the countless legions of loyal subscribers we've left vulnerable vulnerable they're just looking at a video the goddamn app oh my goodness gracious uh, but yeah ben ruble does Honestly, get this her. piece of news it, well it might be freaking you know trash you're it's just news. trying to depict supergirl in a fucking horrible light it is news it's news it's news. It's certainly news. It is the guy who tried to destroy the planet, but really National City, the National, Eric. And, uh, yeah, he's alive underneath the city. I don't know how they know that, and Supergirl's being nice. So, yeah, it's news. It's nothing. Like, Cat at the end should probably say, like, I, I can't delete this. We can go and, and try to figure out something. But in the meantime, you have Ben It's Robo, like, the you only... know, if we had an under Quaker Town, the government had a secret nuclear fucking base or something. Yeah. Like, bombs were all under the fucking... And yeah, they that's kept news. it secret, and it comes out. That, that's fucking news. Yeah, that's, that's news. the equivalent if you have a cyborg Superman yeah. underneath your freaking yeah, uh, city that... who just tried to kill you. I'm telling you. Or they, we find out that they were searching for Osama bin Laden all the time. Everybody, oh, we can't find him, we can't find him, we can't find him. We find out that he's been underneath Quaker Town in, in a bunker. Yeah. yeah, and then we'd be like, you know, that that leads to more actually, that leads to more because it'd be like people are going to try to come and get him. We're going to be dead. We're moving. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, in the meantime, Ben Rubel actually convinces Kat to kind of go and do this because she's like, hey, or he's like to her, uh, every family has some craziness in it. You know, every family has crazy. Tell you me can't, about you it. Can't, yeah, really. You can't just, you know, discount somebody's pain or, or trouble because of family and all this and yeah cat grant's like well okay and it's supposed to make okay you, it's supposed to make you interested in ben's family again you would think but also cats which before she was an alcoholic i think her son died in past continuity but who knows what the hell eh, steve orlando's playing with he plays well you know his own he does he, so he does but yeah that's where that we go back to the scabbard veritas is going to do this surgery and supergirl has one of the stupidest lines. She's like, I have not had surgery since Krypton. It's hard to remember it. Good. Why do you need that? I don't remember the last time I had surgery. Why would I say this? And then later she yells, ah, it hurts like when I was a kid. <laughs> I guess you remember now. Uh, but yeah, she's going to do this. She's going to go in and try to, you know, isolate these cells and try to do something. But it's just nonsense. We're only Enemy. halfway through the issue. I know. And this is where I, I thought at this point, this is where when they're going to do this surergery, Veritas says, "I've got some surprises planned. You could next almost, you could almost have that as the cliffhanger. You could or you have a, a next page or whatever. This is where the actual issue, if it would have been a regular issue, would end. 
And it does seem like Steve Orlando took a regular issue and then tacked shit on. And because you go and all of a sudden out of nowhere, you get an Emerald Empress fucking origin story. It's out of nowhere. It's not set up. It's just all of a sudden you have it. And the one thing that was she's different. She's just hanging out, telling her goddamn origin to Cameron Chase. To Cameron like, Chase. Yep, she's telling her. And the one thing is she says that she is from Orondo. Uh, in the old continuity, she was from Venegar. So it has changed a bit. I, I checked it, and it is. It, it's and I'm changed telling you, you so. think he just named it after himself and took an L out? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he do that. I, I don't think it matters whatsoever. But yeah, the whole thing is she, you know, she was a slave. She was born. She was her, alone. Her, her freaking family sold her, her into slavery when she was a child. The Eye of Ekron came, gave her power. She fucking went against those who opposed her. She found her father, realized, you know what? While he was a piece of shit and sold me, she still he had downtimes too. I'm going to love my father. Yep. Oh, no, Eye of Ekron showed me future where Supergirl kills him. I go back in time. Yeah. And, and not and the weird part not, is, is you're it's there. Not even, yeah. No, it, yeah, you're there and you see the crest. You see the Superman, the S, all over while she's holding her dead dad. And then she mentions, my emerald eye received a vision, a deception created to convince me Saturn girl had to die. So yes. what was this vision that you had with the super symbol? And then you, because that is the only way she could explain that. You had Emerald Empress in Rebirth wanting to go back. She and came get, back in time to get Saturn, to get Girl, Saturn Girl. I don't know at what point because I like what Saturn oh, Girl. Oh, I know when mind, it was. I know when it was, but it made no sense. Come back in time in the Rebirth special yep. number one. Emerald Empress in my mind had been locked up in the freaking like the first uh, like the Suicide Squad for a while yeah. with Lobo and all yep. of them. When did she come back? Because, and, and then and, it was all about like you know getting the Saturn Girl because once Justice League versus Suicide Squad was over, that's what she seemed to go do. We never once saw her go to Arkham nope, Asylum nope. talk to Saturn Girl. But all she sudden, said she did. Super that's super the girl. only yeah. thing they had the issue where Superman said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, t might as well have said, I'm gonna deal with this Emerald Empress in the Supergirl issue coming up." So when we did have that, we thought, okay, we're gonna get more yeah. Saturn Girl stuff. All Emerald Empress said when she showed up in this book said. I had a chat with Emerald, uh, with Saturn Girl. She's not the one that's bad. It's you. That's oh. all they said. And it made like Steve Orlando ha did in the, the JLA we, we were talking about earlier with Ryan and Ray. He is changing shit that just to suit his own story. I mean, the whole story should have been like, Emerald Empress. Like, where did he Empress. get the okay for this? Because I don't know. Set That's, up a Saturn yeah. Girl's been back. Emerald Empress, the first event for Rebirth, Just League versus Suicide Squad. Yep. All set up for Emerald Empress to go after Saturn Girl, yeah. who we had teased at us in the Rebirth special. Why did they decide to change it? To I don't Super know. Girl? And, Out of and nowhere, it with no real explanation. And it can't just be Steve Orlando deciding it. Like I said, they had to have, you know, given him the okay. The problem is. How much more are we going to get of Emerald Empress without getting anything of Saturn Girl? Yeah. We wanted to see more of Saturn Girl. We watched her watch a goddamn hockey game and recognize a uh, death from and a thousand before that, years we saw before her, her, put her a deal. Symbol on when Batman was walking yeah. through for Iron We got suicide. nothing. She is always just a side note. Yet we have to deal all this with Emerald Empress, and it's funny because you have this part and you go into this, you know, out of nowhere in the second issue and the oversized issue. We get this background of Emerald Empress. The problem is we've seen Emerald Empress before this book, so it to me it just seems like that time has come and gone. 
yeah. to, to get this this background. But it also just doesn't make sense because it's supposed to be. And she says, oh, we were told a lie uh, that it was Saturn. Who told you the lie? How did the, this thing, you know, whatever it was. I received a vision, a yeah. deception created to convince me Supergirl had died. Like, okay, let's look into that. Yeah, who, and, who and tell me because – Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Eye of Ekron seems to be all-powerful. Who was it who did the deception? And if that's the case, how can you believe anything? Yeah. You know, and she – so she's there, and basically this is the big reveal. She has come back. She is going to get take care of Supergirl, and she's using all of these people to do it. You know, Magog, and and I always Indigo, uh, yeah, Indigo, Selena. Solomon Grundy, Selena. Yeah. So, Solomon Grundy just seems like a big dummy. That, but he's an all of these. So when they said, "Listen, Magog, you know what? In the future, uh, Supergirl ruins your family." Lie. The whole thing where they're they're putting together, uh, what's it called, uh, Indigo, whatever. Lie, Selena. I, I, I lie. It's all lies. Because it just seems I like Emerald know. Empress is building her. Yeah, I that's don't know what anything about this character. And and she's like, no, the world is not as good, but she hopes it. But she's in front of her. It it doesn't make any sense. Like out of nowhere, she is twisting, or he is twisting and turning the story for Emerald Empress, and the Fatal Five is just being you know played, and it just doesn't. It doesn't amount to anything to me. No. Why did he, why Emerald Empress is there? Why didn't she just go and try to kill Supergirl? Why did he have to get this Fatal Five? Why did they have to discredit her first? Why did they do any of this? Because it doesn't seem like there is anything that have to happen except she want she wants Supergirl herself to die because if she dies, her dad lives. It doesn't matter about the legacy. It doesn't matter. It's just like I'm here to destroy her legacy. Why? All you want to do is make your dad live. That's all you say you're there for. It's just, it's just nonsense. It is complete nonsense. I don't know, but yeah, yeah let's just get through this quick. Thank it's God. taking so goddamn long with this thing. You, you have Indigo, and that's Indigo takes down Solomon Grundy finally and then just says, hey, no fear, Solomon Grundy is but a swamp filth. Given form, he was never truly alive. And again, I want to see where somebody shows up and says, what the fuck is going on with this Grundy? We and have the, gr- the real Grundy in Arkham. Emerald, I want to know how Emerald Empress got back in time and how she plans on going back to the future. I don't know. All of this is just everything's on the surface. You have then, and like you said, Indigo is acting like syndrome. Then she's like, you know, I'm all, I'm loyal only to sentient life, not the needs of my own race. I do not harbor killers. So she's, you know, throwing. And that I don't whole know what thing. her race is because it seems like Emerald Empress built her. Well, yeah, and she says that. But the other thing is, is this program because she seems to say she lied to him. The, the other thing then I laughed at. I fought Kryptonians like Supergirl across the galaxy. What Kryptonians? When did this happen? Yeah. Yeah, when even in the future it doesn't make sense. None of that makes sense. But she, they say that that maybe it's one of those the people wouldn't know any different. I guess uh, you have Doctor Veritas working on Supergirl. Uh, as this goes on, you have Selena and Magog show up, and that's where we get a little surprise where we have some defenses, and it is Lauron. And when Lauron shows up, it's probably the best panel of art this week. I, like I it. loved it. I loved it. And Lauron, okay, we're getting a little more of the you know rehabilitation of you know of, of the Lauron. Yeah, and so you have that thrown in. I did see some people reviewing it. It's like, I don't know what happened. It looked like some wolf attack. 
<laughs> really? You got to read the other well, issues I, I there, pal. You, I got I got to go with them a little bit because why I know Lauren. We have not dealt with them in a long no, but time. No, but we know. And, and know. she said, I have a surprise. There's the surprise because as they go to attack the scabbard, Lauren's there to protect them. But what happens is Dr. Veritas cannot cure – it can't cure – Supergirl, but can let her control oh, that's the whatever thing is, it, it was. I'm telling you, it's the weirdest goddamn explanation because while she can stop her cells from being like, you know, reaching that fusion yes. state, that like exploding state status that's uh, like gonna do, yep. she can like, you know, stop that from happening, but her cells are still supercharged, so she's the most powerful Kryptonian in the fucking world yes. right now with her supercharged cells, which she seems to always will have going forward. Yeah, it seems like this is just to make her super powered from, I mean, super, super powered from now and on. Even with that the whole idea though is that she had these you know supercharged powers she couldn't control them because she's no. not used to them keeping them still here now she'll still have the same problem yeah i actually explode. seems like she can control them though because yeah. she goes up now they do say because you go off now we see that the blade is actually enveloped in a you know a green emerald empress hue while she just sits there and talks shit That's supergirl story Supergirl gets up and, you know, oh, I got to go there. I got to go where Elmer Lempress is. I got to save it in the meantime. Cat Grant and Ben are there at the Cat Co. building. They break in. You have a moment where you have Cat Grant to go like, hey, I'm going to get in with this super, super secret hammer. Just pulls it out and smashes. It's, a, it's an okay scene. But you have Supergirl there beneath National City going through the sewers all the way. Like Emerald Empress is – she's enveloping it in her magic. The, you know, yeah. the, and But why – I have Ekron but yet, nonsense. But yet you could just come in through the sewers. It's, yeah. it's not very well done. Uh, but yeah, you have her show up as she's going to go up. Two guards open up a door, and oh no, but it ends up being Jeremiah and Eliza, her parents. And they're like, hey, sweetie, anything good happened today? <laughs> You got some big problems. Knock this shit oh off. God, stop it. Stop it. But I do – I'll tell you right now that not having Brian Ching draw them, at least I can see that they're people now. Yeah. They, they, I'm like – I looked at them, and it's almost like seeing them for the first time again <laughs> because I was like, well, okay. I can see. Yeah, they're, they're pretty cool looking. You didn't see – didn't get to see Eliza's weird arm though. I want to see – yeah, I want to see how he does this stuff. Uh, but yeah, then you go. Laurent's fighting Magog and Selena. They just go back and forth at, while uh, Veritas is talking to Laurent. It, it, it doesn't amount to much. It no. really isn't because we haven't seen Laurent in a while. Uh, but then Supergirl's like, "Hey, uh, Jeremiah and Eliza, they go to free the captured Do soldiers." While Supergirl is going to go and confront Emerald Empress. And they go do it. She uses her powers. This is what I'm saying. She's like, now, so much noise. Need to focus. And she does. This is what I'm saying. Now you have this whole thing where is she now so super powered that you just need this because she's going to end up fighting all five at once. And that's going to be the explanation of how she can beat them. I think she could have done that whether she was supercharged or not. But it seems like when, when something like this happens, you have to sit there and think like, why is he doing this? Why is he making her that crazy powerful? It has to mean something, but I don't know. Does it? Does it, Jim? I, no, it probably doesn't. It probably doesn't at all. But yeah, she goes then and confronts confronts Emerald Empress, and that's when Emerald Empress then again starts talking about uh -huh. the whole thing. You you killed my father in the future. And Supergirl's like, listen, 
Uh, we don't have to do this. Yeah, I, no. I'll, I'll promise you right now, let's not go through this because whatever you're doing now probably is going to lead to that in the future. Like, let's change up the game here so that this doesn't happen. But yeah, then Emerald Empress is just talking shit, monologuing about everybody who she's controlled and, and the Fatal Five, how she's, you know, played them. Manipulated and, them. Yeah, and, and shit she's like, like that. she says, the deprogrammed autumn automation the mindless heat uh, yeah she says it's actually she he spells it automation if you look <laughs> i think that he, they spelled it wrong because that's how i spell automaton is it with a t-i-o-n that's how i spell it really i that looks to me like automation through and through i think that's how you would spell it oh it's you know that, what it is automation yeah. i see what the i-o yeah you're yeah, right that's what i'm saying t-i-o-n the deprogram automation I think that he spelled it wrong. But yeah, then the failed sorceress. How has she failed? Do we know anything about that? No, that I don't that know Selena's about her. the failed sorceress. Then the heartbroken soldier, which is Magog. Okay, I'll get that. My fatal gullible five. Now the the worst thing though is now she Steve Orlando has to make it that. Oh wait a minute, why didn't Superman show up and says? And so your city looks looks to Indigo, my puppet. Magog hunts your peer. Selena's enchantments blind your cousin to our attack. When did that happen? When did this happen? That Superman is just sitting there. Looks like he's in a daze because Selena. What? What about Batman? Solomon Grundy's in town with, with a few days to kill. Eric, where is he? Where is anybody? Where is the National Guard? Where is all these people there? Uh, nobody cares. No, nobody has anything is, to even say. With all this, I don't think you need to have Superman mentioned no, though, because his Supergirl's book. This idea yes. that you took care of Superman. All right, well, you got to take care of everybody if you're taking care of yeah, Superman. Yeah, t- that's the problem. I said this to you at work when we were talking about this, and I was telling you about the book. Throwing Superman here opens up too many other doors. Don't do that. You, because this you, is if where, you didn't say a goddamn thing, I would have been fine no, with it. No, we never would have said anything. There's no, I wouldn't have said, oh, where's And if I said that to you without seeing him here, and I said, Eric, where's Superman? You would say, off-world, yeah. like, like you do. Or you'd say, it's Supergirl's book. You know, this is how we do these things in comics. It, you know, Batman could have the Justice League show up at any point, but you don't because it's Batman's book. You're not going to have stories then. Throwing it there just seems like, oh, my God, I better do this. But yet think things through on yeah. other routes that you're doing. Like I said, Selena, the failed sorceress. Okay. But yeah, and then basically uh, Emerald You know what I would have liked for this whole goddamn annual? If you want to get, we actually had to spend time dealing with it. It was a go very, and see like, the backgrounds of all of the characters of in the Fatal Show Five. Me what, do what's that. going on with this and how Emerald Empress would use the manipulation yeah. of this whole Supergirl prophecy to bring I them in? I would have loved it. Let, let me see Indigo, her background, Selena, and all this yeah. stuff. Magog, just bring them all. And, and make it, make it one of those. We make saw it, he's a goddamn yeah. monster. Well, make it one of those. Though I'm going to see how they did that. Show me the zombie follicle procedure. And uh, also, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know. I want to know how, how he became as big as a skyscraper. But what you need to do or what you could have done is done that in an annual where you say to people, hey, you want to know the background of these characters? I it do. will help the story out a bit. But if you don't really care, it's not really going to affect you, the story in general. You're just going to get more of background. You're going to get a lot of things filled in so that you understand things going forward. But if you just want the basic story, skip this annual, and, and like, we'll be back to the regular story. Show me the, the interaction story. of Emerald Empress going to Saturn Girl yeah. and that whole exchange and yeah, how that went down. Yeah, show all that. 
I would have loved to have seen that. And that's where you can use an annual like this to kind of, you know, expand the story. But what happens here, I said in my blurb, it, it ends up confused, not even confusing me, actually just irritates me the whole time. Though I am confused while Emmer Empress needs to discredit Supergirl. Because now, now at this moment, you do seem to have set up that Indigo is now the hero of National City. Yeah. Why? Why would why would Emerald Empress want this when it's all a, a farce? It, it's nonsense. And really, also at the end, obviously at the end they're going to be fighting. She is going to admit that this is all you know nonsense, and then the Fatal Five are just going to be like you know what bullshit, and they're going to leave. Uh, you know, and it's just going to be ridiculous. But instead, like you said, make a a, a background story because the whole thing with it, it could be good. You didn't yeah. have you didn't need Emerald Empress to be nonsense and say you know what i lied to all of them why do you need that have it be this is the actual story and the cult of supergirl in the future because we are dealing with the far far future and thinking century, yeah. and thinking that supergirl is still there is kind of wonky make it that a cult of supergirl kind of exists then maybe she was even on the legion of superheroes at some point maybe. and went forward and this is what caused her people or her dad to die or her whole family to die. So she has to get rid of Supergirl throughout the ages. So that's why you Make don't sure just kill her because you don't want to have a martyr that continues on. But instead, it doesn't seem like that. It seems like he is kind of hinting at things but never giving you and what it really is. even if you kill Supergirl at this point, she's only been on Earth from what Steve Orlando's told us for a couple, fucking, months. couple months at this point. People yeah. might be wearing T-shirts. They're not going to remember her fucking out like no. a thousand years in the future. No, it just, well, they remembered a hockey game. Oh, Jesus Christ. They remembered a hockey game. But, uh, yeah, why would they? Uh, just gets me angry. But, yeah, once once it was revealed that she was playing everyone, I was like, really, this is the twist? You know, I you had this whole thing set up that I thought you were going in a, you know, a decent enough direction, and then you just pull the blankets, you know, the rug from under our feet. But uh, I gave it a 5.5, Eric, because I did like the art. I, I thought really the art was the really art good. This issue. Yeah, I couldn't give this an F five because I really like the concept of... behind discrediting. It's a, it's a I classic do trope of comics, but it's one we've seen before. But it's one I enjoy yes. when done properly. I like and it. You it's have not these done characters properly that here. I want to see and explore further because they could be cool goddamn characters. Yeah. I don't know because they're not doing a goddamn thing, and I don't know anything about them. Yeah. I have to give it a 4.9 just because okay. it was a pain in the ass to get through, and the transitions between like you know what he was telling us in the story just seemed out of nowhere. Damn. Yeah, I just like I said, the the whole thing of a story of discrediting Supergirl so that her legacy doesn't carry on is a decent enough story. We've seen it before, but yeah. I, I like it. I don't mind it. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't make sense a thousand years ahead of time that if she just would have come back and killed Supergirl, that this would have you know caused her issues a thousand years from now. It, it just doesn't. And it I, just I just hope the weird. whole thing is she's even taking, like I said before, they're taking a step too goddamn far where, you know, she was given this false vision that Saturn girl calls us, even though they're super girl yeah. freaking, you know, the stuff false all vision around was what we read in Rebirth. But like you go to Saturn girl, you find out about this next move. Who sent my eye of Ekron this goddamn they're like yeah. ruse. And, and even then, like she went to Saturn girl, like you said, Saturn girl's in Arkham Asylum. How are you going to talk to her? And if you do, know. how do you know she's telling the truth? Like, it just seemed like, oh, I talked to her. She said it was Supergirl. Oh, okay. Then then what's next? You, you find out. Yeah, you find out it's not her. It's actually goddamn Cheetah. Off oh, we no. go. Let's go Turns find out Cheetah it's Indigo now. the entire time. Yeah, it was Indigo. It's a wraparound. She ended up being Jesus Christ, Eric. 
She went back in time to see Jesus Christ and became Jesus Christ. And now, uh, like, what, once nonsense. the Fatal Five find out this is all a ruse, they go and, like, you know, use their goddamn sorcery and their technology to freaking put this thing in so this all wraps around. They end yeah. up killing her father and yeah. freaking do this to get revenge on her. Yeah, maybe. And there we have it. And they're like, oh, my God, I see the truth now. But it'll it'll be said in some wonky dialogue. I set up all these things myself. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm my own enemy. Oh, dun, no. Dun, dun. Uh, but, yes, we're going to move on now, Eric. To, Where's Reggie? To another book with Reggie. We're going to be talking about a book that we uh, surprisingly both of us kind of liked. Yeah. And we're here with Reggie. Reggie, Ooh, tell ooh. us. But really, lately, it seems Reggie shows up to to enlighten us on Jack Kirby. That's right. It's stuff. been a heck of a month, folks. Look yes, at that. Yes, it has. But it's over. This I is blame the you for last this, one. This is the last one we're all going to be talking about uh, because we already had recorded Woo! our Patreon exclusive spotlight on the Dark Side special. So what one is this, Reginald? This one is the Black Racer and Shiloh Norman oversized special. Uh, right, written by Reginald Hudlin and Jack Kirby, penciled by Denil, Dennis Cohen, Ryan Benjamin, Jack Kirby, inks by Bill Sienkiewicz, Richard Friend, colors by Jeremy Cox. A lot of people working on it, and there was just <laughs> one I'm new always story. waiting for a song. Right, There's Indeed. no song. There's you haven't no been song. giving many of these any songs. For the songs. spotlight, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do any for Hello. the Kirby. Go Black whatever. Racer, go Black Racer, go Actually, Black I, Racer, I go. You know, for the you know, we do a little uh, tagline for all our reviews, and I did yeah. for whom the ski poles tow toll. True, so it that's could be, pretty good. That is skis pretty marching good. on on. on. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, the I, I, love, <laughs> I love the redesign of the Black Racer for Jeff Johns' Dark Side War, but he is a stupid fucking character, and I can't believe I have a whole book oh, fucking like a, like skis. on the cover of him. He's, he's got, got skis. He's got a good redesign for uh, Graham Morrison's Final Crisis too, where they kind of played oh, yeah. down the ski aspect. They made it to, he had like super fast feet. Yeah, uh, yeah. J- the Black Racer. He, so you talk about <laughs> me. I know between the three of us, I am the Jack Kirby expert, but I actually don't yes. know a lot of shit. And the Black Racer would be a big blind spot for me. And Shiloh Norman, I don't think Shiloh. I ever read. He shows up at, at the end of the first Mister Miracle run. I don't think he was really ever used until Graham Morrison used him in the Seven Soldiers of Victory mm-hmm. in the early 2000s, uh, because there's no point. Why would we want to have two Mr. Miracles running around? Both I, I don't, I don't the want a lesser Mr. Miracle. But all of that being said, this was my favorite story of the month. I, I loved this. It. I, I really thought it was it. it was interesting, and the way it worked, it, it played partly off the fact that both those characters are black besides being unusual in comics as even yeah. at that time they were made uh the nature of the characters you don't you know i mean uh typically in comics you know you have black panther you have black lightning you don't expect like the masked escape artist and the herald of death yeah. on skeets to be the yeah. black guy and and here they are and they sort of have that connection that allows the black racer to step out of his usual uh you know he's not going to interfere stance yep. kind of the watcher stance to do something in a roundabout way that saves mr miracle so what happens is shiloh norman he's an escape artist just like mr miracle he's not the heir really to it because they both operate at the same time but yeah. it's just an earthling that missed that uh scott free taught yeah. how to be a great escape artist and gave him a mother box so he's going to escape from a rocket a missile 
hurtling into space. This is such a weird freaking concept because I'm all about daredevils and escape artists and shit like yeah. that. Even freaking you know just overblown events. It's this crazy. thing where we have it's it's Shiloh Norman, Mister Miracle, strapped to a missile, shot into space, and while this is all going on, there's three goddamn missiles fired at that missile. I'm like. I don't know how you get the permits for this kind of fucking uh, ex, uh, like exposition here. You yeah, know, like it's the whole billion dollar challenge. It's the billion dollar yeah. challenge with Travis Donald. Yeah, yeah. it's it, they're not making any bones about it at any exactly, point that it's not I don't Donald know Trump. Exactly at all, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, really. I, at first, I didn't even think anything of it until, until near the end. Had, yeah, yeah, when yeah, he was shown, yeah. you're like, okay, I get it. I, I see what I you're doing that. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get a background of the Black Racer, which I thought was great. I, I, I really did great. like it. And it doesn't even matter if you care about who the Black Racer is, if you know who the Black Racer is. This gives you a really, really good, you know, quick uh, you know, story about how it is. And I cared about him. I actually was like, okay, I, I see he was in the shit. He was sure in was. Vietnam. He sort of reminded me a little bit of, I, I know Eric knows what I mean, the Saint of Killers. Oh, yeah. Right? It kind of had like a, a real shitty turn happen to him, and he got the opportunity to become yeah. like the thing that, and, you know, And really, if this, was, if this was the start of a book, say we get rid of that goddamn vigilante nonsense we had before, <laughs> and instead, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we had a Black Racer book, and this was the beginning of it. When you, when you see him, you know, after the beginning and whatever, when you do go right. into that... I'm like, I'm in. If this was a book, I, I'd like to get it. I would actually read it every month. I, I would. It, it was really that good to me. And yeah, you get the, the thing setup is, of how like, he was I would shot. be all about. I would be all about at the beginning. We're getting the whole backstory. Even if we like take a few here issues, we go. And really flush out, flesh <laughs> out the backstory here, where we see him come back from Nam. He doesn't like the way Harlem is with all the drug yeah, pushers yeah, and shit like that. And he tries and to do shit. something yeah. about it. And he, you know, he gets shot for fucking trying to do the right thing. Becomes paralyzed. The minute that we finally get the freaking, you know, Orion and Light Ray coming to him to try to make yeah. him the new Black then Racer, we out, see right? what the Black Racer looks like. I'm like, why'd you make him stupid looking? Why couldn't he <laughs> just be walking, going around? Hey, in the look at Army them. I, I don't think a lot of people like uh, Light Ray and Orion. They don't look that cool. Uh, especially oh, lately, he looks like black nonsense. Racer. I'm telling you, well, they're the guys. Why would they want somebody I, looking cooler you, than you, them? Like. I told you all the time how I love going on Facebook for DC when they do the little previews of stuff coming out. And I love looking at the comments. And a lot of the comments for the cover of this book is like, why is there a Sentinel in this book? Because that's what yeah. the Black Racer looks Jeez. like, a yeah. Sentinel on skis. When you're the Herald of Death, you don't dress up. Everyone that you yeah, meet why dies, would you have so to? I would do the whole thing in sweatpants. I'd be yeah, really, I'd sweatpants. <laughs> I wouldn't even wear those. I, I'd go you know, fucking, you know. Some... I'd have fucking Dorito fingers. I'd be like, really? all right. That's what I'm death. talking about. I'd have shit all over. I probably wouldn't even wipe my ass. Why should you? Like you said, anybody who sees you, they can't go and talk to, uh, you know, the, the goddamn tablets. Who wore it better? <laughs> Nobody's going to get that far because they're dead. That's who wore it better, motherfucker. Me. Because I'm the one walking away from this. But they did point out at the beginning like that when uh, when he became the Black Racer, he became it because the last one kind of went against what he was supposed to do. And this seems to be just something that will continuously happen uh, throughout the existence and of the whole You know what's funny that they do while reading this issue is that we have this whole backstory of the Black Racer, which I've never seen this before like this because I've never been interested in Kirby stuff. I knew the characters but never really dove into yeah. it, is that – I wrote this character years ago and thought it was my oh, own here. idea. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Eric Shea. No, no, Did I ever the, tell this, you? This Reaper character and the last one that came before him who like, was made from a man, he went against this thing and he was destroyed. So I'm like, yep, this is exactly what I wrote back Did in the 90s. Did I ever tell you, I'm Eric? a hack. 
Have I told you that story that I had about the time traveler that goes back to see Jesus Christ and then becomes Jesus Jesus. Christ? I'll blow your mind with that one. Uh, Yes. But, yeah, you you go on and the whole thing. It's very, uh, you know, quick paced. And basically at one point you could say that a lot of it is filler while, you know, the black racer is chasing. I thought it was really uh, But I liked it. So what it is is the black racer goes against his whatever directive – but yeah. in such a way that technically he doesn't. Essentially, you know, when Shiloh Norman sees the Black Racer, he's going up in the rocket. He's like, "Uh-oh, this is some hairy shit. Yeah, I get yeah. this is an escape. Yeah, I, I think don't I make. might be almost dying here. I got to do so, something." Yeah, he he dips back in time. We got we got you know Black Racer still chasing him through boom tubes. Uh, it's almost like an to... out of body experience because like time stops for him while he's on this rocket while he has this whole like escape death and he's going through, going through boom, boom tubes, tubes and like stuff. from time and shit like that. Boy, at one you point know, he's, goes... he's still strapped to that rocket though in real time. And he goes well, he goes into the Great Disaster, which I thought was great. I thought it's that was OPAC. cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, you have all that. In the meantime, he and, does grab one of the skis from the Black Racer, and he's going with that, which I thought was really like cool. Like Reggie was saying, though, like the whole idea that like the, everything we're dealing here as, you know, Mr. Miracle is trying to beat death, cheat death and all this stuff, is that we do get a great exposition, like the narrative. Like, you know, Shiloh Norman has no idea who this character is, and while no. we do all this, the mother box is telling us and him who he is. Yeah. So the, the exposition is done really well. And I really like the point. Shiloh learning, we're learning. What I love, learn. yeah, and what I thought was great at the very beginning when, when Shiloh's like, hey, well, who's this guy? Oh, it's the Black Racer, you know, the Herald of Death. Well, does that oh. mean I'm going to die? And he's like, has he ever shown up at any of your other tricks? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. no, he hasn't. Like, this uh, is I the think... one. This is the one yeah. that you don't make. Yeah, uh, yeah. But eventually he boom tubes around and eventually boom tubes so that he shows up at the same time that he's yeah. trying to escape from this missile. He's gone back in time or whatever. So there's two of them at once. And he does see himself in the beginning and wonders yeah. why. And through that, he can see the rocket is sabotaged yeah, and save, fix it and save himself, thereby eliminating the need for the black for race. The black oh, race. you know what? Yeah. Okay, I didn't get that idea. for. Okay, yeah. when I was reading it, I really thought that time had stopped and this was a whole different thing. I, I never no, really yeah, took yeah, that whole no. time he, travel aspect so into account. He's so fucked up with yeah, time that, travel that and even things makes, like that. Yeah. That even makes it better in my mind from what I originally thought because, you know, the whole like thing that he goes – his presence even makes – like uh, Mr. Miracle avert his reason for the presence being there in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So that was, is why he's not needed anymore when he realizes. But then that's the wraparound that you realize that he was being fucked with, that the you know, yeah. Donald Trump didn't want to give out no uh, you know, money uh, and Travis stuff like Donald. that. Oh, Travis, Travis Donald, you say? My bad. Uh, but yeah, even there you have like the promoter and he's like, you know what, I, I kind of rigged that. Uh, people, you know, pe- the kids aren't going to get the money and a guy's going to die. So he kind of turns himself in and all this sort of deal. Uh, but yeah, I like it. And like you said, the whole thing is the Black Racer went against his directive. He's supposed to have gotten him, but it ends but up wrapping really, around. You know, like, yeah. like exactly. That's like in a way, thing, yeah. he sort of didn't. So he it, sort of did. Found yes. a loophole. He got off. And then the last line, the last thing that Shiloh Norman says when you spend as much time with death as I have, you become friends. Yeah. And you see, like, basically, uh, Black Racer helped the brother out. And they, you yeah, know what I mean? He That's did. kind of fun. Uh, and he's a really he's a, really he's like a brother who skis. You don't see that often. You see you know that, and I'm like, that's what I like <laughs> seeing. But the other thing that gets me is, 
you have this story where it basically it's about both Shiloh and the the Black Racer, but you are throwing in that whole thing of Mr. Miracle cheating death, which is kind of what Tom King's oh, trying yeah. to get at with his. And I have to give you know full kudos to this as not even a full out issue. You know it is because this is actually one of the better stories we've gotten in these, and it's the one that they allow the whole story. I think that they read this and said, you know what. This is fucking awesome. Keep going and give us a full story where we don't have a backup. But in 27 or so pages, he, he's giving us a full-out story of yeah. Mr. Miracle having to cheat death. And I think he did a great job. I and really, also, really like this. Is, this is one you could come into fairly cold. Yeah, I, I did. You, you need yeah, to know I a little too. bit. Well, I mean, you had the background of some yeah. Kirby stuff, and that helps. Uh, but here we actually got like a full bio of, of both characters. So yeah. I like. Well, I'm telling you, I, I really went in this just knowing who the Black Racer was, not this iteration of him, and I had no idea who Shiloh Norman really was until this whole thing. So I really went into this cold, besides for knowing the names Mister Miracle and Black Racer. Yeah, yeah, I I and, came in completely cold, and also I'll give them full credit again. Is that this is the one that I was reading any of the titles for any of these? I, yeah. I think me and Eric both were making fun oh, we, of this immediately. We both scoffed at it. Oh, me yeah. too. I, I was like, really? They gave a whole issue to the fucking Black Racer. Yeah, you and know, also, which, like it's I say, like, it was always like the old, like the Silver Surfer knockoff that never yeah, quite seriously. took off for and, me. And, but... and even then, you have this, you know, the Black Racer and Shiloh Norman. And I'm like, what? And I'm looking up, I'm like, he's Mr. Mirror? What the fuck are they talking about? Yeah. Like, if it's, not, if it's not Scott Free, it ain't for me, is what That's I was right. saying earlier. But really, but no, I was, was pretty da- badass. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I really, really liked it. I mean, and just hearing the glee in Eric Shea's voice, holy moly. Who wow. would have thought it? Who would have thunk it? And but you yeah. know what I like way more than anything else here is that, you know, Shiloh Norman beating the freaking Black Racer, not Fastback beating the Black Racer, where do we get yeah. into in the goddamn backup story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But oh. yeah, then you go, and like we said, you go right from here to the Jack Kirby stories. Instead of having the silly four-issue backups or whatever, you go right into the Jack Kirby stuff. And The, the first I one, which is actually the Black Racer story. So yeah, it's like, all yeah. right, that's cool. You know, get yeah. a little, like, actually how we used to do it. But, yeah, Reggie, you're going to have to tell uh, us about these. You can give us a brief synopsis. Oh, this is, this is more Young Guys of Supertown. These were also, again, I think, in Forever People. Forever People, yeah. Uh, yeah. More prequel stuff. It has what I think is... I don't think this is the first. Oh, maybe this is the first Black Racer story. It's definitely early because no one seems to know who he is. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. it's a, these are prequel stories, but uh, you know they are some great Jack Kirby uh, goodness. I will say one thing, and this one seems worse than the others, but maybe they're all bad. Like the way that they retouch some of these, it just is not yeah. doing Jack Kirby's artwork any favors. It does not in digitally. Uh, maybe the colors were not supposed to be this bold. I don't know what it is, but it suffers Something a little bit you. from the retouching, but it's it's still you know, it's there. And, and after the full story that we got from the first part, this is the first book I can say this might be worth five bucks. Yeah, I, I'd say uh, it's definitely it worth four bucks. Well, you know I think I mean? that like, just because you get that full out first story, a full story, it's yeah. a full story. I mean, and it is a what they would have called even with it's not just twenty pages of a normal. No, it's a it's actually story. yes, it's a longer story. Which yeah, I could go you know that price, and I I really enjoyed it. I thought the art fit the story great, and I want to see more of it, which we won't. So it, it's kind of upsetting, but yeah, I, I wish that there was more coming, and I thought the art and the story were really good what did you give it reggie 
Uh, again, my favorite one. If it had been if it had been three ninety nine, four bucks, yeah. I probably would have went uh, another half point higher. But as it is, I had to pull back. Still gave an eight out of ten. I really liked it. Yeah, uh, I'm giving an eight out of ten as well. I, I really liked it. And in with the comics as they are, and having us talk about them all the time of being a bit disappointing and whatnot, and even these Jack Kirby things that are not for me, and especially not yeah. for Eric reading this. I didn't even think anything of, uh, what the fuck, Jack Kirby, not, you know, nonsense and all this and stuff like that. Like, even when we had the Patreon exclusive, when we were talking about the Dark Side, you, you can't get away from thinking about that whole thing with Dark Side. You know, yeah, there's yeah. the biggest character. So you can't get away with, like, oh, man, this is a cool story. Like, when we were talking about it, if you, you aren't on our Patreon, Eric was talking about how he wanted more of Dark Side. He wanted this. Like, this is perfect because I expected nothing from it. Yeah, I, I just no came in cold. Thinking that it and really thinking that it was going to be a bunch of nonsense, yeah. and I, I'm telling, I sat well. down even after hearing your score, Reggie, and you telling me about it. I even thought like, oh, this is going to be something that you know I'm going to have to get on and listen to Reggie go on and on about how good this piece of shit is. I actually was going to message you <laughs> and say, you know what, this is the best one of these issues by far to me. So yeah. what would you give it there? I'm telling you, this is one thing I wanted to talk about, too, with this whole thing is that, you know, with the backups and shit like that, with all about Fastback, because we got yeah. two Fastback freaking backups. And the second one, you see a bunch of different of these freaking new Genesis characters. I'm like, I've been wanting to say this for a while. That I have no idea how this is something like the whole Jack Kirby stuff I can't get behind because you look at the new Genesis characters and you see the prototypes of the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the entire freaking thing. And like, but they just look so ridiculous in all of their outfits. I'm looking at this fucking pirate-looking motherfucker. A fastback alone looks like a goddamn clown. But they are so freaking done up to be masters of the universe characters. I I have no idea why I can't gravitate towards this the way yeah. I do that series. But uh, yeah, I really did like that Black Racer and uh, Shiloh Norman. I really enjoyed the art going with that. But like, the backups mean nothing to me. But would, so would just I, for that story, would huh? it What's change that? before you say it? Would it change anything to know that the writer? Who who wrote this comic appears to be the same guy who wrote House Party, Eric. Would that change no. your mind? It is. It says I'm looking it up because For I real? Wanted, holy cow. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> I I I just wanted to look to see what what this guy does. I'm telling you, I I need I want them to have more of him going. I really do. Would it also get you that he is also a writer on the upcoming Critters TV series, Eric Shea? Are, are you just fucking lying to me right no, now? No. Because I have not. a boner going on. House Party, House Party 2. He did House Party 3. He also did uh, uh, the Blank Black Panther miniseries in 2010. I, I don't have a bunch of stuff. And also the Bernie Mac show, the Boondocks. He was I executive producer. I, I'm telling you, this guy, I love him. And I just all I wanted to do was look because I really want to see more from him. I was that impressed with with this issue, and I would love to have him be on another book. And maybe that's it's weird to just have him thrown in here like that. That maybe he he will be on something soon. Hopefully. I hope that's the case because I really did. Now, like now it. But tell me more what about is this Critters TV show. What I don't, we're gonna have to look into that afterwards. Right, but man. now that I told right, you that, out. what now is that, your now score? That you told, now that you told me that, I'm gonna rate this book on Black Racer and Shiloh Norman alone. And he even though uh, Black House looks fucking House stupid party. shit. 
No, no, no. This is this is going to help yes. the score, Jim. Because I'm, okay. I'm only going to score this on the first story and none of the yeah, backup. That's what I've been doing. I, I've actually been doing that throughout. So, but go on. I would give it a freaking uh, a, probably an eight out of ten as well yeah. if there was just Whoa. about this because I really did enjoy the story. I, and I liked even though it a I lot. don't like the Black Racer, it's a stupid fucking character. He looks ridiculous. But this I found myself good. really liking his origin. Yeah, and yeah. his origin and also just the decisions he had to make oh, yeah. and the way it wrapped around it was very clever, the way it ended up, like Reggie but said, you being that he didn't even need it. I'm down to a 5.8 out of yeah, 10. Yeah, well, you don't like those. But really, if, if you're buying this, you do get enough to get this one story. Some of the others you didn't get as much, you know, juice. Uh, but yeah. this is, you know, and that those backups are just thrown in there. If you Fucking hate me, him so but, much. Uh, <laughs> that is that. But we're going to go off now to some more mail. If you would read my mail, Jim, want to tell my words would tell. But if they tried to read it, we'd hear an epic fail. But when you reach the part where opinions come, the hero will be Jim. Thank you, Dancing Mike. That's my favorite. Such a nice song. That's my favorite song. You a Gordon Lightfoot fan? Uh, Did you ever Uh, fashion yourself a fanboy of one Gordon Lightfoot? Has anybody ever fashioned themselves a fanboy of Gordon Lightfoot? Everybody in Canada. You cannot Uh, be a Canadian without loving Gordon Lightfoot. And if you do, they'll deport your ass. They'll get oh, kick shit. you the hell out. I'm telling you. All those Canadians are like, please take Justin Bieber. You know, take him away from us. You, God damn it. If you go for Gordon Lightfoot, they'll fucking cut your hands off. You don't get near that guy. That guy's a national treasure. That and Tim Hortons. Okay, I'm sorry. Tim Bits. You, you don't fuck with either one of those, Eric. I had Tim Bits. They were good. Yes, they are just munchkins that you would get at Dunkin' Donuts, okay. but they're called Tim Bits. And God damn you, Tim Hortons is good, Eric. It's good stuff. Mail section number four, my friend. <sighs> Fuck you. <laughs> Mail section number four. Get on with the dipshit. <laughs> <sighs> Enough of your music talk, you fucking asshole. Oh, yes. It's mail section number four, Eric. The, the, happiest, the happiest of all mail sections, I like to say each and every week. Oh, yeah, That's definitely. what I say every time, right? You think so because it's almost done. Uh, mail section I got to get back four. to my stick. Come on. This is Batman Beyond, Mark. I know what you mean. You don't mean anything to do with television right there. I know what you're saying. Wink, Good. wink, Eric. Back to your stick. This is Mark, and Mark says, Sup, Jim and Eric. So after having to uh, reread Future's End for the timeline segment, which we will have after this. We'll talk about that in a minute. I realized it's actually pretty good. Crazy. Huh? I (sighs) remember. Fuck off. (laughs) I remember liking it when it was coming out. But the ending really soured my feelings towards it. But time has passed, and revisiting it turned out to be a rather pleasant experience. It was having to reread the Cuvier stuff that made me want to bash my head against a wall. He does not like Cuvier. Cuvier to him. It was a bullshit part. Like, Tufton's hanging out with him. Like, I don't know what you're doing here, Dan Jurgens, and he never explained it. 
Mark is to Cuvier as Eric Shea is to what? Jack Kirby? Asians. Back to my point. Futures End as a standalone story, not thinking about the one-shots or the stuff that came after, does a really good job of telling a time travel story. The characters don't know what type of time travel they are dealing with, and this uncertainty informs a lot of their actions. Uh, There are also valid arguments for several different types of time travel, and all are completely valid with the information they give you. Not if you ask me. That's what Eric Shea said. I remember Eric Shea having some problems. It's a draw-your-own-conclusion thing that doesn't feel cheap and rushed. The thing I find most interesting, though, is that as a standalone story, it makes most sense as a perfect time loop. The only wrinkle in it is that there is a flash-eye Borg at the end since he is annihilated in issue zero, and that Amethyst is with the resistance group, even though she also died in issue zero. I love that issue zero, I'll tell you that. But even that could be explained as that is her daughter. In the end, I was surprised with how much I enjoyed the story, and come next free comic book day or comic books are on sale holiday, I will actually pick up the trades. Easily I'm the saying, best weekly book. How did book. Brother I send Tim Drake into the future five years from now? Tim how did they have time tra- travel capabilities you, to send him to the future? Are you talking to me? Because I don't know. What do I look like? A goddamn fucking Eric Sheapedia? How the hell do I know, Eric? God damn you. How dare you ask me such a question? Where do you get off, you <laughs> piece of shit? You got a lot of nerve asking me that, Shay. Easily the best weekly book DC has done since 52. Oh, and Eric, the only real glare, real glaring point. Uh, the hope. Oh my God, let me start. Here again. we go. Oh, and Eric, the only real, real glaring plot hole is. And oh, okay, I get it. the hole was spelled a little wonky. Is Lana Lang from Earth Two Bug Powers thing? It's a surprisingly airtight story, he says. So he's saying that. And that Lana Lang thing was just pointing out, there, you know, those crazy Yeah, it was just Earth 2 character where she had some powers. Fine. I was fine with it. It didn't yeah, really matter because it's not the that. Lana Lang of Earth 1. I don't, uh, I don't know, even The Earth remember. Prime Zero, whatever I you want to call it. I barely remember Earth. Future's End anymore. I know that I – that was when a lot of that – uh, we kind of maybe in the middle of it decided that we were both going to read each other's books. So I kind of came in cold. And I, I and you just had World's End there too. Yeah, I, I went with and that. World's and World's End one, plays right into that for the whole yeah. thing where they're trying and to cross actually, to another universe to get it, away yeah. from freaking, you know, the destruction of their world and Batman Beyond prevents that. Yeah, as I was reading it, or reading this email even, I, I think I was even pushing some of the, the Earth 2 stuff and the World's End stuff. So I don't know. Maybe we'll have to at some point revisit that story. Eric, I know you will never read it again in your life. I know no. you won't. There's really not a lot of reasons for you to do so. But there was a reason for Mark to do it because now since it is annuals week and we have, you know, we don't have a lot of books, we actually have a section uh, next that is no it, – it'll probably be the best section in the thing because no Jim and Eric. We're, yeah. We are out. We're not doing it. We also I also told Reggie and Chris not to bother with a young animals thing. And I, I say that it makes it sound horrible. Uh, they're doing their uh, infinite crisis deal. Crisis and, on uh, infinite or crisis, crisis on infinite earth. And it's it's bogging Reggie down a lot. He sends me messages all the time that it's just tons of work. So I said, you know what? You're doing that. Don't. You don't have to do stuff because I always think when they do stuff, when there is no young animal book, that they're really, you know, trying to appease us. So I said, you don't have to do that. No. You know, we'll just have a smaller podcast. Uh, but Mark has been wanting to do a little segment 
on the timeline of the Batman Beyond book. That's why he went back and read these Futures End to see how it works and try to explain it to some people. Because all that series was to that Batman Beyond and it, it made me laugh because not that many people read Batman Beyond, but people have asked him, like, how is this timeline and how does it work? So he went back to try to figure it out. He wanted me to do it with him, but I'm telling you, I would have been more of a hindrance than a help anyway. <laughs> uh, so he did it. He sent that in. In the meantime, we're also going to go first to Josh with his Vermillion's Vision segment, and then you'll get back. Batman Beyond Mark, and then me and Eric will be back to finish up the podcast. Hello, welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to another installment of Vermillion's Visions. Vermillionaire here, bringing you guys this week another trade from someone, you know, not big too. This week it's going to be yet another image book. Um, This week I'm bringing you guys Cry Havoc Volume 1 from Image Comics. It's the first six issues of the series, and actually... As of right now, the only six issues that have been out, uh, written by Simon Spurrier and art by Ryan Kelly. Um, so I'm just going to pretty much jump right into it today. Uh, so our story here centers around Lou. Lou doesn't really have a job. She kind of just plays her violin on the streets uh, and lives with her zoo- zookeeper girlfriend in London. Uh, and Lou's story is told in three different sections throughout the book. Um, and they're all kind of going on simultaneously here. Panels with blue borders around them are the beginning, panels with yellow borders around them are the middle, and panels with the red borders around them are at the end of the story. Um, So the first page actually starts at the end, it's got those red panels and it's kind of later on in Lou's life, and I say later on, but I think this story only takes place over the course of of a couple weeks, but really uh, the end, quote unquote, is with Lou locked up in a cage and there's a voice talking to her about how she's, you know, she's saying, you've been looking at those bars for a while now. And then the, the voice asks Lou, um, have you figured out whether or not you're inside the cage or out? And then turn the page and it's the beginning with the blue panels with her looking at a hyena inside of a cage at the zoo. So, you know, she's standing outside. Uh, it's a little cheesy, but it's a pretty cool transition to go back in time, I thought. Um, kind of cliche to do it that way, but I... I you know, I, I thought it was kind of a cool transition. Uh, so in the beginning, it shows Lou talking to her lady friend about how hyenas, uh, basically about hyenas and stuff. It's kind of random. Um, it's kind of just introducing the character of Lou at this point. Um, so there isn't a whole lot of big plot stuff that happens here. Uh, just kind of, you know, setting the scene a little bit. Uh, but keep going, and we get our first glimpse of the middle section. Um, and the middle starts off with Lou riding in an army helicopter in the Middle East uh, with some soldiers and some other quote-unquote private security contractors. Uh, but we learn that these private security contractors, they're all in Lou's group. Um, they're, they're basically all different, meaning that they have different abilities. Uh, for instance, the one named uh, Tengu or Tingu uh, can create a giant blue eagle uh, that's like an extension of himself that flies behind the helicopter and you know has really great vision. It helps him see really far away, um, and that, that's how they're that's how they know where to go. It's he's telling them, you know, we need to go this way because he can see so far ahead. 
Uh, the other ones do different things, but Tangu's power is the only one that you see here. Uh, so moving back to the beginning part of the story, Lou is playing her violin along the street um, in London outside of a courthouse when somebody, you know, comes up, throws a coin at her, and it goes into back into this alley. So Lou, she goes to pick it up in this alley, obviously, because that's what she's doing. She's playing for money. Uh, she wants this money. Uh, when she goes, when she bends over to pick it up, she stands up, turns around, and there's a big black and blue wolf jumping at her. Uh, it bites her in the neck, and it's just kind of mauling the shit out of Lou. Um, but then she she wakes up, and she's you know laying outside the courthouse, completely fine. You know, there's not a scratch on her. She's not laying in the alley. She's laying like with her violin where where she was playing before. Uh, so Lou is actually telling the other different people on this helicopter um, that story of, you know, when she was attacked by this, by this, by this hell, hell wolf, basically. Um, but then they arrive at their destination. Uh, so they come up on this U.S. military torture chamber, basically. Uh, and they show Lou a picture of their target. It's a woman that can turn into a werewolf named Lynn O'Dell. Uh, so when Lou was attacked by that wolf in the alley, she gained the ability to turn into this big blue werewolf, or at least stay human and use some of its abilities. Um, so they have her smell a piece of clothing so that they can track Lynn down. Uh, now I say that she gained the ability to turn into this werewolf. You don't actually see that play out in, in this first issue, but you do get quite a bit of her turning into the werewolf uh, in the later issues, just not quite yet. Uh, but moving back to the beginning once again, Lynn is, or Lou is shown playing with her band at a concert at a local bar. Uh, but while she's playing, the beast kind of like kind of takes her over, uh, and she goes crazy while playing the violin. And not crazy as in bad crazy, but crazy as in you know not playing the songs that you know that her band has said that they're gonna play. And she's just kind of going off on solos. Uh, that are really amazing and they sound great, but the band is kind of pissed off. Like, what are you doing out here showing up, showing off? And they end up kicking her out of the band. Uh, so in the bathroom, uh, you know, Lou's very upset. She's crying, but then she looks into the mirror and she sees this giant blue werewolf that she be that she can become looming behind her. Uh, and this is kind of the first first image we get of this giant blue werewolf, and it's 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 really good looking. I mean, it's uh. It's it's pretty creepy. It's it's very you know hulking and kind of kind of definitely looks like it it could tear some people up. But that's kind of the first image we get of it, which I, I really liked. I liked that it was blue. It, it kind of gave it like an like an ethereal feel to it. I, I don't know something about it that I just really liked. Uh, but turn to the last page of the first issue, and it's back to the end timeline uh, with Lou in the cage. Uh, the voice is talking to her, uh, the voice that is talking to her from the first page turns out to be Lynn O'Dell, the person Lou and the military were hunting down. So somewhere along the way, Lou gets captured, uh, but you don't learn that in the first issue because that is the end of the first issue. Um, and the rest of the book, pretty much uh, the story follows Lou on her path, you know, from this girl playing violin on the street. Uh, to member of a private group of monster people that hunt down other monster people to eventually Lynn Odell's prisoner. Uh, there's some cool twists and turns along the way. Um, there's some double and triple crosses. But in the end, it's not really a book about werewolves. Um, the rest of the book does give us some pretty damn cool monsters. The whole basis is there are these people from around the world 
that can turn into or harness the powers of these different monsters from from history but it's not just like american history like you know werewolves and uh vampires and things like that uh but different cultures um so it's it's really cool to see how some of these different monsters manifest and at the end see a couple big panels of groups of these monsters standing together um it really shows you how much research that Simon Spurrier clearly did for this book i mean just going into the different you know different cultures around the world fi- finding their their monsters that have come up in their stories and incorporating those into this book i thought was really cool um but the book and the dialogue and everything thrown at the reader about belief is all is all really dense but it does get away from just being a horror book about a werewolf that kills people which which i like there are a ton of a ton of really cool concepts and while it might be a bit tougher of a read than a lot of books i th- i do think it's worth it um the multiple time jumps are done really well showing how each section of the timelines connect together without being you know without being overly convoluted and confusing and the art the art is really good as well ryan kelly is great at drawing these different beasts but then he's also great at the at the little stuff you know the showing emotion on the faces of the characters things like that he, his pencils are really good in this book and there are three different colorists in it uh one for each time frame you know there's a different colorist from the beginning the middle and the end um and the changes are subtle enough to not be you know jarring like oh my god what am i looking at i think i just opened up a different a different comic but they are obvious enough to notice that that it's a different time period without even paying attention to the color of the borders uh, which is something that i adjusted to as i went through the trade you know at first i was looking at the color of the borders to see you know where we were at obviously you know the stories give away where you're at in the story also uh, like what's going on in the in the pages but just at first glance by the end of the trade you could tell just by based on how it was colored you know where it was at which is something that i really liked um so i've seen this book listed on a couple different you know best of lists and i think it i think it won an eisner and while i definitely like the concept and the different beasts i can't say it was my favorite book of all time um it is really dense and takes a while to get through there are a lot of monologues about belief and the nature of human wondering and human fears and things that that end up seeming a little bit confusing and, uh, and a little bit soapboxy at some points i definitely like this book more the second time i read it than the first but i can't say that it was fantastic the second time either it was pretty solid and i you know, I came into this thinking, you know, I had a 6.5 out of 10 in my head, uh, but I think talking about it, I like it a little bit more than that. Like I said, the way the story's told with the different time frames, I really liked, and the art is really, really good. So I think I'm actually going to bump that up to about a 7 out of 10. Uh, the ending set up some really cool possibilities moving forward if Simon Spurrier ever wants to revisit the series. I read a little bit of an interview with him where he said, you know, he has a ton of different ideas floating around in his mind of where he could take Lou and this universe. So I'd like I'd like to see another volume of the book and see where he takes it from here. But on its own, I can't say this is a book that I would recommend to everyone. Um, if this kind of dense story about belief in human nature and the world not being ready for change is kind of your thing, um, then this book is definitely something you'll probably enjoy uh, because there's all of that stuff, but it's wrapped up in a really cool overall story. 
Uh, but if you're looking for a fun story about werewolves and other monsters, you can kind of you can probably pass on this one. There are monsters, obviously, like I said, uh, but they're really not shown on page too often, um, and it's more about the human aspects than just monsters fighting. Which so if that's what you're looking for, you know, just a fun, easy monster story, I w- I would probably skip this one, but. Um, if you do like that kind of story of what I've been describing, uh, definitely check this one out because it is really good the way it's told. Um, it's just not a book that I think would be for everyone. Uh, but that pretty much wraps us up uh, for this week. Next week, just to give you guys a little preview, I'll be bringing you guys uh, the first trade of God Country um, from Donny Cates, Jeff Shaw. Um, so that's I'm looking forward to, to diving into that book. I, from what I've read, I've only read the first issue so far, but I really like it. So I'm I'm looking forward to get to bringing that one to you guys next week. But yeah, that pretty much. Uh, brings us to the end here, so I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, wish everybody a, a happy, fun, good week. Um, but that brings us to the end, so I'm going to send it on back to Jim and Eric. Little old lady got mutilated late last night. Werewolves of London again. Werewolves of London. Sup, Weird Science. This is Batman Beyond Mark, and today I'm going to be talking to you guys about the Batman Beyond timeline in the main continuity. So we're going to be talking about stuff from Future's End all the way through the current run of Batman Beyond. I will be summarizing 77 comics. Part of what we'll be talking about, at least at the end to recap, the different timeline theory stuff that I've I've talked about in the past, kind of breaking them into categories like possible timelines, probable timelines, practical, and then what the creators intended. But we'll get to that at the end. Our story begins in what I'm calling the Brother I Wins timeline. It is a timeline where effectively he's won. There's very few heroes. In fact, most of the surviving heroes we see die in this first Zero issue. In the end, Terry McGinnis is sent back in time because Bruce is mortally wounded with the intention of stopping Brother I from being able to take over. However, Terry arrives seven years too late in what is five years from now so i guess what is like two or three years from now whatever he arrives in the past and he and his suits ai the alfred ai realize that they're in the right place but the wrong time he also arrives with a plastique iborg and manages to disable it from there he goes and he attempts to infiltrate terrific tech t-tech in order to find out kind of more information on Brother Eye and where his whereabouts specifically are in this era. Unfortunately, he's unsuccessful and has to flee, ends up hiding as a a hobo. Eventually, Mr. Terrific and his security team put together that this hobo's body matches the body of that Batman who broke in, and they make effort to find him. They find him as he's overhearing Plastic, Key, and Coil talk about breaking into Terrific Tech. It's at this point that Mr. Terrific confronts Terry while he's listening in on the three and forces him to flee, revealing the Iborg that he'd been carrying around in a shopping cart. Plastique sees this, and it quite displeases her. It's at about this time that we find out that Tim Drake, under the alias Kill Corcoran, owns a bar called The Wounded Duck. Later that night, Plastique 
Coil and Key are at that bar. Terry finds them and talks to them, proposing that they team up to break into Terrific Tech. Tim, based upon some of Terry's actions, realizes that he's been trained by Batman, and Terry realizes it's a good idea to leave, since Batman had said, don't find me in the era that you go to, or anybody else from the family, because they will try to stop you. The group of four end up breaking into Terrific Tech. Well, Key and Coil are stealing some of uh, Mr. Terrific's latest inventions. Plastique sneaks off to find her Ibor version of herself, and Terry goes and downloads a ton of data from Mr. Terrific's computers. It's then that Terry betrays Key and Coil to security, but takes pity on Plastique after she is distraught by seeing her eyeborg self and decides to save her. A bunch of stuff happens on Cadmus Island where Brother Eye has essentially taken over, and there is an army that is assembled to take back the island. In the future, where uh, Terry came from, the Brother Eye wins timeline, we see that Joker is still alive and he's brought to an operating room where Bruce Wayne, missing an arm from the damage he received back in issue zero, is strapped to a table. And they are turned into the Bruce Joker Iborg assassin hybrid thing. Terry decides to tell Plastique pretty much everything, and from there they decide that they should recruit Tim Drake since he doesn't exist in the future. At that point, Terry ends up sneaking into Tim's loft, but he's ambushed by Batman, who, who wants to know what Tim has to do with all of this. Plastique ends up blowing up the loft. Terry and Batman's fight escalates, and they end up outside. Terry is able to uh, escape from Batman with Plastique. Another thing that's happened, kind of off to the side, Madison, who is Tim Drake's girlfriend, or I guess ex-girlfriend, uh, is kidnapped, and she ends up being turned into half of the new Firestorm, uh, with Roddy Raven actually being killed and uh, Rush being the other part of it. Plastique is kind of confused over why Terry is running from Batman, pointing out that this is kind of like the exact situation that, yeah, Let's tell Batman and get his help. Uh, but he points out that future Batman said, whatever you do, don't tell me about this. And it's a terrible decision. So they decide to respect uh, future Batman's wishes. Cadmus Island uh, is assaulted and destroyed by the secret army that was assembled to do that. However, Terry and the Alfred AI are unconvinced that Brother Eye is gone forever. He is, in fact, piggybacked on Lois Lane's cell phone, and when she plugs her cell phone in back in Metropolis into its charger, Brother Eye uses the electrical system to move through New York and ends up finding the Plastique Iborg. Bruce attempts to hack the Alfred AI, and the Alfred AI shuts down to prevent being hacked. This leaves Terry completely alone. The Bruce Joker Iborg is finally sent back in time to go after Terry, and one of the first things it does is run into Plastique. Terry and Batman start fighting the Bruce Joker Iborg. Batman is incapacitated while Terry and Plastique flee. The Bruce part of the Iborg tries to get the Joker part to kill Batman, but the Joker refuses, saying even he's not crazy enough to cause a time paradox. Terry ends up meeting up with Tim, but they are promptly attacked by the Bat-Joker, Iborg. Batman shows up, and Terry finally gives in and tells Batman that he needs to go to T-Tech ASAP, while Terry goes and holds off the Iborg, instructing Plastique to fill him and Tim in on everything, which she does. And then promptly, Brainy, the god Brainiac thing from Convergence attacks New York as Bruce, Tim, and Plastique reach Terrific Tech. They find everybody in the lobby is dead. Batman sneaks off to confront Mr. Terrific. Terry manages to damage and lose the Bruce Joker Iborg in the Brainiac attack. Brother Eye starts taking control of other parts of New York, much to Terry's horror, and he blames himself. Tim and Plastique run into Key and Coyle, who seem to be the only other people in the building alive besides them, Batman, and Mr. Terrific. They are attacked by the Plastique Iborg, but are saved by Terry. 
Plastique is able to destroy the Iborg since it detects her and doesn't want to cause a time paradox. Bruce lets Brother Eye into the T-Tech systems in an attempt to defeat the giant Brainiac. Uh, and to its credit, it works. However, uh, Brother Eye uses the T-Tech systems to infect all the dead in the building and turn them into zombie-like Iborgs. They're not quite the bug-ish versions that you see in the Brother I Wins timeline, but there's metal bits. Terry confronts Batman while Mr. Terrific and Ray Palmer start working on making the time band functional again so that they can actually try to do the plan. He's killed and turned into a zombie Iborg, and Coil goes to try to hold off some of the others, sacrificing himself. The Bruce Joker Iborg catches up with Terry, and he's finally able to destroy it, but he is mortally wounded. He gives his suit to Tim, and the Brother Eye wins. Timeline Terry dies in Plastique's arms. All of the survivors meet on the roof while the time ban is charged. Firestorm Addison and Tim meet and talk. Tim time jumps to the Brother Eye satellite to just before the distress call would be put out to the Earth 2 survivors, which bring which brought them to their Earth, which set a lot of this in motion with the war with Apocalypse and all the superheroes who were killed and all that stuff. Tim convinces the Brother Eye satellite to not send the signal and to instead self-destruct. It hacks Tim's time band and sends him to the future, specifically to the year Terry was from. Not the timeline, however. In this new timeline, the uh, current story's timeline, he finds Mr. Terrific in his loft in a Brother Eye-controlled future, kind of like what we've seen before. Brother Eye confronts Tim, and before he can overwhelm him, Ray Palmer shows up along with a resistance team, including an unscathed Amethyst, who is a character who has been running through another part of the story who very much had her face scarred and, and Issue Zero was killed. They grab Tim and Mr. Terrific and they make their escape. It's revealed that one of the resistance fighters is Madison, uh, who remembers Tim and explains that in the end they failed. And that is the end of the uh, future's end part of this. Now we get to Batman Beyond uh, Volume 6. Tim helps a resistance team fight off a giant Iborg. Uh, one of the resistance fighters turns out to be Matt McGinnis, who thinks that his brothers finally come back. And when he finds out that his brother's dead, he does not take it very well. Matt is with a woman named Nora, who looks a lot like Max Gibson, a friend of Terry McGinnis, who has been taking care of Matt since the outbreak of the Brother Eye War. Matt was on a field trip at the time, and she worked at the place that the field trip was at. Tim is informed that Neo-Gotham is a thing and that there's a veil protecting it from Brother Eye. Back in the city, they get a tip that Max Gibson, one of Terry's friends, might be at a Brother Eye prison camp, so Tim goes to save her. He runs into the Superman uh, Iborg on the way and is forced to short out his suit temporarily to disable and escape him. He makes his way to the camp and ends up finding Max and Barbara Gordon. Uh, Max is taken in information is extracted from her since she was a close associate of Terry. Tim and Barbara are attacked by Ink when they try to escape. Tim and Barbara end up being captured. Tim is hooked up to a machine and there's information extracted from his brain. Barbara points out that uh, there no one has actually seen a Barda or Warhawk Iborg. Tim manages to escape and brings Max and Barbara with him. Max is rushed to a hospital and Matt and Nora meet Tim and Barbara there. The Alfred AI realizes it's been infected by Brother Eye and that it is now uh, being used to take down the veil which was protecting Neo-Gotham. Uh, in the end, the Alfred AI ends up shutting itself down and self-terminating so that it can't be used against uh, Tim any further. Uh, when the veil falls, Brother Eye attacks in full force. Tim and Micron, who is the last surviving member of the League, start fighting off the Iborgs. 
though the bat suit is eventually heavily damaged. Barbara shows up with the Batmobile and the two of them return to Wayne Manor. In the Batcave, Tim activates and pilots the robot bat suit and also grabs the kryptonite ring. Matt, Nora, and Max are being evacuated when the Iborg John Stewart attacks them. Tim ends up saving them and Matt ends up taking John Stewart's arm that has the lantern ring. Tim holds the line in the battle using the robot bat suit and this helps inspire the police resistance and, and even some villains to help retake part of the city, specifically Shriek and Spellbinder. Micron shrinks into and then expands out destroying the Iborg Wonder Woman. Tim uses the kryptonite ring to weaken the Superman Iborg and it, the, the kryptonite absolutely affects him. It's really important that you note that it does affect him. And then Micron's able to destroy the Kryptonian because of the Kryptonite. Tim, Barbara, and Micron head back to Wayne Manor, and Tim uses a teleporter to teleport himself to the moon where Brother Eye's Central Intelligence is located. He is successful in destroying Brother Eye's Central Intelligence, essentially destroying Brother Eye, but the robot bat suit is destroyed in the process. Later on, since the war is now over, Tim rebuilds the bat suit using this timeline's bat suit's blueprints. Matt ends up sneaking out to have the Borg arm he has scanned, and there's a clue that points him towards Metropolis. Rewire comes in and assaults the guy who was scanning the arm for Matt. Matt takes the arm and leaves. Tim kind of goes on being Batman. He stops some jokers, but at the same time, Matt sneaks off for Metropolis. Tim then has a run-in with Rewire. After that, Micron tells Tim about the fall of the League at the Battle of London, where Micron witnessed both Warhawk and Barda being turned into Iborgs. The Iborgs punching right through Enthmetal and, obviously, Godflesh. Him having to shrink down to escape. Matt with the lantern ring makes his way to Metropolis. Tim finds out about Matt and chases after him. Matt is captured by a group of splicers but is saved by Tim. The lantern ring flies off and Matt chases after it while Tim fights the splicers. Matt finds Barda, Superman, Warhawk, Aquagirl, and Kairos, Green Lantern in stasis and sets them free, save for Superman. Cuvier, and the splicers capture Tim. Tim breaks free and fights the splicers again. It's revealed that Cuvier is working with Tufton, of all people. He's, he's not a splicer. Tufton is not a splicer. It's weird. An Elephant Man splicer breaks into the stasis chamber and brainwashes the League to think Batman is an Iborg, and they go to destroy him. It's at this point we get the infamous Cuvier uh, line and speech, where he says that Brother I put the League in stasis, and the Borgs everybody saw were just artificial constructs to demoralize the populace. That's a quote, by the way. Another quote is, Micron was implanted with false memories and perception implants to shield the truth. Explaining, not really, why he, you know, remembered things differently, even though it makes no sense. Get rid of all of your enemies at once. That makes sense. Not leave one around. Brother, I was even nice enough to leave his uh, Superman Iborg. You know, a weakness to kryptonite. So thoughtful of him. At the last second before the League can kill Tim, Matt yells out C3 uh, so that Tim will know to activate the suit's invisibility, clearly demonstrating that Matt is familiar with the suit. The only reference, I have, relevant reference I've ever, ever able to find for C3 is that uh, a 3 by one clear Lego brick is known as a C3 brick. It's revealed that Cuvier is controlling the League with what looks like a futuristic iPod, and he orders them to attack the city and waken Superman. Tufton betrays Cuvier, destroys the controller. Superman then captures Cuvier. Everybody makes up. Uh, it's revealed that this Superman is John Kent, Clark Kent's son. So you absolutely could have had that as another, you know, an actual Iborg Superman. Just saying. Tufton takes the splicers and leaves. Sometime later, Tim fights Rewire and loses. Rewire is shown to be working with somebody, but it's not shown who it is. Tim then reminisces about what he's lost, using Madison's name. 
who appears to not really be around in this timeline anymore. Here's a quote. Met the love of my life, Madison Payne, Firestorm, only to lose her and everyone else I knew, indicating that she's just not around anymore for whatever reason, whether she even existed in this timeline. It is revealed by Barbara that the original rewire was found dead weeks ago. The new rewire is revealed to the reader to be Terry McGinnis, uh, with the battery over his heart being controlled by Spellbinder. Matt then proceeds to tell Tim that he found out Terry was Batman minutes before Brother Eye's initial attack, and that was the last he ever saw of him. He also reveals that he, he was in a hospital at that time, not on a field trip, like had been previously established. Spellbinder, using his powers, convinces Terry that he is an old woman who helped him uh, after he collapsed from injuries during the initial Brother Eye attack. Rewire captures Barbara, but not before knocking off his helmet and revealing who he is. Tim confronts Rewire and loses, but finds out that it's Terry. Matt arrives and gets Terry to stop, while Tim beats the snot out of Spellbinder. Back at the Batcave, Tim gives Terry the Batsuit, which is no longer holographic for some reason, and decides to leave, much to Matt's sadness since the two of them had bonded. Terry becomes Batman again. Tim rides off on a motorcycle on a suspiciously not destroyed uh, two-laned American highway that has a sidewalk on the right-hand side and signage on the left-hand side, then just disappears in a flash of light. And that is the end of Batman Beyond uh, Volume 6. On to Volume 7, which is Rebirth, which starts six months later. Uh, we get Terry as Batman. It's stated that Max Gibson is now the one who took Matt in while Terry was gone and that Nora never existed. Tim's name is never mentioned again. This is where, this is the current run, this is where we get the whole storyline uh, with the, the new bat suit with finding out that on the opening of the Brother Eye attack was when Bruce Wayne was taken out and Terminal found him, took him and dressed him up to be the Joker using his fortune and then making everybody think it was the Joker uh, to gain influence over the portion of the Joker's gang. And that the actual Joker was the uh, janitor and all that stuff. And then all the stuff with the Damien. Uh, and that kind of gets you up to speed. That is that is essentially all the timelines. So at the beginning, I mentioned stuff about like possible pieces and stuff like that. So what the writers intended was for there to be three timelines. The Brother I Wins, Future's End, and then everything after it. But on a more practical note for just the easy person to think of, think of it like this. There are, I would say, five timelines if we're going to be practical about it. There's the three that are in Future's End. There's one that's Batman Beyond Volume 6, and there's one that's Batman Beyond Volume 7. The more likely one is the probable, and this accounts for a good chunk of the continuity errors, saying like every time there's a continuity error, it's a different, slightly different timeline to account for that. And if we're doing that, then the count is seven different timelines we've seen uh and the possible just gets ridiculous with all the times that we jump to the future uh in future's end and if we're really nitpicking things and that brings us up to 15 possible timelines but i guess the easy way to think about it is like four to seven timelines uh anyways i hope that answers a bunch of questions probably brought up more than i really intended to question wise but yeah that's it thank you guys for listening and back to the podcast and that's it, Eric. It's done. All right. It's all done. What Stick was a fork your... in us. We're done. Oh, goodness gracious. What was your pick of the week? What was your My book of the week? pick of the week is Red Hood and the Outlaws Annual Number 1. Same here. I even liked it more than you. So yeah, there. you just did that on purpose. Take that. I got you, didn't I? I'm no. not. I'm not negative Shay. Silly Shay, am I? Huh. No. Take that, Eric Shay.
Well, you want to hear what we're going to talk about next week? Because next week we Not don't have such little books. We'll see. What is Eric Shea going to shit on next week? That's this segment is what you it's called. You know what? Called. I'm going to say everything from what I've seen probably. Yeah. Well, you have uh, you have more books than me and Reggie combined, I believe, next week yep. to review. I'm going to be sitting pretty. We have Bane Conquest number five. Uh, that it looks to be a continuation of Catwoman versus sure Bane. We have Batman number 30, which is a uh, the second part of the Kite Man interlude. So we'll see how that progresses the story of I'm telling you, people might disagree with me. The Kite Man interlude is my favorite part of the War of Jokes and Riddles still right stunk. now. So hopefully this is... I'm telling you, I think I gave that a 6 or a 6.5, yeah. so let's see how this works out. Yeah, I think I gave it a, a 5. But uh, we good. also have Cyborg number 16, Eric. Oh. Metal versus metal. Uh, it's Cyborg versus Cyborg in this yeah. strange parallel yeah, world that's M-E-A-T-L not part of the multiverse. versus M-E-T-T-L. You think it's part of the dark multiverse, Jim? That's the problem. I, I would not allow any book to say anything like that. I think that you're racially throwing shade at Cyborg with that comment. We also no. have... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's what it seemed to me. Deathstroke number twenty-three. We're going to continue Stroke Squad. We have so much. We have Green Arrow number thirty. We're going to keep hard traveling, heroing it up. Who's wonder, Green Arrow going to meet next? Yeah. Well, Wh- remember, Green Lantern. it's Green Lantern. Then I know what, but which one. That's true. We got to see what happens with that, Eric. And then who's left? Uh, the Wonder Twins. Aquaman. I, yeah, that is true. Yeah, but he's trapped, so maybe they won't. It'll be Mara. We'll see. We'll see, Eric Shea. We have Green Lantern's number 30, Sam Humphreys, uh, continuing his story there. Now which, we're going to go off to fight Ball Thum, hopefully. Yeah, and when that happens, I'm expecting to enjoy it. I really am because uh, I T-Funk, he, new guy in the Get Fresh crew, he really <laughs> likes Green Lanterns. And I tried to tell him at one point it was on – now, this wasn't an argument or anything, but he said, can you guess which author that I like that you don't? And I was like going down. I'm like, oh, you know what? He means Sam Humphreys. I bet you because he had already explained all the ones that he hated. Right. So I'm like, is it Sam Humphreys? Like, yep, that's it. And he's like, I really enjoy the book. And I told him, I number one, I really want to enjoy the book. But he keeps the pacing of each issue to issue is just so off. Every arc seems to have at least three filler issues yeah, to get it it's done. it's just crazy. It was on for a very brief moment. was on my $25 pull list. But oh, I know. Let's see. Yeah. Next one, uh, Eric. Harley Quinn, number 27. Now, at one point, we saw coming up was going to be that Harley anniversary. That, you know, that big – doesn't seem to be coming out now. Remember well, we good. saw that? And we thought that Reggie had like that as well. It doesn't seem to be part of the deal. I even looked at the review copies. I didn't see it. So uh, Justice League number 28, continuing the story with the kids coming back. Uh, hopefully I Brian Hitch maintains it. it. Yeah, it, it's one of those. Is it just is it bad that I'm looking at it as if I'm watching a car barreling down a road and I expect it to crash and I'm just waiting for it to crash? Is that wrong of me? I just actually like these kid heroes. I want to learn more about them because 100 so Prince you, are freaking a cool. You like I'm little like, kids I, I is what you it. said. Is that what you mean? You like kids? <sighs> Holy moly, the section has turned uh, on its ear. From you, Eric. I don't know why you agreed to do this. Nightwing do number heroes. Nightwing number twenty-eight. What piece of shit thing do you have to say about that? I actually don't even remember where we left that off, so I have no idea. I'm gonna hit it. I know this is gonna throw this whole app in a deal. This is the spiral finale. Now you're oh, right, right. you. I believe that Mr. Minos is gonna be in this one, Eric. 
It's not auto nets. It, it may be. Maybe he's changing clothes, changing clothes out of nowhere. <laughs> Nobody knows what we're talking about. Nope. It, I, I get a little chuckle because my phone still tells me that Suicide Squad, The Black Files, number two is coming out. And I'm sure that if it was, you would probably think it's about something different because you are you not so a good much. person. Uh, but the final one is Superman, number 30, uh, with the uh, Sinestro and Parallax story, which we actually and forgot what it was before. I, I did remember. not like that first issue to this arc. I really like the cliffhanger. You love the cliffhanger, though, and oh, you were excited. Great. You actually that we even said on the the podcast that the cliffhanger did up our score a couple points because I got excited. Like, it's so I cool. Saw what I wanted to see. Yeah. Well, now we're going to get there. That goddamn so emotional spectrum vision. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, really. Hopefully that when we do get there properly this week we will enjoy it but yeah that's what's going on of course if you're on the patreon account uh you can and you're a badass you get to pick which of those books we will talk about as the patreon only exclusive spotlight so if and you want to get that suckers no jack kirby nonsense yeah i know and if you want to get on that you can go to patreon either you become a badass so you can actually vote and listen but you could just go on the lower level and just to listen uh and that is patreon.com slash weird science i also want to point out because of that uh while when this goes up we'll already have the second part of our detective comics new 52 review podcast that's going to be going up on sunday and if you go over to patreon and, and subscribe to patreon you can get the next one uh two weeks ahead of time yeah. and that one will be red lanterns that, we knew that 52 red... how about you yes wait listen to you and your catchphrases uh red lanterns volume one I think it's called something Blood and Rage or something like that. I, <laughs> I can't remember, now. but uh, me and Eric talk about that. It's a longer episode, too. Uh, we actually had to record it in two segments, but we're going to put them all together as one episode. So I think it's going to be over two hours, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's two and a half hours. Yeah, something like that. It's going to be a longer one, but we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it enough. So if you want to do that, also you can go over, check out the Patreon. We have a bunch of other things uh, that because it's September and starting up, we're going to have our Back Issues podcast where me and Eric are going to talk and review Spawn, Spawn number, number one, one that did end up winning. We're also going to have a Necessary Nonsense podcast with Reggie where the three of us talk about pizza. Uh, I will definitely have a bunch more of my best songs ever episodes that go up on Patreon. We'll have another one of the Jim as Issues with his kids podcast, which is a podcast that I do with my kids, obviously. And me and Brandon have something a little up our sleeve, Eric. Boom, boom. Some also, you sports do. Nuts? That's what it's going to be a sports podcast that me and uh, Brandon are going to try out. That's going to be on the Patreon as well for a little. Uh, and we, every week we have at least one spotlight up there, which, you know, last week of uh, this week actually was dark side special number one and next week we'll see what the badasses pick but we also have movie nights we have a lot of things going on so if you want to go check that out also if you go check it out there's a couple things on there that are free so you could even check out the quality of the merchandise eric you can Talking try about it on best songs ever you can try there's a bunch of those i think there's like six of those that are there for free so you can check all those out see how you like it it's unlike zach who my son zach ordered shoes from amazon and they showed up and they don't fit i, mean, and, I was yelling at jess about this i was talking i was, talking I was yelling at ordering him. like not ordering actually just buying some chuck taylor's the other day and i was telling jess about it after we got done our conversation yeah. and she's like oh you ordered me a pair too i'm like you don't buy fucking shoes no. online how do you know if they no fit i or told not? him and the problem is he said to me 
hey, if you want them, you can buy them from me. I'm, yeah, that's happening. But I said to him, well, let me see. Uh, what size are they? And he, they were 12s. And I'm like, you know what? I take 11s. And I said, nah, they're a little big. I put, they were too small. These things were not, they can't be 12s, but yet they're in a box that says 12. This and they, is why they you just cannot fit buy a shoe box. unless you try it on first. Well, I did tell him, too, that uh, when it comes to shoes, you do have, if you end up buying shoes, and Brandon, big shoe man, he'll oh, tell yeah. you. Like, he'd probably be like, hey, I'm an 11 and a half in Nikes, but I'm 11 Adidas. I'm a, you know, a 12 in fucking Chuck Taylors. A lot of times it does go like that. I've seen that throughout my life. But I told him, don't order these on the, don't order shoes online. It, no. It's just, shoes are such a comfort thing anyway. You may get a, the right size, but they may be too narrow. Or you may, you know, not like the cut of its jib or something. But, I wear yeah. a 13 wide, Jim. Come on, it's hard to find wide. those. Isn't it crazy that I wear an 11 and you have a 13? You're fucking a foot taller than me. I do have big feet, big, smelly-ass, hairy feet. I'm like a goddamn hobbit, Eric. A hobbit. Especially oh, no. because I eat like seven breakfasts. The 11th. I, I mean, yes, I, I do like that. But we're going to go off now. We're, we're ending the podcast, obviously. But if you guys didn't notice, last week we had a little extra special thing at the end. We're going to continue because Andy, Lord Andy from the land of Cleve, he <laughs> is a big Superman fan, uh, being from the home of Superman, Eric. And he is going Metropolis? to do. Yeah, he's going to do a segment. I don't know if it's each week. He said it was going to be monthly, but he's all fired up. He's like me. Why don't you start? You know what I mean? You you do one. I did that freaking best songs ever, thinking that I was going to do one a week. We've already done 10. Bobby did one. Reggie actually has one. So we have 11 in a week. I just can't stop. Yeah, you keep telling me to get a better hobby. Uh, But yeah, he's doing this, and he is going to continue that. And he liked it being at the end said it was almost like a you know a David Letterman a Conan Jay Leno Conan thing to have it come off at the end so yeah. he likes it at the end so we're gonna go off to finish the podcast but if you know I want you to stick around and listen to Andy who's gonna be talking about Adventures of Superman number five oh four from September of ninety three Eric so we're gonna stop this now though me and you what do we say at the end Eric everybody have a great week we continue to keep it weird weird you just, you just... <laughs> See you in seven. Seven. Philadelphia, and um, 
you know, I just want to say thank you to them and Weird Science and the DC crew uh, for doing all the great things that they do. Of course, uh, Chris and Reggie of the Cosmic Treadmill, uh, like I called them before, the pioneers of comic book history podcast. They are the godfathers of, uh, what did I just say? Yeah, 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 comic book history podcasting. So, you know, a quick shout out to all of them. And this week we'll be discussing The Adventures of Superman, number 504 of September 1993. And this is during the reign of the Superman. This is the Superman Revenge Squad. This is, you know, Superman coming back from the first time he died. And this is the original Superman, at least the post-crisis Man of Steel Superman that we all know and love. He's got the mullet right now. He's rocking it in an all-black suit, and he's uh, on the front cover along with Steel and the uh, Superboy in the jean jacket with the bad haircut, also known as Connor Kent later on. But um, this is a pretty killer issue, uh, especially if you listened last week to Action Comics number 450 of August uh, 1975. Um, that was pretty weak compared to what we got going on right now in the Superman uh, mecca of storylines and such and such and such. Okay, 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 okay. So, before we even get started on The Adventures of Superman number 504, I wanted to review a couple of the uh, characters that will be involved in this issue, and they are all reigning Superman, quote-unquote, because we don't know at this time if uh, Superman is truly back from the dead, or uh, one of these other people are imposters, or if this, this might be the real Superman. We don't know. But, um... Yeah, I'm going to run through uh, quickly just three of them. I'm going to read off from the DK Publishing Ultimate Guide of the Man of Steel Superman book. So don't sue me for plagiarism because I'm reading it off right now. But the Superboy with the bad haircut and the jean jacket is uh, Project Cadmus had created a clone from a mix of Kryptonian and human DNA. But the clone escaped before it was reached full maturity, dubbed Superboy by the Newsboy Legion, and gifted with powers of tactical telekinesis. He soon became a famous face across the Metropolis news media. And, of course, later we'll know him as Connor Kent, the uh, Teen Titan uh, Superboy who always had a black t-shirt on and jeans. And he got more badass as he went. He kind of started off kind of lame. I mean, he was cool to, you know, a 13-year-old like me or whatever in the 1990s, but with a leather jacket and all that. But, like, you're like, oh, wow, that, that's really stupid now. But the Connor Kent, who later took on Superboy Prime and all that crap, eh, he was pretty badass, you know. But we also got Steel, who's on the cover, and that's engineering genius John Henry Irons, formerly made weapons for the U.S. military. Superman's sacrifice in stopping Doomsday inspired Irons to become an example for others. Carrying a sledgehammer and wearing a high-tech armored suit that reminds a lot of us of Iron Man, uh, that propelled by jet boots <clears throat> and emblazoned with the S-Shield, the new Man of Steel announced his plan to carry on Superman's legacy of protecting Metropolis. If you ever get to check out the worst rated on IMDb of DC movies, Steel with Shaquille O'Neal, uh, a former Cleveland Cavalier, I might add. It's a pretty awful movie. But uh, then we also have Cyborg Superman. Many believe Cyborg Superman to be the real deal, somehow resurrected through the miracle of mechanical implants, but in truth, this grim feet figure had been a NASA astronaut, as we all know now as Hank Henshaw, until a solar radiation accident destroyed his body and left him with the power to control machines 
He was blaming Superman for his condition. Henshaw set out to ruin the Man of Steel's reputation while forging a secret alliance with Mongol, the leader of the war world. And that sounds really, really familiar. familiar. But now, without further ado, I present to you uh, Adventures of Superman number 504, Assault on Engine City. City. We got writing by Kessel, penciling by Grummet, inking by Hazelwood, Lettering by DeGuzman, coloring by Whitmore, associate editing by Petrius, and main editing by Carlin. And we all know that Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster from my own hometown, Cleveland, Cleveland. Ohio. And now we open with a uh, full-page, single-panel shot. Uh, we got Steel, Superboy, and Superman dressed all in black with his mullet. We know him as, you know, the true Superman. And uh, they're flying through the uh, what looks like a uh, twilight sky. And Superman thinks to himself, Four hours! I used to fly cross-country in under four minutes! That was when I had full power. No telling how long it will be to store enough solar energy to get back to that level. Doesn't matter. There's a madman out there. A madman who killed millions. A madman using my name. And Steel now is thinking to himself, Only other time I felt such a commanding presence was when I met Superman. The real Superman. But maybe it is him. I want it to be him. But Superman died. I wonder what that kid is thinking. Superboy's thinking to himself, Man, I could go for a pizza. Now we kind of go into a uh, half-page flashback with Superboy thinking to himself, All I've scarfed down lately were some belly buster burgers that Tana had brought with her back at the airport. Flashback, hazy little thing going on, and uh, Superboy is talking to Tana, Tana, and he's updating her. And the cyborg, he's the real bad guy. He blew up Coast City, and he built a big engine thing, and Metropolis is next, and we're going to go stop him. You got any fries? Sorry. Tina says. So you think the new guy is the real Superman? I mean, the first Superman? The guy you were cloned from? Look, Tana, we're talking end-of-the-world stuff here. And if he wants to wear the suit and fight the fight, fine by me. But if we screw up, no matter what, if he's the real thing or not, I guess we'll find out soon enough. And soon enough, they're flying uh, over a... Big mountainous landscape. I'm not sure where they're at, but uh, Superboy is saying, Almost home, fellas! And I believe the Superman is saying, Come in low. Try to stay below their sensors. If we're dealing with war world technology, they'll have a heavy artillery as a welcoming committee. And in the next panel, we have Steel asking Superman, You sure you're up for this, man? It'd take a lot less than a bursting shell to pierce your skin right now. I've seen war world, John. Before I let that hell come to Earth, I'd gladly die again. Now we can see all three of them are being monitored and are under like a targeting scope on a screen. And we zoom out and we're in the control room and we have uh, Cyborg Superman next to Mongol and they're overlooking uh, these weird, cool-looking aliens behind the keyboard. Cyborg Superman says, Can't you get a clearer image on the monitor? The haze leader. It interferes. Save your excuses, Dolt. Luckily, I recognize the forms of the boy and the band of steel. I wonder who their friend is. No matter... I've already sent the most powerful heroes off planet. Terminating these three will be almost too easy. And then Mongol chimes in. Not if their friend is the real Superman. Back from the dead to haunt you. Ha 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 ha. Superman is basically uh, breaking uh, Mongol's wrist, it looks like. I should kill you for that remark, Mongol. Instead, let this be a reminder of who holds your leash, dog. 
All batteries fire. Obliterate the intruders. There's some giant laser gun things are shooting now at uh, Superman Steel and uh, Superboy. And uh, he goes, so much for surprise, Superman says. And then Superboy goes, yeah, we're spotted like Dalmatians. Steel takes one of the chest, and uh, he seems to be okay, though. You all right? Yeah, it'll take more than one blast to hurt this man of steel. Two, at least. I like your attitude. But would you mind if I just called you Steel? And the name stuck ever since. Now we have to get inside this place. And the only way we can attack that they wouldn't expect is a full frontal assault. That's totally psycho, man. I like it. Of course, I'd like it a lot better if we were talking about Michelle Pfeiffer. Joke all you want, son. As long as you deliver when it counts. Steel, take point. Hit him hard. You got it. And they burst through the ceiling of what this fortress seems to be, and uh, Superboy chimes in. Honey, I'm home, and I brought over some guys from work. Kill the intruders. Take them out fast. Take them out? They're not even my type. Okay, maybe if I rearrange their faces. Walk. And now hiding in a dark corner is a cyborg-looking thing. It looks like Cyborg as we know from the Teen Titans, but it's not him. But he's got like the booster shooter arm thing and contraption it. It is simple to calculate who commands the attacking force. My weapon is charging. Their leader will be terminated in 1.71. And their leader is obviously Superman with a mullet in his scope. 1.14.0.57.0.00. Superman! This is not possible. My aim is infallible. Yet at the last instant, my gun arm jerked down. So? Says Superboy. Apparently the guy responsible for his... Gun arm jerking down. I say jerk's a pretty good word for you. Hey, let's play a new game that's thrilling millions. Robotic gizmos needed or not. <laughs> and he just rips out this uh, robot's heart, basically. We'll start with, oh, this thing I just yanked from your chest. Aw, oh, too bad. You just lost your mechanical semblance of life and a chance at a new car. Next contestant? Y'all got beaten or ran away, kid. How you doing, Superman? Fine, Steel. These flight boots are trashed. Things aren't going to get any easier. I'll need something else to give me an edge. What are you up to, man? I know the odds we're up against. We may die here, but I'm not committing suicide. Some people say the world's biggest Boy Scout, well, you know the Scout's motto, always come prepared. And now, this is probably one of the most iconic shots of Superman um, from his Back from the Dead series is, uh, here he is. Out of nowhere, he seemed to I don't know where he pulled it out of, but now he's got, like, two huge guns. He's got, like, two belts of ammo uh, around each shoulder, and he practically looks like the Punisher, except it's an S on his chest instead of a skull. How many times can you say that you've seen Superman arming himself with guns? And, you know, it's pretty iconic for that one moment, and we all, I think, favor Superman not liking guns, but... uh you gotta be prepared, man, when you're taking on the uh, Superman um, revenge squad and shit. Slam it! Time to earn some merit badges, Superboy says. Which way, my fierce leader? Up towards command center with a quiet, nice view of the ocean, I hear? Down. First we make sure this place is inoperable. Then we take out Mongo and that twisted fake. And now we go to Lois Lane, sitting in what looks like her bedroom. Maybe her living room, but she's kind of got some blankets around her. She looks pretty depressed. All that's missing is some ice cream, really, and... She's flipping through channels. Real Superman. Could it be? This time the good guy is wearing black. Is This is Jack Rye Click. Other false prophet. The cyborg is a true man of tomorrow. He will lead us into the future. Click. 
Fact is, my client, that's the kid, he's got a trademark on the Superman name, so click. Wish Clark was here to end this madness. No, that's not quite true, Lois Lane, and you know it. You want to be by his side, no matter where, no matter how dangerous. They're closing in! And now Clark uh, and Steel and Superboy are being shot at, and they're shooting, and they're in like a what looks like a very technology room thing and they're in the fortress that they broke into and they're closing in on us. I can't hold them back by myself. I need to reload. How's the door coming, kid? Got it. This way. And Superboy primes open the door into what looks to be a giant missile silo. I'll crimp these clothes to make sure no one follows us. Good. We'll use this breather to, uh... Uh, guys? Guys, we got trouble. Big trouble. And now we see a big huge, like, really humongous missile in the silo, and it's starting to warm up. There's steam and stuff coming out, and there's cords plugged into it. I, I think it's the engine bomb thing. You know, the cyber rat's gonna shoot at Metropolis? Boom, goodbye, big apricot. Hello, Engine City Part 2. That's not gonna happen. They found the missile, leader. Excellent. Oh, great. Our friendly neighborhood alien horde. How many hundreds of them this time? Too many to fight on this catwalk. Move to the shield. <laughs> the laser guns there. Move, I'll shield us. Heading down. Find another access hatch. Uh, someone else already found one. And they're, they're basically surrounded by aliens, and uh, they're shooting at them, and all that crap. Launch it. So now a cyborg ordered the missile to get launched, and it's starting to fire up. <laughs> We're toast. <laughs> one chance. This door's got to open into a utility room or something. <laughs> Follow me. <laughs> All the other aliens who were shooting at them got burnt to a crisp by the giant freaking flame coming out of the end of the missile, and now it's being launched, and it made it, just made it. Everyone okay? I'm fine, Steel, but, but the boy. I thought he was right behind you. He's not invulnerable to fire. If he's out there, he's, oh God. He's looking down at like all these burnt bodies. Should have known better. Should have been watching. Steel, wait. We're in some sort of tracking room. Look, that speck on the missile. It's the kid! Now, uh, Superboy is like clinging on to the missile and he's riding it through the air. It's actually a pretty good, uh, pretty cool drawing. A nice shot there, too. But he's just kind of flying. He goes, Gotta keep moving forward. Up to me. Gotta stop this thing. Gotta use my weird disassembling power. Don't know how it works. Not really. But too much at stake. Gotta do it. Gotta. Gotcha! He just, like, breaks part of the. Missile doesn't look seem to do very much because it's a really big missile. Crowd goes wild. One globe down, couple hundred to go. We go back to Superman and Steel. Up to him to stop that missile now. Our job is to make sure this place never launches another one. Good lord. They're looking down at all the burnt corpses again. Life doesn't mean a thing to this madmaster, and he calls himself Superman. When someone takes your life's work and twists it like this, I know. The silence deep. Looks like it goes straight to hell. And that's where we're going, Steel. And since I'm not invulnerable and can't fly, you better catch me before I get there. And he jumps off the catwalk down. Back to the missile, heading towards the skyline of Metropolis. Okay, don't panic. There's still seconds before I'm responsible for the deaths of millions. Took apart some of those globe things, ripped out all the important-looking wires. But I'm no rocket scientist. And if I pulled the plug on Mr. Missile here, it's just dumb luck. And even if it did... At this speed, it'll rip through Metropolis like Godzilla through Tokyo. Tana Moon reporting live. The unidentified missile, which erupted from the Coast City Disaster Zone, has evaded all Patriot anti-missile fire. Gotta, 
Gotta change this course, lift it or something. Now this is a job for Superman. Time to earn your name, kid. What do you mean you can't find Supergirl, Hamperson? My city's about to be destroyed, yells a guy who... I can't tell who exactly that is, but he's in an office building, and he's yelling on the phone. We have to get out of here! Get to safety! Lady, no place is safe. No one is safe. Metropolis just ran out of miracles. Turn, you overgrown firecracker! Says Superboy, who's now in front of the missile, and he's just kind of pushing it up. Perry, I came as soon as I heard. Is it as bad as they say? And Lois Lane and Perry White and some other uh, uh, Daily Planet employees are up on the roof by, you know, the uh, the awesome Daily Planet thingy. Uh, and uh, they're watching from the roof uh, this missile coming right towards that building. No, Lois, it's worse, says Perry White. And then Superboy goes, Aah! Wait, it's the young Superboy man. He, my God, put the chopper down, Gordon, anywhere now. Great shades of Elvis, Perry White says. Yes! He deflected the missile! He deflected the missile! He's riding it over the harbor and toward the open sea. He saved the city. Everyone, Superman saved Metropolis. What? The kid? I don't think he got away, Perry. Oh my god. That, that would have leveled the city. Tana, we're on the air right now. Um, okay, I... There's been a sudden turn of events, and I don't see Superman in the bomb. It, he, I'm sorry, Gordon, but he was a friend of mine. He was my friend. You guys getting this back at the station? These ratings will go through the roof. Dot the end. Dot the end. Dot the end. Whew. All right, that concludes The Adventures of Superman number 504 from September 1993. I don't know, folks. The Reign of Superman is a pretty good storyline, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Can't give away my score quite yet, uh, but I will say the art was pretty damn good. Um, nothing phenomenal, but it was good. The story was decent, um, and the main story, you know, the, the arc itself is probably one of the best Superman tales told, but this issue in particular was good. Um, the dialogue was a bit painful to read out loud, especially. Um, and whenever you, I mean, this just goes with the rule that whenever a comic book writer tries to write for a character who's in their teens, they only alienate all the teens who are reading the comic book. But, um, besides that, uh, it, it was a good rundown memory lane for me. This is like right in my wheelhouse when I started buying and reading my own comics and not just stealing the ones out of my brother's room. But, um, yeah, with the art, the story, all that good stuff, I'm gonna have to go with, uh, seven point eight i'm gonna go with 7.8 because i am biased towards this error and i don't care but uh i hope everyone enjoyed this i hope that they can look it up themselves because this issue uh, it went for a dollar fifty in 1993 but now it goes for a dollar seventy so i think that just reconfirms that your death of superman issue is still worth nothing at all so your kids are gonna have to find their own way to pay for college but um Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, once again, a quick shout-out to uh, DC Weird Science, um, the Cosmic Treadmill, and, of course, the Get Fresh crew. And with that, this is Lord Andy wishing all of you truth, truth justice, justice, and the American way. The American way.